Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of uh, former Bellator fighters, Liz Carmouche, getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week, it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who, of course, uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ. One Patricky Pitbull is, uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check them out. If you're at home, check them out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life. On this Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. Hello again, everyone. I sure hope you're doing well. I am. Thanks for asking. Beautiful day outside. I mean, it is unbelievable outside. This whole week is going to be great the rest of the week. I think it's like 22 outside right now, 22 Celsius. I mean, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I think that's like 76, 74, 75. Who knows? But trust me, beautiful outside. Great to be here. Love Wednesdays. We let our hair down. We have fun. We answer questions. We preview the weekend. We got a lot going on. Hope you all had a lovely Halloween. Hope you all enjoyed it. How was yours, Frank? That was amazing. Did you give out candy? No. Wow. You said that so dismissively. I got some on the way out of the office. Weird. Are you one of those people who uh, turns off your lights and just kind of prays that no one bothers you? You've been to trick-or-treating in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. It's like in bodegas and AT&T stores and whatnot. What about you, GC? Did you go trick-or-treating? No, did not go trick-or-treating. Did you hand out candy? Uh, No, so I actually forgot to pick up it's uh, like a paper you put on your door that welcomes the trick-or-treaters i i didn't pick it up in time so no one knocks on your door no i was i was the you know corner of the hallway dark dimly lit they were like don't go to that house. watch a movie anything get in the spirit oh yeah yeah uh e the tv channel was running a uh, modern family halloween episode marathon okay i was I like just... those uh halloween themed uh, episode Simpsons, of course, yep. classic one. Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Modern Family had a, you know, they've got a, a lot of great Halloween episodes. Really? One of my favorite shows. Oh, yeah, great show. Never knew that. Never um, seen it. 
No, never seen it either. Real life, neither of y'all have ever seen it? Well, I've seen the show. Yeah, it's like an episode. I've seen a few of them. I actually think, does it take place in Arizona? No, California. Oh. Countless awards, you know. Yeah, no, no, it's a great show. Great, great show. Legendary show. Is it still on? Nope. It's all wrapped up. 11 seasons. I didn't know that the Halloween thing was a big thing for them. Um, Also, haven't heard anyone reference E in a very long time. I used to watch E all the time. They I used didn't even to have still uh, around. Howard Stern show on. You remember that, Frank? Oh yeah, those were the best. Little they had that family, little Sex in the City, Sex in the City on E. Oh yeah, wow, the greatest block for me as like a 16, 17, 18 year old was eleven to twelve, eleven p.m. to twelve a.m. on E every night. Well, weeknights, Howard Stern eleven to eleven thirty, Wild on E eleven thirty to twelve. Anyone know Wild on E? That was the best. Sounds wild. No, you don't know that? No. Brooke Burke, hosted by Brooke Burke. Fellow Jew? No. Wow, you guys missed out. You guys missed out. She used to travel the world, go to like Ibiza, or as they say, uh, you know, in Ibiza, Ibiza. You say Ibiza. You don't Ibiza. Say Ibiza. If Ibiza. you're, yeah, instead of Ibiza. Ibiza. I think Ibiza. It's got Ibiza. like an F in there. Yeah, Ibiza. No, not an F. It's like a th- Barcelona. Th- I just call it Ibiza. Yeah. Sounds you would. exotic. You would, Frank. You would. Anyway, I had a great time. Made it in time. Thanks for asking, guys. Uh, we went around for like two hours, got a bunch of stuff, a bunch of candy, and then the best part is they go to sleep and you eat it all. Loved it. You didn't bring any in for us. No. I mean, I think I would have been uh, disowned as their, as their father if I would have done that. Favorite candy that you like to steal? I have to say, I uh, get very excited with the Reese's Pieces. Whether it's the cup or like the smarty version of it, those are the pieces. The pieces, and then the other one is called a Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, yeah. you're calling. You're, you're discussing the entire Reese's oh, wow. umbrella. You yeah. know, then there's puffs, pieces, right, peanut right, butter right. cups. I I like the the little like the the M M&M and M version of it. You know what I'm talking the about? Pieces. The pieces. Yes, yeah, the I pieces. guess that's what it's called. E T's favorite candy. I like the cups a lot. I'm a big peanut butter guy, so I love peanut butter. Um, you know what I have to say? First time in a very long time, if ever, that I tried, and they 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 tried to pawn a few of these on me, and I actually really enjoyed it. Almond Joy. Let's go. I wish Rick. We was need here. to get. Yeah, we need to get Rick on the horn. He hates what? Almond Joys. I'm a huge proponent. I actually thought it was great. Too. Oh. They're they're tasty. What did you say there, GC? What was the second one? Mounds. It's like the dark chocolate version. You take the almond out. Oh, I don't know. I've never heard oh, of that. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I, I'm an island boy myself. You know, love the Almond Joys. Love yeah, Almond Joy, not bad. I, I always feel uh, like I dismissed it. I'll tell you the one that I don't like is that circular mint one. What is that one? Peppermint Patty? Patty? No, it's like, in a, it's like in a silver... The York. Yeah, the York. Yeah, York. Ugh. Oh, love them. You like that? Oh, especially around the holidays. Oh, Pretty sure those York Peppermint Patties. Yeah, no good, no good. That's one where they actually tried to pawn it off me, and I was like, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. The thing was, usually after the show, I get so hungry, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't eat. I had to go uh, meet them right away. So in the midst of the trick-or-treating, I was like, hey, you know, can I get a thing? Can I? And they're like, no. They were being so stingy. I was like, can I not have one? You have a 1,000 in there. Can I not have something just to hold me over here? You're I'm supposed good. to examine them first. Yeah, that's true. They were very stingy. But, you know, you just wait till they go to bed, and then you eat it all. Um, anyway, it was a great time and we had a great show. Again, shout out to GC for uh, decorating the studio. We got a lot to get to as always today. Can't wait for this Wednesday show. Great guests, hopefully some great questions, and hopefully we get uh, back on the horse, so to speak, the proverbial horse, as they say in the biz, uh, and we, uh, we snap the losing streak. What is it at now? Seven? 
Six. 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 Come on, give us a little respect here. I, I did say before the show, uh, confidence not as high as a couple weeks ago, if only because it's one of the worst fight nights of all time. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's just a very shallow card. And it wasn't the original lineup. I know the main event fell through, all that stuff. I feel good about MSG. I think we'll have a lot of options. And I think we'll have a big week on this show because, of course, you know the eyes of the MMA world will be on this great city of ours but we'll deal with all of that next week. For now, let me tell you who's on today's program. And let me also tell you that, as always, we are presented by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. It's a good time to sign up for a little DraftKings Sportsbook action, my friends. You got the World Series. How about them fills? You got the Bills on a roll. Big deadline day for them yesterday. NFL in full swing. Hockey in full swing. NBA in full swing. Tons of MMA. Tons of combat. Boxing, big Dimitri Bivol fight in Abu Dhabi this weekend. There's a lot going on. And so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the code THEMMAHOUR for a special offer when you sign up. Very important, please use the code THEMMAHOUR when you sign up only at DraftKings. That's how they know we sent you. And then they tell the bosses here that they love us very much. So it all works out for everyone involved. Now, back into the show. Speaking of DraftKings, Parlay Pals will reconvene and hopefully get off the schneid. We'll also get uh, GC's picks for the weekend. Looking forward to that. Jared Gordon is going to join us. Jared Flash Gordon, <clears throat> who you may have heard, is fighting Patty Pimblett on December 10th, UFC 282, the final UFC of 2022. Jared Gordon, big spot for him against Patty Pimblett, who, of course, has had quite the run thus far in the UFC 3-0 for the Scouser. Looking forward to talking to Jared Gordon. BJ Flores, the former cruiserweight contender, the former uh, boxer, pro boxer, now the head coach for one Jake Paul will join us. We'll kind of put the whole Jake Paul Anderson Silva thing to bed and get his thoughts on the performance from this past weekend in Glendale. TJ Dillashaw, you may have heard of him. He had a big title fight two weeks ago in Abu Dhabi. Unfortunately, didn't go his way. The former bantamweight champion, uh, often in the news these days. We'll talk to him about the injury, where he goes from here, all that and more. And our good friend Arnold Allen, who a young man uh, back in Wales in September gave me a signed card of his. He'll be joining us to talk about his win over Calvin Cater this past weekend, where he goes from here, 145, a very interesting division, uh, especially with the champ seemingly going off to fight the lightweight champ is some Makhachev, so a lot to like there and a lot to discuss there with the great Arnold Allen, who we always enjoy having on the program. But as you know, we love Wednesdays because uh, we love to answer your questions, and I'm really liking this thing that we're doing where we're answering the questions off the bat because I have a lot of energy, I have a lot of panache, I have a lot of oomph, I have a lot of fire in my belly as opposed to the end of the show where, you know, I have to go to the bathroom, I'm tired. It's hungry. time for a good old-fashioned Q&A, Thirsty. Ornery. Ladies and gentlemen, unhappy. The has I feel great. I feel great himself, right now, so Ariel we'll keep this Hawaii. going. And how about Lewis Gilmore? I mean, this guy, Moderator Lewis, is just... He told me yesterday he didn't want the streak... You know, he's just doing this out of the kindness of his heart, but he had a busy day because of the, uh, you know, the time change. There's a time change right now oh, yeah. in the UK. They changed the clocks. They turned the clocks back. Thank you very much to Mike Heck for that, of course. They turned the clocks back a week before us. We do it on Sunday. They did it last week. So his schedule didn't mesh. 
And he's like, what can we do? What can we do? And I was like, you know what? Take the week off. It's all good. He's like, no, I'm not going to take the week off. So that's why I sent out the solicitation yesterday to give him enough time to do it. I mean, could you talk about a bigger mensch? It's pretty much Katie Taylor and Lewis Gilmore up there with the great mention of the uh, of the world that we live in. Let's go, guys. Let's answer some questions. James is first up. Ah, yeah, there we go. Let me get comfortable here. What is up, Ariel? Ever since it's been announced, I've been wondering... What are you and all the other media guys going to do to promote the upcoming Bellator Ryzen card? Oh, boy. We're starting off with this. Let me keep reading here. How much are you going to talk about it? It just feels like it's the media's responsibility to get the word out. Oh, I see what you're doing, James. Just wanted to know what you plan on doing to let everyone know that this event is taking place. Anyways, I'm writing this question while here at work. Got to get back to the Friars. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you, James. Not even giving me a chance to warm up. We're really going uh, We're going in this direction right off the bat. Okay. Of course, uh, young James is referencing a clip that made the rounds from the great, the very talented Josh Thompson on his podcast. Um, there was this clip that made the rounds where Josh Thompson laid down the gauntlet. He laid down the gauntlet. He challenged the MMA media to promote the upcoming Ryzen versus Bellator card that's going down December 31st at the Saitama Super Arena in, uh, in Japan, which is very exciting. Um, if you may, you know, this was a big topic of discussion. I think last Wednesday, I saw it when we were traveling to, uh, to Arizona. You may have noticed that I did not touch this one, if only because I really... I wanted nothing to do with it. I couldn't care less. I really couldn't care about anything that Josh Thompson has to say. And that's not because like I have some sort of personal grudge against them, but if we're going to try to fight these battles every time someone quote unquote challenges the media, I mean, you know, we're going to be blue in the face. So I just left it because I didn't feel like writing about it, tweeting about it, retweeting it. And then inevitably what would happen is he would talk about how, you know, he's in our heads and he would post a picture or a video of himself on the beach from four years ago, but he would pretend it's now and say that he's got this great life and that, you know, that he's under our skin and all this stuff and, and make himself feel all that much more important. We've been through all of this already and uh, it wasn't exactly the most uh, rewarding experience of my life. So I just kind of left it as is. I will say this, if you want my my feelings, I feel like this is what uh, James is getting at. If you want my feelings on the clip, I, I actually feel like he made one critical error in that uh, little diatribe of his. And had he not made that error, I don't think he would have received the heat that he received. Had he swapped the word promote with cover, then I think he would have had, you know, he would have had a, a fine point. If you listen to what he said, and every time he said promote, and you swap the word promote for cover, then you could have had you know a sensible conversation. All right, hey, MMA media, are you guys going to cover this? Are you going to give it the attention that it deserves? Are you going to do X, Y, and Z? The problem was, he said promote. Our job is not to promote anything. Our job is to cover things. And there's a massive difference between promotion and coverage. Now, by virtue of coverage... Do you promote things? Yeah, sure. When we talk about UFC 281 next week, we're covering it, but also by covering it, you're shining a light on it and someone could deem that promotion or view that as promotion. But our job isn't sit here and say, hmm, how are we going to promote this card? How are we going to promote that card? How are we going to promote 281 or Fight Night at the Apex? That's not what we do. 
That's not what the media's job is. So had he said cover instead of promote, would have made all the difference in the world. And if you're going to sit here and say, oh, that's semantics, it's not. Promoters promote, organizations promote, networks promote, media companies cover, media outlets cover. Big difference, massive difference. Promotions spend money to promote, to market, to get the word out. We spend money to cover, to shine a light. And sometimes those things are positive. Sometimes those things are negative. Sometimes we're talking about Anderson Silva getting knocked down before a fight, which I can assure you probably didn't help that promotion. Sometimes we're talking about, you know, Jake Paul being 5-0. Like, there's, a, there's a huge difference. And if you can't grasp that, I don't know what to tell you, but learn a little bit about what journalism is. Speaking of which, I hate to break the news to Josh, and I hate to break the news to Daniel Cormier, and I hate to break the news to Michael Bisping, and I hate to break the news to Anthony Smith and anyone else who is a former fighter now doing stuff on YouTube, podcast, whatever it is, you are all part of the MMA media now, whether you like it or not. Now, is your perspective different? Is, is your experience different? Your background different? Sure, we all come from different spots. But now that you're doing this and you're talking about other fights and you're putting content out there and you want people to watch, you're now part of the MMA media too. So turn that gun on yourself as well. If you don't like what the MMA, if you're doing one of those shows and you're shitting on the MMA media, you're shitting on yourself as well. You're playing yourself as well because you are not in some sort of separate category. It's all the same. And that's why I hate when people would always do that, like the MMA media, this, MMA. No, if you have an issue with someone's coverage, you have an issue with someone's you know, um, reporting, writing, whatever, call that person out. Specifically call that person out. Otherwise, this paint everyone with the same brush media is ridiculous. It would be the same like if we're breaking down you know, an event or a fight, and as opposed to doing that, as opposed to criticizing, let's say, Israel Adesanya for his fight against Jared Kananier, we're criticizing all strikers, all fighters, all CKB fighters. No, that's not how it works. You have an issue with someone, you have an issue with someone's coverage, reporting, journalism, whatever, call them out. Pick the fight with them, not with everyone. We're not all the same human beings. And what was so, I guess, funny about the timing of that clip was that news came out in the morning, and I already saw a ton of outlets, including ours, report on it, shine a light. I saw people tweeting about it. I saw Nolan King tweet about it, who's one of the best young journalists out there. I saw all the MMA fighting people tweet about it. I even tweeted about it before I even saw about the Josh Thompson clip. I was saying like, wow, this is great. Back to Japan, New Year's Eve. We haven't had this in a while. It's all nonsensical. And of course, what isn't being said in that clip is he works for Bellator. He gets paid by Bellator. He would never challenge you know, the MMA media to cover a one championship fight or a KSW fight or a PFL card. Of course, you don't need to challenge the MMA media to cover UFC because they're the big dog. And, and, and yes, there is a point to be had there where it's like, all right, we all cover the UFC more than Bellator. We all cover the UFC more than PFL. We all cover the UFC more than KSW or one. You know why? The UFC product is better than all of them. And I'm sorry if that offends anyone, but the UFC product is infinitely better than all of them. And now I'm going to get all the freakazoids. The difference is there are no freakazoids for these other promotions, but it's the truth. I'm sorry if this is uh, hurting anyone's feelings. The UFC product is better. Now, the UFC on its best day is better than all of them. If you're going to compare the best Bellator card to what we're getting on Saturday, obviously not. But I'm talking best for best. The UFC product's better. So they don't need to challenge us to, quote unquote, promote or cover a UFC event because they're the top dogs. So if you want this to be some sort of like, you know, 
reverse psychology where you challenge us and you know, as a result of that, we're going to cover it more, it's not going to work. Guess what? Make the cards better. It's on them. The, the, the real challenge here is what is Bellator going to do to get the public to care about this? What is Bellator going to do? What is Showtime going to do to get us to know about who these fighters are and to know about who they're fighting? Because the Bellator fighters are, are known. The Ryzen fighters, they're not known here. I can't even tell you what the card is off the top of my head right now. I know that AJ McKee is on it and Pitbull is on it. Um, Archuleta is on it and Horiguchi's on it. I can't tell you their opponents right now. And I'm like deep in the weeds in this stuff. So the real challenge here is what is Bellator going to do? Not us. Trust me, MMA media is going to cover it. They will cover it. What are you guys going to do? And this tired, boring, lazy-ass narrative that the MMA media is afraid to cover other promotions because they're afraid of getting their credentials revoked is the biggest bunch of bullshit I have heard. This ain't 2007. Trust me, take it from someone who was, you know, affected by this, not because he covered other promotions. They were unhappy that, you know, I was breaking news and it was a very deep and, and, and complicated relationship. But who have you heard from in, uh, of the people that go on the road these days, the people that are actually going to all these events, right? You know, the, the, the usual suspects who you see at all the events. Have you heard anyone say, and I can tell you, I haven't heard it publicly or privately that, hey, I went to a Bellator event and then I went to a UFC event and I got shit for it. I went to a Jake Paul event and then I went to a UFC event and I got shit. It doesn't happen anymore. They don't care as much as they did 15 years ago when they were fighting for that respect. It's the wackest shit I ever heard. And by the way, the, the vast majority of the best MMA media members aren't even going to events on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis anymore. I can name a bunch of them that don't go anymore because the coverage has changed. The way we cover it changes. Um, it has evolved. We, we don't rely on it as much. We sit here on this show eight, nine hours a week talking about this stuff. Um, and, and they need to do a better job. That's just the facts. I mean, I hardly, I'll tell you, like last week, they had Bell, we had Bellator Milan. I hardly even remembered that that was happening. I know I didn't see any promotion for that. Promotion for that. Get the word out for that. Promotional materials for that. Great content for that. Videos for that. The onus should be on them. The only reason why I had Fabian Edwards on, to be honest, is because they reached out to me. And I was like, yeah, of course, I'd love to have Fabian. But there was a lot going on. There was UFC. There was uh, the Paul Anderson fight, all that stuff. They need to do a better job. They need to do a better job coming up with ideas, pitching. I'll tell you, PFL these days, doing a good job of creating content, fun stuff, trying to drive people to be aware that their events are happening. So just doing a conference call and just putting on an event isn't enough these days when there's so much going on. There's literally an event or two of medium size every weekend. So, you know, laughable. I actually have no issues with Josh. I think the show that he does with, uh, you know, with, with, with Big John, who's an absolute legend of the game and I have no issues with him whatsoever. He, um, you know, he, he, he's a hall of famer. He, he will always be a hall of famer. He will always be one of the founding fathers of the sport. I think it serves a purpose. And I think it's great that more and more fighters are getting into the quote unquote media side of things. But when they try to do what we do every single week or every single day, they're, they're, they're trying to do exactly what we're doing and have done for the past decade, but then at some point remove themselves and be like, oh, no, 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 I have nothing to do with you, then it becomes a little silly. 
because listening to Josh Thompson or any other ex-fighter or athlete tell me or the media how to cover the sport that we are covering is as insane as me telling them how to fight. I would never have the balls or audacity to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Your technical breakdown of Izzy and Pajeda, hey, Dan Hardy, mm, it's off, man. It's off. I got to tell you, it's off. No, I would never say that shit because that's insane. I've never fought. All right? So you guys are new to this side of things, right? If you want to tell us that our technical breakdowns are wrong, do it all day. But to tell us how to cover MMA and to tell us that we're not covering the company that you're getting paid by, that you proudly, you know, represent and wear their gear and all that is disingenuous at best. And I would say that I would love to see more of, you know, Josh and and John in the booth as opposed to at the desk. Um, I think that would be a better use of them. And I think there, again, there is a place for all of them, but you try to make these little clicky click links, videos, clips, just to get us all riled up when in essence, we know that, you know, you're just trying to gain promotion for your own show and get us to talk about your own show. It's tired, it's lazy, and you're using the wrong words. That's a big part of being in the media. Use the right words. Promotion, coverage, two different things. Now cue someone clipping this and then, you know, me getting into a back and forth and the quote tweets and all this stuff. Anyway, them's my thoughts. Silly, stupid. It ain't 2009. Get over it. And do a better job of promoting yourselves. You work for them. You promote them. Uh, Jay, hey, Ariel, thanks for all you do. What's one of the most recent moments in this sport that reminded you why you enjoyed so much? The week-in, week-out grind of MMA can sometimes make keeping up with the sport feel like a slog. What is something that happened recently that made you go, hell, this is why I fell in love with this stuff in the first place? I'll tell you, great question. And the first thing that came to mind when I was reading that was Leon Edwards. Moments like that, where, as I said in the aftermath, you can't take a 20-point shot in, in basketball. You can't throw a 20-point or you know, a 21-point touchdown in, uh, in, in the NFL. You can't do that. You can't do it in soccer. You can't do it in baseball. That's essentially what he did. It was one massive shot with 50 seconds left. And it changed his life, and it changed his sport, and it changed the division, and it changed the UFC. It changed the UK, MMA scene, all that. So that's one moment. Um, Nate... And the way that all turned in his favor after it looked like he was about to get screwed was another moment. Uh, there have been a lot. The, um, you know, the, the the first London show in particular this year, which I think was the best show of the year, best crowd of the year, that was incredible. There's a lot that we love. But yes, uh, there is a week in, week out grind. And that's why I feel so passionate when I talk about the Apex, because I feel like the Apex, you know, does a great job of taking our love away from the sport and why we get into it. And I and I see some people saying like, oh, see, that's the difference between me and Ariel. I like it for the fights. I like it for the technique. I like it for the fighters. You are lying if you don't think, you're lying to yourself if you don't think that the glitz, the glamour, the feuds, the 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 the, the, the hype, all that stuff feeds into and helps grow your love for the sport. Otherwise, you'd be watching, you know, 1 a.m. kickboxing on ESPN2. 
there's a reason why the UFC is the UFC because we have an emotional investment in these fighters because we know who they are because we are attached to them because we want to see if Izzy can beat Alex Pajeda. We want to see if Dustin and Chandler can settle their feet. Like we, we care about these people. That's why we love it. And if we don't have any attachment to them, they're just a bunch of faceless fighters. So yeah, I need that attachment. I need that feeling. I need that connection. It's very important. Michael, hi, Ariel. I feel like we're getting to the point where Jake Paul is getting too good at boxing for it really to be a surprise anymore when he beats an MMA fighter in the ring. My question for you is, how many current UFC fighters would you favor slash would be betting favorites against Jake Paul in the ring right now? I personally think Izzy Pajeda both would be, but otherwise, a lot of guys who have talked about possibly facing him would be clear underdogs, such as Nate, Connor, Paolo, Kamaru. Thanks. Well, I, I do think one thing that comes into play is Nate, Connor, and Kamaru a lot smaller than he is, right? I mean, that fight was 187. That's the smallest he's been. I think he told me that he could get down to 75. I don't know about that, but um, God bless if he can. Size is a factor for sure. Uh, age is a factor for sure. Um, do you see, would you say that Izzy would be a uh, betting favorite over... Uh, over Jake in a boxing match right now? Uh, yeah, I think so. Just with his, his kickboxing acumen. Would you say he... Alex Pajeda? Oh, yeah. I, I feel like Alex Pajeda more than, more than Izzy just because he has that, that knockout power. I mean, if Alex Pajeda catches Jake Paul with that left hook, it, yeah. I think it's lights out. Uh, what about... Yeah, I mean, what's the proper weight class? Middleweight or light heavyweight? Well, his last fight was 87, so let's talk about middleweights. Would he be a favorite against Paulo Costa, in your opinion? Oh man, that'd be interesting. See now, now these guys you're talking about now, they they still have youth on their side, where sure. he's been fighting older fighters. And Anderson Silva did open as a favorite. I feel like opening line Paolo Costa would be would be. The you think favorite. so? I mean, Sean I Strickland, so, Derek Brunson, Marvin Vittori. I feel like, like he'd be Darren a Brunson. No way. He'd yeah. be a favorite over Derek. Cannonier. Sure. I feel like he'd be a favorite all, over Cannonier all those guys. Too. Darren yeah. Hill. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Glover, Jan, Magomed. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for that, which I guess is part of the reason why people want to see him fight a boxer. By the way, is the, I may have asked you this on Monday, but is there a line for him versus Tommy, who seems no, to be the only boxer that people talk about him fighting? He opened up when the original match was set as like a minus 225. I bet he would get steamed up to minus 300, minus 350 after this his point, performance yeah. against Silva. yeah. Um, the Pied Piper of Newark asks, Hey, Ariel, you were by far the best dressed on the panel at Paul versus Silva. Thanks. So my question is a two-parter. One, where do you get your snazzy suits and ties? And two, who picks them out for you? P.S. My jets are going to destroy your bills this Sunday. Ah! Aren't the jets in a tailspin? I mean, they just lost to the lowly, sad sack New England Patriots. Kidding me? This is going to be great. Tremendous deadline yesterday. Brandon Bean and the boys doing work. We got Hines now. Had to say goodbye to Zach Moss. Tredavious White potentially back. Marlo back. Joshy back. Well, he never left. Um, thank you for the compliment. Thank you to Ben Folks and Chad Dundas for the compliment as well. They said the same on their show, the Co-Main Event Podcast. Um, they're definitely not media, by the way. Those guys are not media at all. Uh, the Suits, yes. I met... A uh, youngish man from Dallas named Zahid. Uh, Z-Spoke Menswear, I believe, is the name of his, uh, 
of his business. Uh, he's a tremendous tailor, and I met him like three, four years ago. And uh, yeah, he's he's. I have a suit guy. Guys, could pretty, you imagine? Uh, it's pretty intense. Yeah, I got a suit guy. Z spoke like what Z Z Z yeah. spoke. I, I've tagged him a couple times. Um, well, basically, it's like if I get a deal on it, I'll do like a big promotion. But if I'm paying, you know, full price, it's like I'm paying full price, uh, and I do pay. Uh, initially, I got a couple on the house just to, you know, develop the relationship in uh, in exchange for some social media love. But now I pay because also small business I want to support as well. Um, I'm really bad with colors, as you guys may have uh, heard in the past. And so he'll send me a bunch of stuff and I'll tell him, you know, what I like, what I don't like. Obviously, I like the plaids. I like the, you know, this type of stuff. Not too crazy. So he'll send me stuff and, um, yeah, have a few. And... Um, I'm a big fan of the uh, the double-breasted these days. I used to be a big fan of the three-piece. No longer like the double-breasted way more. Pretty cool. Yeah. Did you like my suit, Frank? On yeah, I thought it was Did right. you watch? Yeah, I did. You thought it was all right? I mean, all right is a compliment. Got a lot of compliments on it. Where do you get the ties? Same guy. So does he make the ties? Or he no, I, I think he sources them. He makes the suits, um, but then he'll include a tie and... As part of the package and also um, the uh, the hanky. Nice. Yeah. Now, multiple suits throughout the week, correct? Yeah, three. Yeah, that's what I thought. They were all they were all great. Now, I appreciate. Do you, it. do you choose the pattern, or are you like whip me up something? No, no. I, I I'm particular about uh, the style that I like, and uh, like I said, I really like the double breasted. Um, double breasted feels like a yeah. It it's feels class. Like a power play. Yeah. Yeah, it's class. Boss move. I appreciate it. Uh, not all of them are, but um, so he'll send me pictures. I wish he lived here, uh, you know, so I could see with my own eyes because sometimes it's a little different picture, video, whatever. And then we'll go back and forth. But just to be clear, like I don't have like 30 of these. I have like, I don't know, six, seven. It's just I don't wear them all the time. Uh, and there, there's a couple of new, you know, like I, I wore a new one at the uh, the presser, the Rahman presser um, that people seem to like a blue one. So yeah. Uh, tough to travel with that many suits, by the way. They get very heavy, like in, in the suit bag, you know? Yeah, can you just ship them out? I don't know. I've never even thought of that. You know, when I worked at Fox, they used to keep the analyst suits at Fox and would ship them to the events. I was the only one that they didn't do that for. Like oh, So, like, man. DC would just show up to the event and he'd have a suit waiting for him. I would have to freaking lug this thing from, you know my home to the airport to the venue like all that uh they would show up not knowing what they're gonna wear i can't oh, but and by the way i can't give that much power to someone i don't there's no one that i trust including my wife to just pick out my clothes for me you know chael and i'm sure he doesn't mind me saying this chael doesn't even pack his own bags chael's wife is so salt of the earth that she will pack his bags for him everything down to underwear and socks not only that put snacks in there and a loving note for him. Can't beat that. He just, he just is like, all right, time to go. And, and she everything's made, ready to go. Everything's ready. He doesn't <laughs> think about it. Toiletries, suits, shirts. I'm like, hey, chill. That's a great thing. He's like, yeah, uh, my wife got it for me last week. I was like, wow, what a life. Wow. Sometimes Dude, chill will send me a picture of him awesome. lying in bed with one of those like trays and he's watching the news and he's got like a full breakfast in front of him. One time he sent it to me early on when he would do this and I was like, wow, what hotel are you at? He's like, no, this is my, this is my house, my wife. Man. Yeah, his wife is incredible. 
I wait to pack until like the very last second, hoping it'll irritate my wife enough to just pack it for me. Does it work? Never. No. <laughs> I'll keep trying. I, I. But again, like I'm particular. I don't know. I don't want someone packing for me. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, Lloyd, good day, Ariel. My question today relates to the Fighters Union Agreement Jake Paul made with Anderson Silva. Do you actually think he is serious about making this? Look up the number of projects he's been associated with, cryptos, NFTs, that he just abandons as soon as he gets his money. It would be terrible to see it get off the ground, get fighters on board, then abandon them like I feel like he would inevitably would. Then you have a situation like the previous time fighters tried to unionize. Also, note, I'm in no way against the fighters union. I just don't think Jake Paul is the guy to be the figurehead. Would love to get your take. Shout out to the whole crew. Huge fan from Suffolk, England. Lloyd, shout out. Um, remains to be seen. I, my stance hasn't changed. Remember, I sat here last week saying he needs to prove it to us. And, you know, me included now, like I, I was sort of like blindly believing it all. And that was before I knew about this bet. I, I didn't know that there was going to be a bet or that this would be part of the bet. And so, yeah, okay, this is a nice step, but it's not just about making the bet. It's not just about throwing that out there. It's about actually going forward with it. And, you know, like I've said in the past, his, uh, his, uh, Business partners, Nikisa Badarian, who's the former CFO of the UFC, and I know that this is something that he's passionate about. And so let's see what happens. But yes, I, I do think that there's a lot of pressure on him. And one could argue, like, why do you even put this on? Like, he could just go out there and fight dudes, and that would be it. Like, no one's asking him to do this. And you're right. There are a lot of fighters who don't like him, don't trust him, don't want to be on board with whatever he's trying to do. And so that's going to be a tough sell in its own right. Um I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt, and let's see. Uh, we, we spoke a bit, you know, privately about our little back and forth on Twitter, and it's all good there. So, you know, shout out to everyone who thought that I was going to be removed or in trouble or any other kind of bullshit that you guys threw out. Uh, we're all good. People have spats sometimes. It happens. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see, by the way, if Anderson goes through with it if he really wants to be a part of something like this it's a tough thing man i remember when we had the uh the pfa i think it was in 2016 and um jeff boris the former baseball agent for the likes of barry bonds and bobby Bonilla and so many others tried really hard showed up to events a bunch of events and no one wanted to get on board a lot of people told them they'd get on board but they didn't actually get on board um so i'm i'm really curious to see what happens here and if uh, if anyone gets on board. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. And uh, being Jake Paul doesn't make it easier because on the one hand, you're feuding with these guys and on the other hand, you're trying to get them on board. Like, it's tough, you know, because now you have people who think like, oh, you are, you know, you're disrespecting our legends. And so that doesn't really vibe, doesn't really mesh with trying to bring everyone together. Uh, I do think that there's a part of him in his heart that wants to make this happen, but uh, maybe there's also a part that doesn't realize just how difficult this is going to be. So let's see. Uh, Ariel, greetings. Should John Jones set himself on fire to motivate Stipe to fight him? Um, Lewis writes, lots of questions about John Jones asking for updates, but this was my favorite. Honestly, I mean, now that the fight isn't happening for December, here's what I'll say. Now that the fight isn't happening clearly in December... I think that they're going to turn their attention to March and Ganu. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if this marks the end of Stipe's career. 
Stipe is going to go off into the night very quietly. Stipe was never going to make a big hullabaloo. You know, maybe it's a post or something like that, but uh, Stipe, pretty quiet guy, pretty private guy, likes his life, is a firefighter. He was not going to make a big deal about the end of his fighting career. And I think once they didn't really come correct with an offer, and that's really what happened here. Like, it was like a, hey, you know, you want to fight him? Here's the amount. Take it or leave it. And he's like, uh, and then they just moved on. So I think now they're going to try to make the fight against Nganu in March. And if they do that, who's Tipe going to fight? Is he going to be motivated to fight way less, you know, for less money than he was making as champion to fight a surreal gun or a Curtis Blade? Blades? I can't see it happening. So wouldn't shock me if we never see him again. Could he come back? Sure. Next week. Great. But right now, wouldn't shock me if we never see him again. Isaac, hey, Ariel, third time, long time, with 2022 closing out and John not fighting in December, seemingly more realistic. Bummer, I'm heading to that December 10th card, he writes. What fight are you most anticipated to watch before the end of the year? Seems the crowd favorite is Izzy Alex, but me personally, I'm going with Raytheon Stotts versus Danny Sabatello. Man, I almost forgot that that's still, <laughs> still to come December 3rd. Feels like ages ago that they were in here, but uh, I am looking forward to that. Uh, right now, if I had to pick one, what do you think it is, GC? What do you think my one fight is right now? Most looking of, forward to it. For the rest of 2022? Yeah. There is one that came to mind right away. Um, sorry. What's Frank? wrong with Frank over there? <laughs> I was going to say. Frank, what are sorry. you doing? You're fighting with people? What's happening? <laughs> yes. What's um, happening? Is everything okay? Do you need me to come back there? There was a file that I thought was missing. Uh, wow. I was going to say, I'm a little I'm, distracted back here. I've Frank never heard Frank speak like this quite before. Quite literally hollering about uh, about a file name Frank. Uh, that is inconsequential at this point to the show. A rare peek behind the curtain. I mean, screaming back here. You see what I deal with. Frank, uh, you, you okay? Know, it's, Do you need a minute? I'll be all right. Do you need to take a break, a breather? Go around the, the block, take a walk. Anyway, it's I'm bad. sorry. I'm uh, sorry for putting you on the spot like that. Uh, UFC, Bellator, one. Can I get? Can we narrow it down? Boxing. It's a very easy one. It's Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. Ah, uh, I mean, what is hotter than that? I mean, I just can't. Those Dustin two guys. Poirier's hot sauce is that hotter? Oh, uh, that, that is a good call. Yeah, that is a good call. Uh, had some last <laughs> night. Uh, I just, I, I love that fight. God, I love that. It's fight. It's gonna be fireworks. I can't wait. Madison Square Garden too. Oof. And just like the the tension there between them, they l- don't like each other. They're two like super tough, strong guys, confident. Resumes speak for themselves. Oh, what Title a fight! Picture implications. That's my favorite fight. I mean, obviously, you know, Izzy Pajeda is super interesting, and there's a bunch of interesting fights coming up, and uh, Gordon and Pimblet and all that stuff is great. But oh my god! I mean, you're, I like. Sometimes fights can be letdowns. I feel like that's a guaranteed banger. Like guaranteed it's going to oh, be Oh, it's going to be great. And it's going to be one of those where we're like, oh, I wish there were two more rounds, right? Like yeah, what's the over in that fight? I mean, I, I, oh, man, they haven't said it yet, but I, I, imagine, I imagine the under is going to be the favorite. You think so? Yeah. I could wow. see someone going to finish out. in that. For sure. I, I could definitely see those that. Those are tough guys. I know, but the way Chandler goes about fights like he just makes it so chaotic gotta be smart gotta be smart against uh dustin i love that fight love dustin love mike they're both great they're both legends um crazy that we haven't seen dustin all year last fight was for the belt in december 
and obviously there was you know the the DS stuff in the air. But if I had to pick one, that's it. What about you? So I'm pretty hyped for Yuri Glover too, but I mm. do have a worry there's going to be a letdown factor to it just because the first one was so good. Mm. But I'll go with Yuri Glover too. It's not a bad one. Uh, second for me would be Amanda Lemos and Marina Rodriguez. Big title implications yeah. in the strawweight division, I'm telling yeah. you. Uh, Newman, hello, Ariel, hello, Newman. First, I have to give a shout-out to GC for the Halloween graphics on the intro to Monday's show. Amazing stuff. His costume was also incredible for as long as it lasted. Were you frustrated about that? No, because we, we still got it on the air, and yeah. like, I got to say a few words, and then, you know, the audio, the audio cut out, but... You know, I don't know who's responsible for that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I don't, I don't. Again, I don't think he's paying attention. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Uh, you still talking about the file? Yeah, I think he's elevating the file. He's he's shooting he's up the ladder here. <laughs> uh, Jake Paul looked much improved on Saturday, and I would like to see him face an actual boxer next. So Tommy Fury in the UK would be my choice. I think he would destroy Nathan Diaz in a boxing match at this point. Sign me up for Nate versus Floyd. All right, you might get your wish. Speaking of the UK, there has been some talk of Edwards versus Usman 3 on March 18th in the UK, but Sean Brady mentioned in your interview on Monday that there may be a pay-per-view in Vegas on March 4th. Do you know if the UFC is planning two pay-per-views in March, and if so, could March 4th be Jones and Ganu? They still haven't told the particulars involved what they're planning. March could be April. Everyone just chill out on it. And yes, there could be two in March. We saw two in March not that long ago, but people are throwing out dates, throwing out... like. All of this is still very much a work in progress from what I'm hearing. Jacob, there are rumors swirling that Colby versus Hamzat is going to be on March 4th in Vegas as co-main event. Any truth to this? And if that isn't the headliner in itself, what would the main event be? Thank you as always. You know, the March American, the American March pay-per-view could very well be Nganu Jones if they can figure out the Nganu side of the equation. Again, very premature, you know, things can change. Who the hell knows? And Colby Hamzad is a fight that they wanted. They wanted it to be on ABC this past summer. And if Hamzad is staying at 70, that's the fight to make, if you ask me. It does get interesting, though. What if Colby beats Hamzad and Usman beats Leon? What do you do then? Because then you have Colby and Usman as number one and two still. And I don't know if there's a huge demand for the third fight right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Matmo, dear Lord Ariel. You killed it on the Paul Silva broadcast over the weekend. Congrats on getting those big moments in the ring. You truly shined in there with the fighters, and no one could have done it better. Wow, thank you very much. Anywho, the great Arnold Allen moved to 10-0 and in the UFC with his win over Calvin Cater and undoubtedly deserves a crack at gold in his next fight. All right, I wanted to get your thoughts on the ending sequence of the fight. I feel like people aren't giving Arnold the credit he deserves because of Calvin's knee injury, but was it not Arnold's outstanding footwork that directly caused Calvin to miss his flying knee attempt, overextend himself and land poorly on his right leg? Yes, I mean, again, the a very, I always bring this one up. It's uh, Woodley Condit. It's hard to know like how much the opponent inflicted that pain, you know, until we hear from Calvin and was he dealing with something beforehand? Did it happen, you know? But to me, it's like a win is a win is a win. Obviously, some are a lot cleaner and decisive, more decisive than others. But I don't think Arnold should pay. I don't think he should be punished 
I don't think his growth should be stunted as a result of this. Um, I think this win he continues should be viewed no different than an impressive KR sub. Mm, I don't know about that. Give Arnold his due. I agree with that. Do you agree? And why do you think there's a need to downplay a victory like this? You could even hear it from Don Bisping on the broadcast. They didn't give Arnold his full props. Because it was, you know, it was unceremonious. It was a little indecisive. Um, I don't think this is an Arnold thing. I think it's just, you know, the way the sport is. When a fight ends like that, due to some kind of injury, inflicted by the opponent or not, there's always going to be that kind of reaction. Thanks for being the number one show in the game, and sorry for bursting your bubble about Mr. Rogers. Um, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Was this the one that wrote last week? Um, oh, I see. Uh, in so so, Lewis spared us. And in um, in his full comment, he said, uh, I apologize for not providing my sources last week about Mr. Rogers not being in the military, so I'll provide them below. Here's one about the Navy SEALs from the Navy SEALs. <clears throat> Another one here. Here's Movie Maker. I hope that settles the record. We can put these rumors to bed. Um, no, I mean, I saw it from a pretty reputable source, so I'm sticking with that. I've never been led astray i i think what he's saying are are rumors yeah i mean like navyseals.com <laughs> great site never been to it okay so how can i vouch for that come on i personally i think matt should drop this because he's kind of looking silly each and every week um and also like why not give mr rogers his props he was a beast took out people Patriot. He, Patriot. he really he really used navyseals.com yeah I, I, I don't like, even know if that's a real website. I mean, yeah, you would think it'd be .gov or something. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm on it at work. Yeah. I'm yeah. on it right now. It doesn't look NSFW. Um, yeah. Next, you're going to tell us he didn't have a, a tattoo sleeve on his left arm and didn't drink before the show. <laughs> yeah. I saw an episode where he like buried a fish in his backyard. It's, yeah. It's savage. Slurring his words. Sam, hi, Ariel. With 1FC gaining popularity in the U.S., I'm wondering if you think it will become more of a contender for young American fighters and managers. Do you know if their starting contracts are similar to the 12 and 12 of the UFC? Also, question for Frank. Before I get to that question, um, mm, it's a little less, and let's see the type of traction they have here if they come here next year with the four shows or whatever it is with Amazon. Um, UFC is still UFC, my guys, so... Fighters grow up dreaming of UFC. Now, I would say a lot, you know, to the ones who turn down big deals from other promotions just so they could say that they're a UFC fighter, that's silly. But, and I don't even know how to gauge, is 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 one really gaining popular popularity in the US? They've had, what, two or three Amazon shows? We don't really know the numbers to those, and uh, you don't see a ton of promotion for them, so. It's all know. over Amazon. Is it? Do you really see it all over Amazon? I did. Oh, wow. Anyway. You did a read for it on Thursday Night Football. Come on. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Uh, it was before the second one. Why aren't you promoting one? Yeah. Why aren't you? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, Al Michaels is reading about one championship? Yes, yes I swear. That's a, that was my exact thought when I saw it. I was like, I can't. There's no chance Al Michaels knows no. who either of these fighters are. Oh, it's the best. Like, I, I love... Uh, when when Mike Breen has to read like UFC 280 coming up in Abu Dhabi, uh, and obviously not a big MMA fan, but is he mentioning the names too? 
Oh yeah, yeah. It wow. was uh, one championship Amazon too. It was, it was tough names to pronounce too. It was the like Angela Lee. Uh, oh, man, I, I'm blanking on it. On who Al fought. Michaels talking about John Lineker. Crazy. Um, anyway, question for Frank. What did you think of Hereditary? I find myself checking the ceiling most nights because of that movie. Cheers to you and the crew. Yep. What'd you think of it, Frank? All right. The look. fuck? Yup. That's your answer. <laughs> the guys ask you a specific question, and your answer is yup. So I'm just gonna. Look. Is everything all right? I was commuting home on Monday. Yeah. There were some people in costumes on the subway, and I just got like all icky, and I came home, and I didn't want to watch a movie, so I didn't watch it. Oh, so you didn't watch the movie? I didn't watch it. Is Hereditary a show or a movie? It's a movie. It's been out for a while. Really liked the director. He did Midsummer. I wanted to watch it. Had plans. Set it on the show. And then I didn't deliver. Then you bailed. So what'd you do instead? Yeah. What'd you do so instead? I went to bed and wow. watched YouTube videos and read Reddit until 2 a.m. <laughs> wow. What time did you go to bed at? 7.30. <clears throat> What? So you laid in bed for six and a half hours on your phone? <laughs> no, stop. I was tired. <laughs> At lunch, it was seven and a half hours. It was, uh, I think it was 7.30 to 2.30 a.m. Wait, what? Yeah, well, look, I just was decompressing. Wait a second. You went to bed at 7.30? There about laid yeah. in bed looking at his phone for the next, what, seven hours? What? Frank. Which is scarier is than hereditary, everything okay? I think. Yeah, I think everything's fine. <laughs> He kept saying he was tired while he laid in bed and refused the option of sleep by looking at his phone. It's like, you know, it was nice and quiet. Just so so I'm clear, you didn't go to sleep sleep at 7.30 a.m., right? You're saying 7.30 no, p.m. and I, then you I went, went to home, bed. I went home, had okay. dinner, laid in bed at 7.30, then finally fell asleep at 2 a.m. And what are you looking at? So I read Reddit, and then I watched... What's your favorite Reddit page? Oh, no. <laughs> Are you not allowed to R say? R slash popular, I guess. Oh, I didn't I even did. know that was a thing. I've actually never, I, I don't even know how to use Reddit. What is that? Like some sort of like Twitter feed thingy? Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of weirdos on that. Yeah, there definitely are. So it keeps you up. Not trying to disparage anyone. A lot of homeless people on there or? Yes. Yes, there are some uh, homeless cats specifically. <laughs> it's fun when you're like going through popular and then there's a post about you. And, oh yeah, that's the yeah. best. So just doing some basic research here. Hereditary uh, has a runtime of 2 hours and 7 minutes. So you could have laid in bed, you know, done Reddit, done YouTube for a couple hours, watched Hereditary and then gotten back on Reddit and YouTube for another few hours. You could have watched Hereditary in bed. Yeah. No, that's true. What platform is it on? I would have just rented it on Amazon. Yeah, it looks oh. like Paramount Plus has it too if you got a subscription. Look, I'm still going to watch it. I just don't know when. All right, all right, all right. Calm down. Um, I've always wondered, why, how come we don't have a, a Reddit page? How come you guys didn't start that for us since you're on it so much? Yeah, it's a good question. Mm. Frank said he was going to start it. Yeah. You know, I did but, talk to some people about doing it. And what also, happened? He also said he was going to watch Hereditary. Yeah, that's right. true. All right. Neither happened. What's the next question? Gabe, Shalom Ariel, do you think betting services should allow refunds if a fighter had an undisclosed injury heading into fight camp? Especially with the recent TJ situation at UFC 280, a lot of people might have bet on him thinking it was a healthy TJ, only to find themselves screwed over by his poor judgment to remain in the fight. Thanks, Gabe. Uh, feels like a slippery slope. How do you actually determine injured, not injured? What do you think, GC, our, our uh, resident betting expert? How do you actually 
monitor something like this? Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty interesting question because a lot of the times in the NFL, uh, they'll refund. Like I, I've seen DraftKings do it numerous times, like refund player props if a player gets injured in the fight or in wow. the game. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, like I wouldn't think it was that crazy. Like if it was a huge event like 280 – and there was like a confirmed, like all he was was just entered going into it. Like I wouldn't be shocked to see DraftKings do something like that. Oh. I, I've seen them do it on numerous occasions in NFL, MLB, things like that. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like a very difficult thing. I mean, to a degree, but uh, who knows? Like he could have just said that. Like how do you actually determine, right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. And also, speaking of the slippery slope, you couldn't not cash out the Aljamain tickets. So exactly. Like I, I had an Aljamain ticket. If they were like, we're not cashing it because of TJ, I would have been pretty pretty mad about that. I agree. I uh, I just don't know how you would actually be able to monitor that and police it in the right way. Scott, uh, good day, Ariel. Thank you for answering my question last week about CM Punk. For the last few weeks, I feared I would never get past Lewis. Uh, Lewis adds, it's never personal. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. It's like he's he's a top-notch goalkeeper. I mean, he's like Peter Check in his prime. It's hard to get by him. But when you get by him, it must feel great. I'm back with another wrestling question. Cue the... Can you give the people a present and past wrestling star that you think would benefit from having Heelwani as their manager? Wow. I just want to say that I've been a dedicated listener for seven years and really appreciate your work. Thank you. Aside from your great interviewing skills, no one showcases the personality of these great athletes quite like you. Thank you, my friend, Scott. Um, Wow. Past and present. Um, That is a really great question. Who is someone that just didn't have, you know, I tell you what, and this, this might blow your minds. Can I just throw one out there? And I know a lot of the, uh, you know, the the regulars will find this to be a crazy. I could have and could help Ronda Rousey. Mind blown. Yep. Yep. Can't beat that. Can't beat that. Not great on the mic. Not believable. A little too stiff, if you will. Have me, the voice of the voiceless, the voice of MMA, the voice of combat sports come out there and cut promos on her behalf. That's what I want to do. I don't want to cut promos on my behalf. I want to cut promos on other people's behalf. Night and day, easy job. Easy job. She's legit. She's a real fighter. She's a real badass. She snapped people's arms. You get caught in one of those things, you're done. That would have been a fun one. Um, And I guess she's past and present to a degree, but she's more present. Past. Man, I got to tell you. I mean, like, Early Heart Foundation, if you would have given me that job. Jimmy, they had Jimmy Hart. He's a legend, you know. Who am I to say otherwise? But uh, that would have been great. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I keep thinking of the guys who weren't great on the mic or didn't speak a lot back in the day, like an Undertaker, but he had Paul Bear. And uh, that was the most incredible tandem there was back in the day. Um, I always really enjoyed the... Uh, I, I enjoyed the Twin Towers, Akeem and... Uh, was it Akeem and the Big Boss Man? They were fun. Was it Akeem and the Big Boss Man? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I don't know. I'll just say Bret Hart because why not? That's my guy. Uh, Cosmo Kramer, hot tag. Oh, boy. Uh, can we get your thoughts on Kyrie Irving and his comments slash social media posts this past week? Of course, once someone calls him out on anything, he would get defensive and blame the media. Just wanted your take on him and why he thinks he can get away with these ridiculous comments. Oh, boy. 
Well, um, where to begin? Uh, so recently, it has felt like there has been a rise in anti-Semitism in pop culture here in the U.S., of course, led by the likes of Kanye West. And when someone that influential uh, says things like this, which I stayed away from because I, I legit feel like he is going through a lot of stuff. And ultimately, like at some point, you're like, all right, like what, what, what are you going to do? This guy, like you're going to battle this guy. It's not worth it. But then you realize that there's a lot of people that are influenced by celebrities, by people like him. And then you start to see this trickle-down effect where you're seeing, you know, things at football games and you're seeing things on highways and you're seeing things at schools and you're hearing of incidents here and you're hearing of incidents there and you're like, damn, uh, staying silent isn't actually the right thing to do, especially since this is something that's so near and dear to my heart as a very proud Jewish man. And then it enters the sports world and you see someone like Kyrie Irving who I think the best way to describe Kyrie is a faux intellectual, someone who thinks he is so well-versed on so many complex things, when in reality, time and again, he ha does a great job of exposing the fact that he is not as smart as he thinks he is. And, or maybe he uh, looks for his answers in the wrong places. I mean, here in one breath, you have someone who says that, you know, he agrees with things that, you know, the the nutty Alex Jones said, even though it was, you know, in the 90s. Um, and then he's also, you know, posting things like this. So if, if, you, if you missed it, he posted a link to a movie that was on Amazon that um, is just like filled with anti-Semitic tropes, with, with, with themes, with lies, with all kinds of uh, myths and nonsense. Um, my good friend from ESPN, Pablo Torre, did a great show on this and posted a bunch of great stuff on this. And shout out to the Inside the NBA crew, the best studio team in the history of sports TV for what they said yesterday, in particular, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. Because, you know, we would never be allowed to criticize uh, on, on, on MMA programming, on UFC programming. Like, we would never be allowed to speak the way they speak. And they obviously have such great, you know, um, equity and resumes. And, you know, they, they just have this leash that, you know, they've earned. And so it's refreshing because you won't hear that on other networks. You won't hear that in other sports. They're the best. And there's a reason why they're the best and look no further than yesterday as one of the main reasons why they're the best, because they tell it like it is. They don't sugarcoat things. They're not afraid of the league or they're not afraid of being reprimanded or any type of repercussions from speaking the truth. And so what drives me nuts about this is you have a situation where he posts this link and then you have a bunch of people who do this whole whataboutism thing where it's like, oh, uh, well, shouldn't you be mad at Amazon? Yeah, okay, we can have that conversation too. And we could be mad at other places that have other things there that, you know, um, house other types of material that are offensive, that are uh, disrespectful, whatever, anti-Semitic in this, in this particular instance. But let's, we're not talking about that right now. That's what people who are racist, bigots, anti-Semites, 
um, anti X, Y, and Z. That's what they always like to do. They always like to change the conversation whenever they are presented with a counter argument or a reason as to why they are in the wrong. And so this is what is happening now with Kyrie Irving because he posts that and then he sits there at the dais when a great reporter like Nick Friedle asks him, why are you promoting this? And then he starts playing this game where he's questioning the word promotion, not understanding that by posting this, you are endorsing it. You are saying that you like this and then maybe even want other people to watch it and are trying to tell them that the stuff in there is stuff that you believe in. Because I can assure you, I'm not posting a link to Mein Kampf. I can assure you, I'm not posting a link to a David Duke book. I can assure you, I'm not posting a link to anything that's anti, you know, the the LGBTQ community or the Asian community or the black community. I'm not posting that stuff because I don't believe in it. Obviously, if you're posting it, you believe in it. You like it. You subscribe to some of these notions. And so to sit there and be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, what's the big deal? I'm just posting this stuff when you are pushed back. And then you have all his legion of followers and minions who are like, oh, why are you trying to dehumanize him? And I was like, no, man, you posted it. Did someone hack your account? Are you going with that sorry ass, tired uh, excuse? No, you did it. And you left it up there for days. And the NBA did nothing. And the Brooklyn Nets did nothing. And it's just an embarrassing situation. And it goes back once again. And look, I, I don't come on the show to talk about this stuff, but I'm going to be asked about it. I am going to get heated about it. It goes back once again that every time something like this happens to the Jewish people, no one cares because everyone thinks that the Jewish people are the ones who control the media, who are rich, who are, are the powerful ones, who have all the money in the world. When in reality, we are 0.2% of the world's population. What are you all so worried about? Why do you always keep talking about us? Why do you always keep coming after us? What are you all so uncomfortable with? And so no one feels like they have to say anything when people are grossly, I mean, denying the Holocaust, that's what's in there, saying that, you know, th there's a myth that, you know, the, the, that six million Jews died in the Holocaust, that's the type of stuff that is in this nonsense that he posted. And stuff that we've seen in the past, I remember with Deshaun Jackson and, and Steven Jackson backing that up, remember when all that was going down and no one said anything about it. And that's why when it came to our sport and Gina Carano, who obviously had a great relationship with, posts a meme comparing being a conservative in the United States to living in Nazi Germany, I felt a certain way about it. Again, I don't subscribe to cancel culture. I don't subscribe to any type of nonsense like that. I subscribe to accountability and knowing that there are repercussions for posting stupid shit. And so I came on my Instagram and talked about it and said why this would be offensive to a Jewish person, why this would make us feel a certain way. I never said that she should lose her job. I never said this, that. But you need to understand that doing that, comparing one of the worst acts in the history of mankind, and yes, I know other things are happening to other people, but we're talking about something specific right now, we're talking about something very specific and very hurtful. It will affect us. And it didn't happen that long ago, less than 100 years ago. And so what happens? Nothing. Nothing happens. What happens? I'll tell you what happens. I bring it up. Dana White is asked about it, not asked about me, asked about it, calls me a douchebag, calls a Jew a douchebag for talking about a Jewish story, and no one says a thing. No one says a thing. I dare you, I dare you, if, if anything else happened to another group of people and someone of that community spoke up and the head of that sport 
and an owner in that sport spoke about that person the way he spoke about me, dare you to see what happens. No one said shit. Everyone stayed quiet because we don't need the help. We don't need the backing. We don't need anyone to stick up for us. ESPN didn't say shit until a ton of journalists reached out to them and asked them, what do you think about this? And they still didn't say anything. Calling a Jew a douchebag for talking about why a meme about the Holocaust, comparing the Holocaust to to conservatives in 2021 is a little insane because I don't see anyone pulling you out of your house. Again, now someone will see this and say, no, you're making about yourself. No, I'm trying to explain to you why the Jewish people feel like they need to speak up now because this keeps happening. What was that game? Wasn't it, was it, wasn't it a Georgia game on Saturday in Jacksonville where there was a disgusting thing on the stadium? Am I right about that, GC? Do you yeah, know what Georgia, I'm talking about? Florida. Yeah. What the fuck? We're living in America in 2022, and we're seeing people talking about Kanye's right, this about the Jews, that about the Jews. I mean, again, as I said on Twitter, and then I'll tweet about it. I'll finally tweet about it, and people will be like, oh, you're, 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 you're misrepresenting what he said. You're dehumanizing him. No, he posted a link to something that was incredibly anti-Semitic. Go look at what he posted. Go read about that book. Go read the book. Go watch the movie. You'll see unless you believe in this shit, that the whole thing is fugazi, A, they're posting fake quotes, misspellings, all this stuff, but also all the shit that they're doing is wrong and false and offensive. And so if you don't agree with me on that, take a hike. I don't care. I don't want you in my life. All those people, like, I don't need you. I didn't ask you to follow. I didn't ask you to listen. I didn't ask you to watch. If you're watching this right now and you agree with that shit, turn it off. I could not care less. Could not give two shits because... This topic is very, very sensitive to me and to a lot of people. To me, because my grandparents were kidnapped by the PLO in 1980 and, and put in jail for eight days because they were Jewish. To me, because you know my, 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 my friend's family and my loved one's families were in the Holocaust, had family members who died in the Holocaust. I went to the, to the camps in Auschwitz in Poland and, and saw it with my own eyes. I went to Jewish school. My kids go to Jewish school. I pray every morning. I don't talk. I, I put my tefillin on every morning if that means anything to you. Fuck you for telling us that we shouldn't feel a certain way about this. That's not on you. And shame on all those other people who don't feel like they need to say something too when they're very quick to talk about other things. If you're going to be that guy, be that guy when, you know, it affects others as well because you know, I see a lot of Jewish people backing a lot of people, and then I, see, I hear a lot of silence whenever it's done and said about us. So that's why, you know, it, it makes us feel a certain way. And I get it. People feel like, you know, we don't need the help. We don't need the backing. We don't need this. This is disgusting shit. People going into synagogues and holding people hostage and shooting people and doing all this stuff. And don't give me this whataboutism. What about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? No, we're talking about specific things. We could play that game all day long. And so Kyrie is, is, is embarrassing himself. He's embarrassing the NBA. He's embarrassing the Brooklyn Nets. And this whole situation is a total mess. And for him not to take any kind of accountability and not to at least apologize for being uninformed, that's all people want. I think Julian Edelman always handles these situations with great class and, and in, in the perfect way. No one wants Kyrie to be canceled or punished or shipped out. No one's asking for that. We just want people to be informed. We just want people to be smart. We just want people not to spew this nonsense and hatred uh, because there's no place for it. And so educate yourself. Learn that what you're doing and what you're saying is very harmful and could lead to other people who are less 
smart than you are, thinking about these things and then maybe doing a crazy thing like going to a synagogue and trying to kill people or take them hostage. Um, but he hasn't done that. And by the way, he's playing in a borough that is home to a lot of Jewish people and a lot of people who feel a certain way about this. And uh, it's just very unfortunate. It's an unfortunate that the NBA hasn't done anything about this. Um, and I don't want to play the game like, what if this person would have posted that? No, I'm not going to play that game. It, it, we're talking about this specific thing. I'm not going to do the exact same thing that everyone does to us. But recognize that that's stuff. I, I initially, with the Kanye stuff, like all my friends were hitting me up, like, are you going to say something? Are you going to do something? I'm like, no, what do I need to get into this? Why do I need to get into this whole thing? And then you start to see the trickle-down effect, and you start to see that there's a lot of influenced people out there. And then you start to realize that you do need to say something. And so, yeah, stop it with this shit. And there needs to be, you know, there needs to be, uh, there needs to be repercussions, and there's, there, there needs to be an education process where, yo, Brooklyn Nets, teach this guy. Have him meet with someone. Have, have him meet with uh, a historian. Have him meet with a, a rabbi. Have him meet with someone just to let him know, like, yo, we're not asking you to be friends with us. We're not asking you to celebrate Hanukkah, but, you know, do you realize what you're posting? And do you realize the influence that you have? So there's some thoughts. Uh, hi, Ariel from Evan. Did you see Tyson Fury's recent interview with Chu Jordy where he got visibly frustrated about being asked about the Derek Chisora fight and why it's happening? I did. I don't know if you have talked about it previously, but what are your thoughts on the matchup considering Fury has beat him relatively easily the first two times? He also mentioned that Usyk is not a fighter in his generation, which I found bizarre considering they are the top two heavyweights at the moment. Much love from County Kerry, Ireland. Here's some context from Lewis, who's the best. True Jordy asked Tyson Fury. I did see it, but I'll read the context because I appreciate him him adding it. Uh, True Jordy asked Tyson Fury, is it a mismatch charging pay-per-view for a third fight when it's 2-0? Select footnotes below. It got colorful. What I'm saying, this is what True Jordy said. What I'm saying is, with Chisora's record right now, I don't think he should be getting a world title fight. I think there's a potential in boxing for people to get badly hurt when they're mismatched. And I think that this is a mismatch. Fury responds, I don't. I think they're heavyweight fights and anything can happen. Don't write Chisora off because you're only one punch away from victory. Chu Jordy closes with, appreciate you and Derek are legends of British boxing. All respect in that sense. And I wish you the best of luck. Cheers, mate. Fury says, I think you're a tosser, you little tosspot. And I won't be doing any more interviews with you, you little tosspot, bearded, bald-headed tosser. Kiss my expletives, you little expletive. You're a expletive. Now, I did see it and it did get contentious. And I like True Jordy a lot. Uh, I will I will admit, like, I don't consume all of his content just because there's just a lot out there of everything. And, you know, I try to not always consume combat. Um, but I think he does a great job and has a great fan base. And uh, I have a lot of respect for what he's built. And it was just, it was a very contentious back and forth um, exchange. Initially, I actually thought that they were friends because he was laughing Jordy was laughing and Fury was kind of laughing and then he couldn't close the Zoom and it got funny there. But then it seemed clear that, uh, you know, that uh, they, they aren't friends. Um, and I give him a lot of credit because it's it's easy to say, you know, ask the tough questions, press someone, this and that. But if that means, you know, you're potentially harming the relationship or harming any chances or opportunities to speak to that person. Like there's a lot at stake. And so it takes, uh, it takes some balls. It takes some chutzpah. 
my style as an interviewer is is different based on the uh, the circumstance. Sometimes you press, sometimes you ask, and like this and that. Um, I don't feel like he was disrespectful. I don't feel like he was, uh, you know, crossing any line. And for the most part, if maybe I wouldn't have gone about it the exact same way, I would say, I agree with his sentiment. No one wants to see this fight. It's very, very rare that you see a third fight where one guy is 2-0. and And when you add to the fact that there were two way more interesting fights on the table for Tyson Fury, one, the Usyk fight, two, the Joshua fight, and then we get a third fight of a you know trilogy that no one was asking for, yeah, it's a tough sell. It's a very tough sell. And, you know, the last few months I don't think have been great for Tyson Fury. First of all, the the travel ban stuff. Second of all, I'm retired. I'm not retired. I'm retired. I'm not retired. And then this, not a great stretch. I'm curious to see, look, will it sell a lot of tickets? Is he a huge megastar in the UK? Yes. But I think worldwide and for what people want to see him involved in, it's it's not the best. It's not the best. So uh, very, you know, interesting clip, very Entertaining interview, very interesting interview, very um, captivating interview. And I give True Jordy a lot of credit. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, don't really have, uh, I don't really have any hate towards him in that regard. Like, I, I, I don't really have anything negative to say. It was, uh, it was great stuff. It was great stuff. And, uh, you know, he was challenging him. And it's an, I'll say this, unfortunate that it had to end that way. You, you'd, you'd love to live in a world where you could challenge someone and be like, all right, man, listen, maybe Derek will prove me wrong and we go about our separate ways. And then he comes back on. He says, hey, told you so. He was tougher than you expected, whatever. It sucks that it has to end that way. And it's like, hey, I'm not going to talk to you ever again. But, you know, Tyson's uh, free to feel however he wants to. And that's the world we live in. But uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, really interesting stuff. And uh, huge props to True Jordy. Um, am I, uh, have I gone too far? Okay. Uh, hello, Ariel from Jimmy G. Given your comments on Monday's show about the cesspool that is Twitter and the recent takeover by Elon Musk, who is promoting more quote unquote free speech, does that make you reconsider your involvement in that platform? It seems like Twitter is your preferred social media platform, but at a certain point, is there direction enough to make you leave? From Lewis, there's also a proposed $8 monthly fee for becoming remaining verified on Twitter. I'll tell you this much. I will never pay to be verified. Uh, you know, I think that the reason why you want verification is to try to weed out the trolls and weed out the fakes and all that stuff. So it's weird to me. It seems like they're banking on the fact that people who are verified are so shallow and insecure that they're going to pay to have this little badge for whatever reason, I don't know. And yes, I still do feel like Twitter has gotten a lot more toxic, a lot worse, a lot of fake phony people on there. Most of the hate that you get are from cowards um, who would never say anything that they say to you on there to your face. It's gotten a lot more unpleasant. And I obviously use it, but I try to read the comments way less. I try to engage way less. And only because like you start to fall in these traps, rabbit holes that you just don't want to. And I would not be sad. Twitter has been great for me. Twitter has been a great tool. I have met a lot of great people. I've grown my, you know, shows, brand, whatever on there. So I'm not, I don't regret, I don't want to turn my back on it. But if he did this $8 thing and everyone left, I wouldn't cry for a second. That's why I say, burn the MF or to the ground, let the freaking thing swallow up and I'll see you in my space and friendster hell. At this point, I feel like I got enough out of it and I'm out. Now, if you love it, 
if you like that toxicity, that negativity, that BS, and there's still great things you can find there, God bless you. But I hope Elon goes in there and ruins it for for everyone. And then I could just be like, this has been fun. I'll see ya when I see what you. What a shout out to Friendster, man. Good yeah, job. Yeah, Friendster, shout out. Um, maybe our first guest of the day feels a little different. So I got to 16, Frank. Five more to go. Not bad. I'll finish them up on the back end. Great questions this week. I appreciate them all very much. Let's go to our first guest of the day, and we'll finish the questions off after the guests. Had the big win this past weekend at the Apex in Las Vegas. He's now still undefeated in the UFC. He's now uh, the owner of the longest winning streak of anyone not named Alex Volkanovsky um, in that weight class. And I think he's knocking on the door of greatness. He's won, I believe, 10 in a row now. He's the pride of Ipswich. And I did see them. Give him a shout out on Twitter. That was probably the most exciting thing to happen to him on Saturday. He's our good friend coming back once more. Triple A. Arnold. What's up, dude? Hello, Arnold. How are you? Good. Yourself? Arnold, what is this? I I saw a picture from you yesterday. You had a mustache and you had like a freaking, you know, bald spot. Oh, there it is. I didn't have that hair. (laughs) I'm trying to grow a mustache. You're doing the Movember thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about that picture? I'm showing the picture right now. I thought you were coming on looking like this. Is that an old picture? <laughs> no, no. I think my girlfriend killed me. Oh, it's um, a fantastic look. When is that, that from? Picture. I was just bored one day, so I shaved my head. <laughs> I love it. I kept it. Well, we're Not showing uh, we're showing the picture right now. How could people support your uh, your Movember movement? I'm going to be like promoting on my YouTube channel and uh, the links on there. But I'll keep posting the link on all my social media and that. But um, yeah, I'm thinking of like running a marathon or something like that in the next couple of weeks. Wow. A full marathon? Yeah. I signed up to do a half but um, for like the Movember thing. But I might just do my own one. Wow. Look at you. Do you have to train for something like that? Or I mean, obviously you just had a fight, so you're in pretty good shape already. But a marathon's a little different, right? I did it before and I didn't really prep for it, but uh, yeah, probably should <laughs> probably should train for it if you're gonna do it. But, did you finish it? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it was good. Okay, I, I was pretty sore after, but it was okay. Why does this mean so much to you? I you know we just um just see like, a lot of people go through things, friends and stuff, and well, I thought it would be good to do something good. Especially considering fighting in uh, October 29th. Then you've got the whole of... Usually I sort of take a few weeks sort of training goes to the backlog for a bit. For, so do something to sort of keep myself in shape and uh, do something good at the same time. What a good lad. Good on you. And uh, I wish you the best with that. By the way, what about that... Uh, oh, who's this? What is going on? He's been attacking me. Wow. Fish. Who's that? Is that uh, Anfield? Anfield, <laughs> Anfield. What? Uh, well, the last, uh, you know the fish. what's 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 her name or his name? I call her Fish. Fish. Yeah. F I S H or P H I S H. Just fish, normal fish. And and why is that? I don't know. Because my I didn't want to get a cat, and then my girlfriend got a cat, mm. and literally my only rule was to name the cat, and I just wow. came up with the first thing that came to my head. Called your cat Fish. Wow. That, yeah. is, that is very on brand, I must say. Uh, and shout out to Trafford back there. I see him back there in the picture. The man. Yeah. Legend. The big dog. 
Legend. <laughs> Are you gonna get another one? Nah, that that was her reason for like getting a cat is because I said I don't want to get another dog. Okay. And uh, she's like, sorted. I've got a cat. So I was like, oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, what about Ipswich giving you the congratulations? You see that? Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Are you are you tight with them? Like, do you have a relationship with the team? I did a, an interview on the pitch a few months ago, and uh, that was pretty cool. They invited us to like a dinner with some of the uh, executives and stuff. It was pretty cool. Amazing. Um, mm. Well, we should probably talk about the fight. Uh, great stuff. Congratulations. Uh, could I ask? Thank you. Second round, obviously, we'll get to, but how did you feel about the first round, what you did out there? Yeah, it felt great. Uh, it was everything I prepared for and everything I kind of expected and like all the things... I know I could do and all that, and yeah, yeah, felt good. Uh, thought you won, right? You felt the same? Yeah, yeah. And then what happens in the second? What like what's your read on the situation? Uh, yeah, I weren't, I weren't sure what was going to happen. To be fair, because I didn't know if he just sort of like hurt himself for a second and he was okay, and then but yeah, I saw him when the doctor was looking at him. I was like, "There's no way he's going to say no. Like he can't come out." So. Yeah, I was interested to see how uh, how he was. Yeah. Do, do you feel like, uh, you know, I was just asked this question, like uh, you weren't getting the uh, the credit that you deserve for the win because, you know, when a fight ends like that, sometimes the focus is on the injury as opposed to maybe who inflicted it or caused it, whatever the case is. Do you feel like you're you're kind of being robbed of that? Uh, yes and no. I was just happy I got a whole round in and you know, it kind of went how I was planning it. And how I was expecting, so you know, I got into a rhythm and felt good. So, so like I would have built on it from there. But um, yeah, no, that is annoying the way it ended. But or more so, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, is it is it awkward? You know, you're happy, but he's also like, you know, it's different. Like you submit someone, the fight's over, you move on. Or even if like you win TKO, like usually they get up. They but he's like in a lot of pain there. Obviously, he's dealing with yeah. Some, is 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 that a weird feeling for someone on the the winning end of that? You know, like you're not really sure how to act in that moment. Yeah, obviously you're happy you get a win, you yeah. get all your money. Yeah, um, you know you progress, and there's all those things that are good. But then, uh, yeah, it's not the it's not the best feeling. You're also, you know, you feel bad, like oh man. Yeah, so, yeah. There's obviously the realization as well that 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 could be you as well. You could be the one getting injured. So, yeah. Uh, did you talk yeah. to him after? No, only in the cage, you know, only briefly in the cage. Just, you know, hope you're okay, that sort of stuff. Okay. Did he say anything to you? Uh, yeah, briefly, but I can't really remember. Just, yeah. Hmm. Um, so is there, like, you walk out of that, do you feel like, uh, do you feel complete happiness? Do you feel some emptiness? How do you process that? Um, definitely not complete happiness, but, uh, yeah, frustration, but uh, onwards and upwards and, it's kind of, I guess, my whole career has been a bit, bit uh, you know, I've been winning the whole UFC career. Yeah. So I guess this is a, you know, it's a win with no damage and we move on. So, yeah, I take it as a blessing, I guess. You know, it's the first thing that I thought of last week when you were on, we were comparing you to Leon Edwards. And this kind of felt to a degree a little <laughs> different, but like, it's like a little bit Leon Bilal, right? Same venue, doesn't get the full yeah. credit. Ends on, you know, it's like, and kind of at around the same time in your respective yeah, careers. That's true. that's true. Yeah, yeah, no, I see that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see that. That makes sense. Weird. What was it like at the apex? Uh, I got booed. <laughs> yeah, he must have some friends with some money or something because uh, <laughs> their tickets are expensive. <laughs> How much are those tickets? Uh, I had some friends that were going to come and I got a link and it was like 2000 or something. For Jeez, them. Louise. They were just like, yeah, I can't afford that with flights and hotels. I was like, yeah, I don't blame you. So, Did you have anyone there supporting you? Uh, there was a few guys, but I don't know who they were. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Just some random guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No family yeah, members? No loved ones? No, no. Just uh, the corner. <laughs> just the corner. Um, and mm. uh, okay, but like, did you, you know, coming from the O2 to that, what did you, what did you, uh, you know, how did you feel about it? You, your last fight was in front of like the most raucous crowd of the year. Yeah. Um, it, it's fine. You know what? Like, once you walk out and, you know, they call your name and you're fighting, you get fired up, whatever. But uh, I mean, it would have been nice to be at an arena. Well, not an arena, like a venue, you know, sure. whatever, a normal venue. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a downer from London, I guess, because that, that was like a, a special moment. But um, yeah, it's all good. Once you're in there, that, you don't think about it. What about going from big cage to small cage? We don't hear about this anymore. Is that a thing? Uh, I don't think so. I think it is. I always feel like it's just some, like a bigger deal, you know, but people get in their head about it. But it's, you know, most people don't get to train in a full-size cage. So. Right then they make a big deal. Like a lot of gyms don't even have a cage, so it, it doesn't really matter. When, uh, you know, like when the pandemic started and they were doing these events, there was a lot of hullabaloo over the small cage, big cage, but it doesn't really yeah. feel like it's a thing anymore. Yeah. Wasn't there a statistic? It was like, there's not more, there's, some people think there'd be more finishes in a smaller one, but there's not. It's like, it works out the same. Yeah, yeah. Something to that effect. Um, mm. All right. So you So you get the win, you move on. And now the big question is, and I know you spoke about it a little bit afterwards, but maybe you have a, a, a better sense. Like, what did hmm. you what did you win? Other than beating Calvin Kett, like, where are you now? Where does this put you? I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I think the first round is true that I could, you know, I definitely deserve to be up there with those top guys, uh, that I can definitely do more than compete with those guys. And, of course. Uh, obviously it would have been better to show that over five rounds. Um but yeah, yeah. No, I feel like I sort of put my name firmly in that hat of the sort of top guys. Yeah. Well, if I'm being honest, I feel like you were there already. I don't really think you mm. needed this to prove that, but fine. You know, other people, including the likes of Islam Makhachev, didn't have like a top contender win on their resume before getting a title shot, but all right, fine. Yeah. So it feels like now like there's the three of you fighting for two spots, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the odd man out? Oh, what? Me, Yuri, and Emmett. Yeah. Uh... Isn't it weird also that the, all three of you had weird endings to your fight? Yeah. Um, the thing, I'm definitely not the odd man out, you know? Um, okay, good. For a 10 5 win streak, yep. got the longest win streak in the division. I like it. Uh, that's that, it. That's, that, might that's, most, <laughs> that might be the most like assertive thing I've ever heard you say. Yeah, I mean it's definitely not me. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Uh, is it? Is it? Oh, by the way, are you okay? Like any injuries? Hand all good? Uh, yeah, it should be alright. I got a scan, but um, it should be okay. It was hurting. Yeah. yeah, well, before I was having issues before, then um, I hurt something again, but it should be alright. Okay, that was my 
that was a big concern when they offered it. It was about six weeks. So I was like, oh. But then I sort of thought, I said, if my hand breaks in camp, then it breaks in camp. Then right. it is what it is. But it made it so, yeah, it was all good. I feel like you're a shoe in to fight on the, the UK card, the big Leon Usman card, right? You have to be on that card, yes? Yeah. It'd be really cool if they're going to do a stadium show as well. So it'd be nice to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, March, April is what we're hearing. No one really knows where exactly. Cardiff, Wembley. What are you hearing? Mm. Break the news for us, Arnold. All I've heard is uh, mid-March. Is That's okay. all I've heard. And yeah. with... I haven't heard anything about location. Yeah, I feel like you know something and you don't want to tell us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, would that be okay with your schedule? Like, Do you think you'd be okay to fight on that? Yeah. What's it now? November? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't I'm, know. I'm active. <laughs> I, I know, I know. That, by the way, that would be three yeah. fights for you in, in 365 days, essentially. That's insane. That is insane. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like you're an active fighter again. That's amazing. I know, I know. It's crazy. And who are you fighting on that card in a perfect world? I don't know. Uh, probably one of those two guys you mentioned before. Yeah. What do yeah. you think of Max Holloway, by the way? It's cool. What do you mean? <laughs> The fight or him as a person? Well, <laughs> well, maybe both. But uh, no, we were we were hypothesizing on Monday that maybe that we needed a fourth man in this little tournament, mm. if you will. And so yeah. maybe Yair fights Emmett and you fight Max Holloway. What do you think? Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, all, to be honest, all the options are above a ball. Uh, if they are going to do an interim title, I want to be part of that. Yeah, you know, like I feel like I should be one half of that. Um, do you have any sense so, yeah. of uh, you know whether or not they will do that? No, but all the talk seems to be that, right? Like oh. everything seems to be pointing to that is happening. Wow! So, so your next fight could be for the belt. I mean, that'd be cool. That would be cool. That'd yeah. Be cool. <laughs> <laughs> do you get uh, cool do you get a big bump in pay if you fight for the belt? I believe so. Oh. I've never fought for a belt before, but I, I do know. believe so. Usually, it's <laughs> yeah. like in your contract. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't read much. By the way, but, yeah. do you represent yourself? Uh, no, my manager Jack Mason. He's uh, he's the man. Oh, okay, he's the man. Um, yeah, because I just go through you for all the stuff, so I didn't know if you were one of those guys who walks into the UFC office and says, "Fellas, I need X, Y, and Z." You know, you. Nah, I'd be uh, I'd be negotiating myself less pay. I know. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm oh, don't worry about it. That's no, fine. I'll take less. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't want to nah. burden you guys. It definitely isn't me. Um, by the way, uh, when I was in Cardiff in September, a fan came up to me. Uh, I was there for the WWE thing. Fan came up to mm. me and said, I want you to have something. Please don't say no. This would mean a lot to me. And I know how much this person means to you. So please accept this gift. And it was a signed Arnold Allen card. Oh, that's awesome. How about that? The gold one. Yeah. Why did you give it away? <laughs> I don't know. It's a great That's signature cool. you have here with the uh, the AAA on it. Yeah, oh, I was so bad at it. No, I think it's great. <laughs> How many yeah, of these did you, you sign? Wait, uh, this is a Panini signed... one. 2021. Yeah, quite a few of them, but I can't... Not, not a lot. I haven't signed a lot of those ones, the Panini ones, actually. Wow. A load of the Tops ones, but not the Panini ones. Do you get, you get paid to sign those? What, the Panini ones? Yeah. yeah. So I think... I haven't done a signing for them, so people have just sent them to me, and I've just what? signed it and posted it back. Yeah. So this guy like sent it to you? Yeah, he must have. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was one that you get in the pack or something. You know? I don't think so. No, wow. I, I don't think I've signed for me. Yeah, yeah. So then it means even more. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Because um, 
I've received a few like uh, people asking me for my address, like where to post things, so I send it. And every now and then at the gym, I train at someone. Uh, I get a package. Someone will send a card and ask to sign it. So, wow, that yeah. is amazing. That's impressive. Mm. Well, right, I, cool. I really thought that it was one in the. This is the gold one. But also, you did it in a gold pen. Do you remember doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah I have a gold. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you specifically pick the gold pen because it was a gold card? Yeah, I had a gold, silver one. I have gold, silver, and black. So uh, look at you. Yeah, I mean, gold. that's going above and beyond <laughs> for the people. How much do you think I could get for this, by the way? At least twenty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> At least a, twenty pounds. I think a couple hundred. I mean, I can have yeah, like uh, six months worth of uh, Tesco off of this. <laughs> what is that? Like one of ten or something? This says. Uh, it just says number seventy six. Oh. Oh, oh, six of ten. Yeah. Holy crap. There's only 10 of these? <laughs> I should have kept that one. Yes. Do you, actually, re- do you actually remember signing this specific card? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I signed that one. Well, uh, I, I hope you, this is your signature. But do you well, remember, I definitely like, signed it. Do you remember the guy who sent it to you? Like, it was this, this, huh. this young man came up to me. I was in Cardiff in September, and he said, I want to give this to you. I have it. And I was like, no, man, I don't want to take it. Please put it in the yeah. studio. And so I, it's in the studio. That's cool. That's cool. That sounds a cool guy. Yeah, that is a cool guy. Um, I feel like <laughs> I should give him something back, but hopefully he's watching this and enjoying this conversation about his card. Um, so here we are. By the way, I loved uh, the dancing in the cage before the event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's weird. They just sort of tell you to do something. So I was just like, okay. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Was there any music playing when you did that? No, there was nothing. It wow. was even weirder. Wow. <laughs> is that a specific dance? What's his name? A oh, Fresh Prince. That was oh, kind of that, my... that was your Carlton. That was uh, <laughs> yeah. It has. I think it has to be a little more pronounced. Yeah, I've, yours was I a little understated. A well, it was amazing. Yeah. I thought that that was great. Uh, my guy in the back, uh, GC Connor, he posted a video of you dancing next to Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. Did you see that? Oh, someone sent that to me. He I is. didn't know he made it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> That's he funny. Did. Yeah, it was pretty damn good. Did you watch the Jake Paul fight afterwards? No idea. I don't want to see Anderson Silva lose the boxing match. Yeah, it was tough. But yeah, he, he did pretty well. Yeah, he did. But no, Jake Paul's uh, he's doing good though. Like he's he's everything I see. He's like he's getting better, right? He is getting better, legit. Mm. It's a crazy. Yeah, thing. There's no reason why not. He has all the resources, and he's putting his mind to it. He's yeah, he could be a threat. So what do you do now when you get back home? Like, how do you unwind? What do you do to take your mind off of things? You were just in a big training camp. What are the vices yeah. that you like to uh, partake in? Well, where was a, like, a bit of a shorter camp. I usually get like cravings eating, but where it was shorter, I didn't really get the same sort of cravings. But um, I did just eat a big bowl of cereal at 6 p.m. Wow. Um, what kind? <laughs> then I've got uh, Nesquik. You like Cocoa Pops. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very yeah. uh, that's a very popular one over there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And uh, I'm going out for Nando's after this. Oh, Cheeky Nando's. Uh, I was supposed to be going with my mom and dad, but um, I think they've ghosted me. What? So, Did I screw up your dinner plans? <laughs> no, no. We're going out at seven. Oh, okay. And uh, my mom's like, are we still going out for dinner? About three hours ago, and she just hasn't said anything, and we haven't heard anything of her, so. Wow. You like Nando's? Can I be honest? Bit overrated. Don't like it. Bit overrated. Yeah, of course. Of course, it's overrated. But <laughs> it's still good. Yeah. What's What's yeah. your order of choice? I usually just like a double chicken breast wrap. Okay. With a side of halloumi. 
Uh-huh. Like the halloumi things yeah. they do. Uh, sweet potato. And um, the chocolate fudge cake. The choc-o-lot cake they got there. Oh, I don't know that. In there. Wow. Cover it in the evaporated milk. It's pretty good. You know, I, I learned to, halloumi fries, very popular over there. Not a thing here in America. Oh, Doesn't exist here. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, well, in Canada, obviously, you guys like, well, that, what's that cheese stuff? Oh, like the poutine? Yeah. The cheese curds. Yeah, different though. Yeah, this is different. Yeah. This is like fried halloumi, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a game changer. The fried halloumi is the best. Yeah, they have it at McDonald's. I couldn't believe it. I uh, I saw it. I ha- I had it. It's great. I I like very very spicy. That's my thing. Like I like supremely right. spicy. But did you not find the hot at Nando's hot? No, not hot. The only one that I think is hot enough for me is the the lemon and herb. That one. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know what happens because i get like i get lemon and herb right and sometimes i swear if someone has had like hot on the grill so at the same time someone's had hot and then i get my chicken and i'm on fire and i'm like crying at lemon and herb i don't know what's happening I'm like, why am i on fire but i think someone has had the chicken cooked at the same time and they've had hot and it's like contaminated my chicken with their heat. oh my gosh yeah uh yeah I was I was uh, dropping some hot takes on, pardon the pun, on uh, spicy chicken, and then Mark Goddard was very offended. You know, people get very offended by your takes on chicken, and said, "Oh, mm. you must be a lemon and herb guy." Like he was saying it as an as an insult to me. <laughs> I am I'm a lemon herb guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm le- if there was less than that, I'd have it. Really? You don't like you? No don't like, yeah, bad for the stomach, uh, right? I'll, I'll do like a spicy challenge, but I'm not going to enjoy it. Right, like I will do it. I saw it I on your YouTube. Like it. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Good shout out. Yeah, I was thinking of doing something like that again. Um, so my best friend's really good with hot stuff. I might do like a challenge against him, and yeah, maybe something like that. I'm just thinking of ideas I can do for November. So yeah, maybe something raise some money. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And the other thing is, if I can, one last thing on Nando's, I don't need a flag in my chicken. All right, like you know what? Yeah. It's not. It's not that's a gimmick. True. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Put, yeah. Put the flag on the side. What if they gave you a Canadian flag? Eh. It's all mm, very weird no. to me. No, I don't need it. Mm, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a Raptors jersey, actually. I'm in the team now. You, you, oh, you're a Raptors fan? Why? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm getting into basketball. You like it? Yeah, well, when I was in Vegas, I was like watching stuff, and I was like, it's just so fun to watch. It's I don't know sport. anything really about it. I figured if I was going to support a team, Raptors. Yeah. Uh, and uh, which which player? I got it was Vince Carter. It was like a oh, classic one. Classic. Wow. Is it was it the purple one or the white one? Oh, uh, it's uh, white and gold. White and gold. Interesting. Does it have the dinosaur right. or does it say Raptors on it? Yeah. Do you want me to get some? Do you yeah. want me to get it? Yeah. Go get it. Go get it. Rena. Oh, <laughs> you're not even getting it. Can you uh, can you throw my Raptors jersey down, please? <laughs> Do you want me to get it? Yells. I, I am getting it. <laughs> I like that. By the way, beautiful. It's a beautiful um, game. It's not that popular over there, right? Uh, no, nah, not really. Um, what's happening? We're having technical issues in the studio. Oh. It's bring... in uh, my t-shirt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fellow Montrealer. Yeah. When is she gonna I was go? In, um... When is she gonna go home to see the family again? I feel like it's been a while. Yeah, it has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i figured obviously that makes sense because canadian team thank you oh yeah of course 
Thank you, Karina. Appreciate. Oh wow, that is top notch, yeah. Arnold. That yeah. is the old. That's the original jersey, but with a little gold, gold touch. Wow, where'd you get yeah, that? I like that online. Isn't it one of the lid shops in Vegas? Yeah. Wow, look at you. I love it. My friend Louis was saying I should support the Pacers, but um, no. Why? Oh, because your dad never gonna. Yeah. But there's also a team called Jazz, and my mom's name is Jazz too. So oh gosh, <laughs> you got the pace. No, I think you went with the right choice. The uh, the Raptors yeah. are much better than both of those teams, and I like the shirt as well. So uh, it's tremendous. It's one of the great jerseys yeah, of all time. And Vince Carter, absolute gentleman. I had the mm. chance to work with him, and and uh, is a. By the way, do yourself a favor if if you're if you have some time. There's a great documentary on Netflix called The Carter Effect. Have you heard of it? The Carter. Uh, no, I haven't, no. It's about Vince Carter and him coming to the Raptors in the 90s and because uh, this really is when I was growing up and no one cared about basketball in Canada and he, as a result, made basketball into this phenomenon solely because of how cool he was and how fun he was. It's produced by Drake, yeah. but it's really, really well done. So if you, if you want to... I can't give it a watch today. Yeah, watch it. It's called The Carter yeah. Effect and it's... I mean, now that you got the jersey and you picked the right guy, it's perfect for you. Yeah. I'll give it a watch later on. All right, that let me know what good. you think. Uh, congrats on the win enjoy your dinner thank you, thank you for doing this <laughs> and I'll see you in the, the UK in March or April yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah of course March mm. probably you almost you're coming are you okay March uh, you know what if Arnold's fighting for a belt I'll be there <laughs> sounds good you uh, don't even want the belt <laughs> yeah no well interim this and that but uh, you know I hope you get paid what's the uh, reason you I know you're trying to finish but like what's yeah. the reason you don't <laughs> Why? Why don't I want the belt? Mm. What do you mean? Oh, why don't you like the idea of of an interim belt? Oh, I just think they force. I'll say this: I like the interim mm. belt because you guys get paid as though you're fighting for yeah. a belt. So that's why I like it. Yeah. Anything that gets you more money. But as far as like them, sometimes I feel like sometimes in the past they would institute an interim belt just to say, "Oh, there's a title fight on this card." When in reality, the two people yeah. fighting for the belt don't deserve it. Or haven't earned it. You have earned it. You should be fighting for it. But like if if Alex was in fight, you you know, you're the guy with yeah. ten in a row. I just don't like when they water down the belts. But let me be very clear. Uh if if you get that like, you know, that thing checked off in, on your deal that you're now fighting for a belt, interim or not, I hope you get ten million dollars. Yeah. Right. No, yeah, I get it. It's it's like in boxing, isn't it? They there's so many belts now, but uh I guess it does raise it raises the profile a bit more. A little bit. a bit more money. Yeah, yeah. the money is the I, I see what you're saying. Mm. Yeah. So I hope you get an interim title fight. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Cheers, my friend. Bro. Congrats on the win. Yeah, Thanks that. for coming on as always. No worries. See you soon. All right. There he is, the great Arnold Allen. Always love talking to him. Always love having him on. And uh... Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hard to deny. Wow. GC, why didn't you tell me this? That card is worth 600 bucks? Yeah, I didn't want to interrupt you. Well, no, I mean, that's a, that's that's valuable information. Oh, I, I told you just on. on wow, you think I'm looking at something? I'm locked in. I was really hoping the 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 double message might get the eyes. No, no, yeah. I'm locked. Six hundred dollars. That's without his signature. Six hundred dollars without the signature. That is insane. It's a shame. Oh. It's not going to stay in the studio. Yeah, I'm taking that home. Uh, I had no idea. Wow. Um, all right, let's go to our next guest. Uh, big fight for him a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, didn't go his way. Kind enough to join us. He's the former UFC bantamweight champion. He's the great TJ Dillashaw, who's on the show right now. Hey, TJ, how are you? Doing good, man. You? I'm doing well. Thanks for doing this. Sorry we're a couple of minutes late. Uh, first first and foremost, uh, how are you feeling, man? That gruesome stuff, obviously, a couple of weeks ago in uh, Abu Dhabi. How is the shoulder feeling? Uh, total bummer, obviously, right? Uh, pissed off about the situation, but... Um, it wasn't like super surprised that, that it happened. I'm just pissed that it happened so fast and that it didn't go back in. Like I was hoping it would, you know, um, it's sore now. I'm scheduled to get surgery next Tuesday. Um, yeah. So, and, and what exactly is the injury? Um, so I got surgery back in 2019 after when I got suspended, um, cause I've been dealing with, uh, shoulder issues since 2017, I blew my shoulder out when I was coaching ultimate fighter doing the coaches challenge, uh, playing tetherball on a balance beam above a pool. No way. Uh, blew my left shoulder out. Really? Yeah, I went, I fell off on the catch myself on the balance beam to get back up as fast as I could to keep playing and I dislocated my shoulder. It popped back in. It was like a sublux, oh. but in doing so, I, I tore my supraspinatus, which is a rotator cuff muscle. I got that fixed. Um, it was a little bit of a labrum fix too, back in 19. Um, I don't know if it just didn't take or when I injured it again, but, um, right now I have a full thickness tear in my supraspinatus. I have a full thickness tear in my infraspinatus. I have a tear in my teres minor. I have an anterior labral tear and Jeez. the head of my humoral head is, is dented from dislocating it. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, yeah. A little bit of a bummer, man. Um, yeah, it's going to be an extensive surgery on Tuesday. And uh, how long is the recovery for something like that? Um, I'd say I could probably get back into decent practices in six, seven months, right? I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know exactly putting a time on exact on a, on a fight, but at least be able to get back to good practices and be able to feel comfortable doing it and not rushing it would be six, seven months. Okay. And, and you mentioned in the cage afterwards that it popped out at the beginning of the, like you initially re-injured it at the beginning of the camp and then you had like 20 instances where it kept popping out throughout? Yeah, I'll kind of give you a timeline, right? Okay. Um, just kind of wrap, my, just wrap your guys' head around like what my decisions were going into this fight. So six months after my knee surgery, I get back into like heavy strength and conditioning and doing full body strength conditioning, mainly upper body though. And I noticed that I had weakness in my left arm, um, you know, pretty dramatic weakness compared to my right um so i thought it was possibly a nerve like some sort of nerve issue which i had back in college and also back in 16 when i was fighting 
um, thinking it could be something in my neck, pushing on a nerve, which is creating weakness because I didn't feel like I hurt my shoulder. So I got an MRI done of my neck and my shoulder and come to find out uh, this was like January of this year. I had a full thickness tear in my supraspinatus and my infraspinatus. Um, so it wasn't a nerve. It was my shoulder. So knowing that, it was like, yeah, you need surgery to fix that. But I'm not, I mean, my shoulder felt all right. It was a little bit weak. I wasn't going to go through that, right? I just came off a of knee surgery and I'm looking to get back in there. That was January, February, maybe. I don't remember. Um, and then Aljamain fights, yawn, calls me out. I'm excited. I started getting back to work. I'm hitting mitts with wombles. I throw a big left hook on the on the bag, just a punching bag, and I tweaked my left shoulder, something to where like it was just hurting. Um, maybe like you know I knew I had a tear, and maybe I just aggravated it. Was getting a bunch of body work done, kept working out. I don't know. Come into May, I was out at Dwayne Ludwig's, and I just threw like a double jab, like a jab high, jab low, and I just felt my shoulder seize up, and um, I knew I really messed it up at that point. Uh, it was painful and also couldn't work. Like I'm being able to hold my arm up. Like that's the best oh, I got. Wow. I'm trying to hold my arm like that. But wow. you know, that's cause I, I tore off fully from the bone, my, my external rotators, so my, my body couldn't externally rotate. And so at this point, you know, I'm going to be, I don't know when, but I'm going to be fighting Aljamain. And the only thing that was really affected was striking, right? Like I wasn't able to really throw even a jab or a hook, but I could, I could throw like a Philly flick jab. And, and throw a decent southpaw cross, but I was kind of like thinking like, look, man, I don't want to go out and get surgery. I'm out for another year. It's going to be a third surgery on my left shoulder. I mean, who knows? This could be like a, a career ender. I don't want to have yeah. to go through that situation. I'm going to go through with the fight. It only affected my striking, and I thought, hey, this is a perfect matchup. I think Aljamain's striking is hot garbage anyways. He's not very dangerous. I can go into this fight. I got plenty of stuff I could do. I mean, I, I fought with this injury before. I won a world title with my shoulder like this. I defended my world title with the shoulder like this. Um, I, I lost the pseudo with it and then got it fixed, right? So it was kind of like I've dealt with this situation. I've won world titles. I'm going to do the same thing. Like, I'm the most competitive man. I, 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 I'm addicted to being on top and getting my belt back. And so I was able to just bury down, bury that that feeling of, like, not being adequate. Just bury it down deep and never talk about it and just get it done, right? Um and then, so that's the way my, my grappling was fine. My wrestling was good. My, my pulling strength was awesome. It was never dislocated, right? Until, I don't know, six, five weeks before the fight, I had been on, um, I had MRSA in my left shin. Oh. I was on like heavy antibiotics for like four weeks. And um, I don't know if that was a week in me or it's like maybe cutting the weight, just overworking. I'm not really sure, but I started grappling. And I dislocated my own shoulder grappling with my coach, Felipe, working on some um, back escapes because I knew I was fighting Aljamain. So I really wanted to be comfortable with him in that worst case possible with him on my back. And I just went to go reach back really fast to uh, get out of a scramble. And I dislocated my own shoulder. Like I said, five, six weeks before the fight. I don't know exactly when. It popped out and popped back in on itself. Kind of like what we call a sublux. What I've always been dealing with since 2017 was a sublux it would never stay out of the socket and that's what happened and that's mainly what happened all my dislocations were just a quick in and out you you know feel weird you have to stop but it popped back in on its own oh. um that's mainly what i dealt with i'd say four times when i got closer and closer so this is six weeks out i'm like you know what i'll be all right feels okay it you know a little unstable but i've dealt with this before i've won a world title with this shoulder this way i'm not worried about it 
I felt like Garbrandt's more of a dangerous fight than Aljamain was because um, I still feel like it was only affecting my striking. Um, as I get closer and closer to the fight, it happens more frequently. Um, and a couple of times it would dislocate and I had to pull it back in myself or have a coach pull it back in. Something I felt like I was going to try to avoid. Um, and I feel like the opportunity was too good of fighting Aljamain. I don't think he's the best band in weight in the division. It was a perfect way for me to get my belt back. And so just weighing out the options, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm addicted to being on top and um, thought, thought I'd be able to go out there and get it done. You know, after the fight, I apologized to the weight class. I kind of like said it like I didn't plan on losing. I had the utmost belief I was going to go in there and win. So I didn't think about what I was going to say. I apologized to the weight class for like holding it up. But I didn't I still expected myself to win. The reason I was apologizing for the situation, obviously pissed out at myself, but also pissed that the fight went down that way because I should have should be able to get that fight done. I should be able to get that win and uh, keep things moving. You know, at any point in the process, did someone try to convince you to pull out, or did you feel like you were close to pulling out? No, um, you know, there's always that question of like, man, well, you know, what do you do? But um, I don't know. I feel like we're bred to get. I mean, I've, I've been through so many fights injured. You know, I remember fighting Joe Soto with a back. Well, I thought it was a back issue, and it being a psoas issue, where I couldn't throw kicks for like four weeks before the fight. I actually couldn't even like hardly walk the night before the fight. Um, but you just kind of get yourself together and believe in yourself to most of your ability and uh, get out there and get it done, right? I've had situations where guys go into fights injured and you just try to ignore it and, and just uh, get the job done. I mean, damned if you do and damned if you don't. You know what I mean? Like, I, I remember I pulled out of a fight against Burrell. I was supposed to fight him the second time because I broke a rib and um, obviously it hurt really bad and it was dangerous because you get hit and puncture a lung. You can't really fight that way. And I'm being called a pussy for pulling out of a fight, right? And then now I'm getting a bunch of shit for going into fight injured with the injury I knew I had, but this isn't the first time, you know? So it, it's, uh, it, it sucks, man. It, it's a tough one to swallow to have a loss on my record that a guy I know I should beat. Are you getting a lot of shit? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't pay attention too much, but when I do, it's kind of like, you know, like you went into a fight injured. Why the fuck you do that? And, you know, you, you like the oh, one thing that really made me mad was Luke Thomas talking about how it was a scam, like borderline being a scam going into the fight. Like, dude, like, I'm not already being like, I'm not being thrown under the bus enough. Like he thinks that I went in there to collect a paycheck. Like I went in there to believe with the utmost belief that I was going to win and I was going to get that fight back and I was going to get my title back. Something I've been waiting to do for three and a half years and chomping at the bit. And I just beat Corey Sandhagen on one leg. In one eye, you know, like, why would I not believe that I can go in there and beat a guy that I think is less dangerous and that I matched up with really well? Um, the shoulder obviously came out sooner than I hoped and came out and didn't go back in, which on average was not the case. So um, unfortunate, you know, kind of events. This actually really uh, annoyed me in the aftermath. And I, I said it on the show on the Monday after it's, it's there. You can see it. Uh, I feel like in this sport, we love to give props and credit to people who fight injured. Uh, you know, like there was all this, you know, your old friend Chad Mendes fought Conor McGregor and McGregor had a bum knee and that's part of the lore now. Oh, he fought with the injured knee and whatnot. And so now in retrospect, because it didn't go your way, you're being called selfish yeah. or be called this and that. When had you won, everyone would have been like, look at this warrior, look at this you're guy. You're a fucking hero. Yeah. yeah. And then you're being called, guess what? 
Fighting is selfish. This is all selfish. You were campaigning to get a title shot over this guy and that guy. What are you supposed to say? Hey, guys, let me bow out here so that someone else could take my shot. Again, you didn't know if you would ever get a shot because there's so many guys behind you. I don't think you did anything wrong. And and I can understand. Here's the, here's the, here's the truth of the matter, given the world that we live in. And I said all of this before you came on, so I'm not just saying it because you're here. Unfortunately, there's a lot of betting and stuff. And and now you get these people who probably bet on you who are like, oh, had I – I even got a question at the beginning of the show. Should they have nullified you know, the, the ticket, so to speak, because you came out and said afterwards it was injured? Like, no, that's not how this works. You, 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 you back a guy, you don't back a guy, and they feel, ups- they feel like you wronged them. Well, guess what? Go F yourself. It's your life. You're the one that has to deal with this. You're the one that has to stare at this. You're the one going under the knife. You don't have to answer to any of these idiots. So I'm sorry that you're dealing and with I that. Lost, uh, yeah, I lost a lot more money than anyone else. That is a good you know point. I mean, like losing a world title, that's millions of dollars out of my pocket that, you know, I should be sitting on top looking for the next big fight, you know, um, the endorsements that come in with it, just everything, right? Like I took a gamble as well. And that's why it's called fucking gambling. Right. You don't know the situation. And, and I took a gamble. I could have sat out and got surgery, but when I come back, like, who knows if I'm going to get a title shot right away. I'm going to have to fight my way back up in it, like, you know, or if, like, how bad the shoulder is, and is it going to, I mean, let's be honest, this is my third surgery in my left shoulder. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm a spring fucking chicken and it's going to be an easy fix. It's a, it's a, it's a serious thing. I'm going to come back. You can bet that. I mean, you know who I am as competitive wise. I will be coming back. I'm not going to let my story in that way, but it's still in the back of your head. I go and get surgery. I'm out for a year. I was just out on surgery. Sure. And it's like, I'm not going to like, there's no guarantee you get a title fight when you come back. Right. Like it's it's a lot of options. I'm weighing out of me getting this fight. And it's a guy that's very beatable. I think he's the most beatable champion right now in the division. People are going to give me shit for that, but that's my belief. I think he's got some big holes in his game and I matched up well with him. So I'm going to roll them dice. I'm going to get, I'm going to bet on myself, you know, even with one arm. What were you thinking in the locker room, knowing all of this, knowing that one wrong move, like confidence wise, it's funny to go back and like, you did a good job of uh, at least, you know, quote unquote, faking that you were hurt, right? You watched the press conference, no one would ever know that you're hurt. You felt very confident. You seemed very confident. You said all the right things. But in the back before the fight, are you doubting yourself? Are you thinking like, fuck, man, this is, this is a lot. I'm behind the eight ball here. What are you thinking? No, I think I've done a very good job of being mentally tough, you know, throughout, I mean, I've been competing my entire life and we kind of, it's your job to be mentally tough, right? So you trick yourself because everyone's got doubts. Everyone's got fear. Fear is what controls the world. Fear is what makes you do great things. Fear is what makes you freeze. Fear is like, fear is everything, right? And so you have to be fearful going into that cage, but learning to deal with it and being confident in that fear is the greatest thing in the world if you once you can figure that out you can be a world champion you can you can believe in yourself and so we have i have bred myself developed myself to be very optimistic um you know i guess someone say optimistic at fault because of what happened but that's what we're we're bred to do to, as a as in this fight game you know you got to believe in yourself so no i didn't have those thoughts going out there i mean i knew but i did tell goddard like look my shoulder's probably going to come out um if i give a little like ah like, don't stop it, right? I'm, I'm going to get it back in. Because I was expecting it to come out and go back in. That's what it did throughout training camp. Unfortunately, the way I landed actually dislocated a different way. It came more out the top rather than the back. And it didn't want to go go back in, right? But Felipe, my, my jiu-jitsu coach, was able to get it back in in between rounds. And you can see, like, the instant relief on my face. Like, I'm bent over. I'm trying to get him to get it back in. Um, he's not able to do it and eventually he goes in I'm like ah oh, boom I sit up uh, it was like perfect timing too because the doctor was walking over to the corner 
And he's like, oh, let me see, let me see your arm. And like, I had strength in it back, you know, because he's like pushed on. I was like, yeah, I'm good. Don't worry about it, you know. Um, you know, because in the fight, obviously, I got put in a position that was real shitty and I couldn't get out of because my arm. But I was like trying to get it, like going through this idea of like, all right, do I work on getting it back in or do I block punches? Which one's yeah. more important right now, you know? Yeah. And uh, there's a couple of times you can see that happening in the fight. And in the second round, when I got taken down again, I was thinking, all right, let's just let him wear himself out. Let's let him wear himself out by punching me because, to be honest, like the punches weren't much, you know? I mean, obviously, yeah, he had great position. He had hooks in. He had me bellied down. Like the, the, the stoppage was great, right? But in my head, I'm thinking like, all right, he can only last so long. I know he doesn't have good cardio. Let him punch himself out and me get back to my feet and we'll work it out, you know? Um, yeah, I was just kind of what was going through my head in the fight. I can't believe you were still going in the first round and even throwing it a couple times that to me was i mean it was it was somewhat uncomfortable to watch you in so much pain with you know one arm dana white said afterwards that you should have told the ufc i don't think he said you shouldn't have fought or anything like that but he's like you got you should have given them a heads up you should have talked to them maybe they could have helped you i don't know what what do you make of that do you wish you would have told them no because you don't know if they're gonna like pull you from the fight right you know it's kind of like I didn't tell other than I had a very small camp. I, I kind of do it in, in general anyways now, just because I've gotten to the top and know what I need and the guys I need around me. But especially with the hurt shoulder, like we wanted to bring in the guys that were going to try to wrestle me and get me down. But like, I don't want to bring in anyone new because I didn't want the word spreading what was going on with my shoulder. I wanted no one. Right. Cause I didn't want to get pulled from the fight. I didn't want this slipping through the cracks and somehow his camp finding out about it. And, and uh, you know, that's why I talked to, an extra amount of shit about him being so boring and only wrestling because I wanted him to strike with me, you yeah. know? Um, I wanted him to stay on his feet and he said he was going to scrap, but I should have bet him that within 30 seconds he was going to shoot. Cause let's be honest, that's what he's going to do. You know? So, uh, after all of this, you, you don't think any differently of him, meaning it didn't seem like you had a ton of respect for him going in as a fighter. Do you, do you feel any differently about him now? Um, you know, I don't, I feel like he was gifted the the belt to begin with the way he handled it. And then he got squeaked by with the win. Look, man, he's a great athlete. He's on a great win streak. He's gotten to the top, but I don't think he's the best champion we got out there. I don't think he's the best in the division, especially in the division we have. And that was an opportunity. I wasn't going to let slip through my fingers, even though it did, you know, who, who, other... yes, I don't, my, my opinion does not change. Who, who's better than him right now? I think his teammate Marab beats him. You know, um, he does have some strengths, right? There's guys that uh, are at the top that he can beat because of their grappling isn't isn't where it should be, right? Um, so, I mean, maybe I'm just thinking about it personally and how I match up against him because he matches up great against some other guys that uh, won't be able to deal with his wrestling. So he could get out some good, some good wins and stay on top with the right matchups, but um, he's not very dangerous. You know, he's, he's not a guy that's going to come out and knock you out. Um, he, he will try to uh, dry hump you the best of his ability for the most part. Do you think Henry beats him? Yes, easily. Easily. Yeah, I think that's a yeah, I think that's a great matchup for Henry Cejudo. Wow, why easily? Oh, he's just got the wrestling pedigree, um, and his striking is, I think, a lot better than um, Aljamain's. Aljamain doesn't have much structure. I guess his funkiness works for him, right? Because he doesn't throw things the way you're supposed to, and he doesn't set up his kicks, and he's, I mean, just 90% of his strikes are kicks, you know? Like, if I would have been healthy with that and be able to counter his kicks and do it the right way, it could have been a different story. But I just think that uh, uh, Sudo's more well-rounded. 
you know, has more threats and I don't think he can out wrestle him. So that's a problem. Did you, did you see his comments about you recently? Aljo's? I have not. No. Do you care to, he... I'm sure they're great. I'm, I'm sure they're great. <laughs> do you want me to read them to you or do you not care? I mean, if you want to talk about it, we can, but it, it doesn't well, really matter. To me. He, he said, he said something that I was just curious uh, to get your thoughts on. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to, to, to make it any worse here, but no, you're good. Um, yeah. Let me just pull it up here, and I think we have it for uh, the audience as well. He said this on his uh, on his podcast. For TJ to go through a training camp... Excuse me, no. He said this to Damon Martin of MMA Fighting. I apologize. Um, for TJ to go through a training camp, either the guys he's training with, he's kicking their asses and they're kind of booty and they give him a false sense of security, but those guys he's training with are not Aljamain Sterling, they're not Marab. For him to really think that he was going to run through me, it's a testament to his arrogance that I touched on going into this fight and a testament to the delusional world that he still lives in, that he thinks that the competition is the same. Yeah, I mean, that's a great, great statement by him, right? To make himself feel that he's better than he actually is. But, I mean, I was training with great guys. I'm training with Juan Archuleta, Cub Swanson. Um, you know, I kept my training camp small. I had some up-and-comers as well, too. But, I mean, those guys will give me – I mean, Juan Archuleta will out-wrestle Aljamain Sterling day in and day out. I think he's a better fighter all around. So, I, I had top-notch guys I was training with, and I was doing great. I My timing was on point. Another thing you got to – a lot of people don't understand this. When you're dealing with an injury and you got to kind of change your style up for a fight, it almost hones me in even better, right? Even though I only have a right hand and I got my kicks, like it really makes me start focusing on what I can do and what my techniques will be for the fight. Um, yeah, obviously I would love to have two healthy arms, but I felt amazing. My timing on my right hand, my right uppercut. I wish I would have went to the body a little bit more with Sterling and I should have stuck more boxing. I made that mistake and was throwing that front teep kick a little bit too much. And it's what got me to the ground and dislocated my shoulder. But I felt great in training camp, man. My sparring was good. Um, obviously, I have that in the back of my head that my shoulder's messed up, but I still was I was on point, man. So, I mean, going into that fight, it felt good. I mean, I had a chink in my armor. I, you know, even when I was out in Abu Dhabi, I had dislocated my shoulder twice getting ready for the fight, oh, just doing some live motion. Damn. So it got worse, man. The, the weight cut made it worse. The antibiotics, I think, the heavy antibiotics for four weeks made it worse. Um, and just the unfortunate, I mean, this was by far the hardest training camp I had to go through because everything I was dealing with, with my shoulder, with MRSA, with I had a few cuts in my eyebrow. Just like one thing after the next kind of being thrown at me and you almost kind of say it's a sign that maybe I shouldn't be fighting. But that's the opposite way I think. I just kind of push it all back and uh, just go for it. Okay, just a couple of things, and then I'll let you go. Do you want to keep fighting? You're, you you alluded earlier. You said it's not going to end this way. Your plan is to return after surgery and yeah. continue your career. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm not going to make an emotional decision. I'm never going to be a guy that's going to sit there and retire inside the octagon or retire right now. There's things that are – so I could or could not fight, right? But I'm not tell, I'm telling you now that most likely I'll be coming back and fighting. You know, that's where my head's at right now. I'm going to get this shoulder healthy um and see where the road takes me I, mean, I got a lot of business handling right now that kind of gets me that's the best way to distract myself from what's going yeah. on with my fighting career is all the business i have going on and the entrepreneur i've become outside the cage those two two years out really turned me into that i don't have to, like for people to think i fought for a paycheck that's the farthest thing i did because i don't have to fight i've done a very good job with myself outside the cage and, and making my money work for myself so 
Um, we'll see, man. But that's my plan. My plan is to fight. I don't want to go out the way I went out. Uh, what do you make of your old foe, Cody Garbrand, calling you out recently? I don't even look into it. I mean, it, it makes zero sense to me at all. I didn't I mean, how's that guy even still in the UFC? He's lost five of his last six fights. I'm fighting for world titles. I mean, it's, it's a reach. You know, it's a way to stay. And I mean, he'll probably have two losses by again before I even come back. So it won't even be worth my effort. Do you think that was your last title fight? I do not. Why would I? I mean, if, I'm coming, if, if I think that was my last title fight, then I shouldn't fight again. Wow. So you see, so, I mean, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, I do. I, I really believe that I'm top of the weight class. If I do not believe that, I wouldn't come back. I mean, I don't have to fight for the money. You know, I, I, I'm straight addicted to being the best in the world. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to try to be the best at it. And if I don't have a chance, then find something else. You know, um, there's no point of being a journeyman and just um, fighting, you know. So perhaps this time next year or so, all goes well. You come back, you win a couple more, you're right back in that title picture. That's the plan. Yep, that's the plan. I mean, I don't feel like I've dropped off anywhere. You know, I mean, people can say what they want, but, you know, I fought San Hagen with one leg, came into this fight with the one arm, and unfortunately didn't go my way. So, I mean, it might not look like I'm on top, but I am, man. I'm as well-rounded as it gets. And I'm as hungry as it always is. So... I'm fighting. I'm going to be pushing for the top. Uh, surgery on Tuesday, you said? Yeah, surgery on Tuesday. All right, man. Well, good mm -hmm. luck. I wish you the best. I know it's not uh, easy to come on and talk about this stuff, but as I also said last week, um, obviously, no, you know, you dealt with a lot of stuff, but no no one has handled it better than you, all that stuff. Um, and you could say it's self-inflicted or not. There's a way you can handle it, and there's a way you can't. So you, you always face the music when it's uh, the bad stuff, as well as the good stuff. It's harder to do it when it's the bad stuff. So appreciate and respect that about you very much, and I wish you the best with the, uh, the surgery next week. I appreciate those kind of words, man. Thank you. All right, all the best. There he is, TJ Dillashaw. Uh, unfortunate turn of events. Uh, hate to see it. I do feel like he... Uh... This week on The Gray Area. Professor Diana Posulka and I tackle one of life's biggest questions. Are we alone in the universe? What would it take for you to step off the agnostic ledge and say, yeah, aliens are real? Is it a spacecraft landing on the White House lawn? Well, something that was anomalous in 1952 did fly over the White House. And that's one of those cases that is still weird. <laughs> That's This Week on the Gray Area, available wherever you get your podcasts. He got uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of hate, and um, I can understand why people would be upset that this big fight that they were looking forward to didn't go as planned. But, uh, you know, in many respects, not that much different than someone getting a freak injury in a fight. Now you could say, oh, he knew about it beforehand. If you think that every fighter who is banged up going into a fight is pulling out, you're insane. I would argue that the majority of the fighters that you see every Saturday on, on your TV or your device are injured. Now, the extent of the injury is obviously different, and his was probably towards the extreme. But let's be honest, 
They're all banged up. They're all injured. And that's why we respect them so much. That's why we love them so much. I can guarantee you, had he pulled it off, had he landed one big right hand, and then it comes out afterwards that his shoulder was busted a hundred times leading up to this fight and dislocated and he needs surgery, we would have all been saying it's one of the most incredible and heroic performances in the history of the UFC. And what no one would have said he was selfish, he ruined it, he scammed us, anything of that sort of kind of talk. But he rolled the dice and uh, it didn't go his way. And, and that's that. And I think considering his age and considering where he's at in his career, the idea of him saying, you know what, I'm going to take a step back. He's turning 37 in February. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to get this surgery. And then I'm going to come back in a year and I'll still be the number one contender and I won't lose my spot. No way. In the deepest weight class in the... Uh, in the sport, arguably, certainly the most competitive weight class in the UFC, I would say, where there's so much parity, where you can literally go from like one to six and make a case that all those guys would be champion, not to mention Henry, who isn't ranked right now, the former champ coming back. Like, come on. Not fair. Did nothing wrong. If you want to feel a certain way about TJ because of the EPO stuff, you're well within your your rights to do that. Uh, that, that. I mean, that's a completely different conversation. But in this case, don't begrudge him. Roll the dice, lost. And by the way, also don't think you should take anything away from Aljo. It's like a shitty situation on both ends. Aljo had no idea, played with the cards he was dealt, went in there, won, finished him, didn't let it go the distance, didn't kind of skate by, and uh, TJ fought and rolled the dice and it didn't work out. And that's that. By the way, GC, you wrote one sec at 303. What is that in reference to? Uh, you were talking about the Aljo quote. Ah. I hadn't put it in the system yet. I, that's, you know. Is this the file I was talking about earlier? Oh. Oh, is it the file? No. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's kind of dirty on Frank's part. Oh, man. Dirty game today from old MF. Interesting, though. Minutes after I said I wasn't looking at you're referencing the thing that I'm not looking at. Wait, what do you mean? Well, I said I wasn't looking at the chat, right? And then you're uh, writing one second. I'm not looking at the chat. Yeah, now I don't yeah, even know what you're yeah, referencing. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, that, that's on me. <laughs> you know. By the way, you could speak uh, in my ear, right? Or no? Yeah, I think I could. Yeah, like, No, like, is there is there a producer? Frank, is there a producer? Yeah, he comms? definitely has a button. Hmm. You would, you would tell Greeny. Yeah. You That's a simple me. IFB button, though. There's a lot of buttons oh, there's back a lot of here. Buttons. Right. Frank, Frank, Frank has more, more than one button. It's confusing. Right? <laughs> uh, $600 for this. Wow. I need to send this to Arnold. $600 without the Say, auto. What do, you, what do you think it is now? It's got to be a grand, right? You think gold so? Gold autograph by gold. Arnold Allen? What about Arnold having the gold marker, right? That's Match. not that unusual. No, come on. Going the distance to like, come on. These lengths... Any anyone else would break out a black sharpie. Just for the record, that's a different kind. Now of naming the cat fish. That, that is that's very Arnold Allen. That is very Arnold Allen. Uh, and he saw your video, GC. How about that? Yeah. Didn't know who <laughs> I made that it. That was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk to our next guest. Excited to have him on. Big night for him on Saturday. He is the head coach for one. Jake Paul, you may have heard of him, of course, a tremendous pro boxer in his own right, former cruiserweight title contender, had a long and illustrious career and now has uh, devoted the majority of his time in the sweet science to developing and training, coaching 
the problem child. They were victorious on Saturday at the Desert Diamond Arena. And now I'm curious about what is next, but let's talk about what happened first on Saturday with Jake's head coach, BJ Flores, who's kind enough to join us right now. Hello, BJ. How are you? Stand by one second. One second, BJ. Uh, don't hear you guys. Do we have BJ? We do. We're just having a technical difficulty. Okay, sorry. Technical difficulty. I see your lips moving, but I don't hear you for some reason. Let's see. We're going to reconvene. I heard you guys talking to him there, right? Uh, I believe we have him now. Okay, BJ, you there? You have me on. I really do. Um, I just got to clarify that Danny, Danny Smith and I are co-trainers for Jake. I'm not the head coach. We both train him. We're, we're all a team. We're a solid team, and we just all work together to make Jake the best best possible version of himself. But uh, we're all really excited. Okay, fair enough. And I apologize for that. I know Danny was your former coach, right? And you brought him yes, in. Was. Yes, yes. And yes, that's, was. that's a great story. So uh, not trying to slight yes. him in any regard. Just trying no, to no, give no, you I, all the props that you deserve. <laughs> It's all right. I don't need the props. It was a small part, so it's all good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what did you make of his performance on Saturday? Um, you know, th there's a lot of different parts of the fight. I feel like Jake did. He did a hell of a job um, in, a, in a lot of different aspects. But first and foremost, the one thing with a fighter with the ring IQ of someone like Anderson Silva, you're going to have some moments that are tough, and you're going to have some very difficult moments. And Jake was able to come back from those moments. Anderson had a great round two. He had a very good round five. Round six was very tough as well. And Jake was able to go back and, and make adjustments in between rounds um, and, and do the things we were telling him to do to make adjustments so Anderson would not continue to be successful. And, you know, we – I thought Jake did a tremendous job. He showed a lot of heart. He fought with a guy who has way more experience than him, um, has been in with the best fighters in the world, but uh, he really bit down. And uh, that's still only the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot left of Jake Paul people have no idea about. He's, he's got a lot more to show. So if we would have spoken uh, before the fight and I would have said like, okay, how do you see this fight playing out? What would you have said and how does that compare to how it actually played out? I mean, Anderson's a hell of a champion. I mean, there's nothing. To, this guy is so incredible at 47 years old. I mean, we've got to remember the reign that Anderson Silva had from 2006 to 2013 as the, as the middleweight champion. I mean, he beat the best grapplers, the best strikers, Olympic level wrestlers. His ring IQ, whether it's in the cage or in the boxing ring, he's always able to find a way to win. I mean, the guy went almost 2,500 days as a champion. So this guy didn't just accidentally become the GOAT of, of the MMA world. So in any situation, this is the type of guy who finds a way to win. And uh, like I said, we knew it was going to be a very tough test. We just knew our game plan fighting against a southpaw like Anderson, how to attack him and how to take away some of his strengths to, to put him on the back foot a little more. And, uh, and that's kind of what we tried to do. We controlled the ring. We moved to our left side. We focused on the body shots. We focused on a lot on the taunts and the feints and making you know an older fighter reset every time and get reset up. And that was the key to Jake being able to get off so much over the eight rounds. It seemed like a lot of people were surprised at his inactivity, especially early on and at some points in the fight. Were you surprised by that? No, I wasn't because Jake was doing a lot of things that offset Anderson's activity. Like as a, as a professional fighter and Jake is learning these small nuances, how to, how to take a fighter's best strengths away from him. For example, Anderson's very effective when he gets close. He's very effective with the left uppercut. He's very good at controlling range. He's got very good defense and very good head movement. This guy does a lot of things really, really good. And our entire game plan was to take those strengths of Anderson away. So um, I wasn't surprised how, how tough Anderson came. I just, some of the shots he took, I was a little, little surprised. But like Jake knows he's got to keep working. It's not, 
we're not just going to hit everybody and they're going to go down. So the whole game plan was one round at a time. Let's make sure we focus this one at a time. Let's not get ahead of ourselves thinking about the knockout. And let's just chop down the tree round by round. And uh, I think we saw a little bit of that in round eight. One of the things that really impressed me about Jake in this fight as opposed to last year against Woodley, was his gas tank. Um, in, in the first Woodley fight, it seemed like he got tired as the fight went on. And we've heard in the past from fighters, you know, like Conor McGregor, probably most notably in MMA, was criticized for his gas tank. And people said that that was one of his weaknesses and that you can't get better at that. It's not so you can work on your right hand, your left hand, whatever, but the gas tank is your gas tank. Did you feel like he got better in that regard? And are you impressed with how, you know, going eight rounds at his age and with his lack of experience is a lot harder, I think, than people understand. Has this surprised you? I mean, Ariel, you're a fight guy, so you understand that. But to be honest with you, like it is very difficult to explain to somebody how tough it is to go eight rounds on a high-level fight with a world-class fighter. I don't care what it is. And Anderson Silva is not just an MMA fighter. This guy has incredible hands. He would beat a lot of cruiserweights out there today in professional boxing. He does a lot of things very, very well. He came in very focused. Um, I just, Jake's gas tank. I mean, he's just getting more comfortable in the ring. So he's learning how to relax more, how to, how to focus more on his tools and how to focus more on, uh, you know, what he does well. And he, his defense has gotten way better. And that's a big, big credit to Danny Smith. Um, you know, Danny came in last October. I brought him into camp and I feel like he just brings so many, so many things to the drawing board. He's such a great coach and always one of my favorite people. Um, and one of my favorite trainers and a very sharp boxing mind. So I brought him in to help and he just, man, he's been such a massive massive uh, a benefit for the team and Jake and teaching him little things. Um, and it's just, it's just been a great experience. So Jake's gas tank is only going to get better. He's learning to relax more in the ring. And uh, like I said, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, for context, when did you start working with Jake? I was with Jake in December of 2019 before the Gibb fight. Okay. So that was my first fight with him. So Shane his entire pro training. career. Yeah, his entire pro career. So it's been, it's, it's been a fun ride watching this, uh, watching this all go down. And uh, like I said, I mean, this kid works like people have no idea. I mean, if this kid's such a hard worker and such a dedicated, um, focused, locked in young man. It's, it's, it's been a really fun part of, or fun thing to be a part of. So we're approaching three years since you started working with him. Yes. Honestly, three years ago we speak. Do you think he's this far along? Are, are you surprised? Like, what were your expectations? I told him a long time ago, the first couple of times I sparred with him, I said, look, man, you've got some ability. If you lock in and you focus I mean, before Jake even believed it, Jake didn't know how how tough he was or how good he could be. But I knew we had a lot of work to do and we had a, a long ways to go, a long road ahead of us. But like I said, if anybody tells you um, that the road to the top is going to be easy, they're lying to you. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. So I said, look, man, we got to make a lot of changes. We've got to do a lot of things. We've got to relocate. We've got to do a lot of make a lot of changes in our personal lives to make sure if, if you want to get to this level. If you don't want to get to this level, no problem. But, you know, we, we got to make changes if we want to do it. And uh you know, Jake took it on the chin and he, he did everything. He did everything we asked and he switched locations and he got more locked in and we started doing things more consistently and our, our schedule every day was detailed and routine. So I'm really not surprised by it, to be honest with you. I mean, this kid, the, the, the potential is unlimited. Um, he's, he's got so much ability and he's got such a, an, an amazing, um, you know, a, a crowd and an audience of He's just so charismatic and people want to see everything he does, win or lose. He's got a lot of people who want to watch him. So I'm really not surprised by it at all. I mean, this kid's a star. I said that from the beginning. He's always been a star. And so uh, with all that said, he wins fair and square. He he knocks down yes. Anderson. And then you go online and it's like, well, he's fighting old guys. He's fighting MMA fighters. Like there's very little credit being thrown his way, being thrown your way. When you see this stuff, how does that make you feel? 
Harold, what do you what do you think about that? And what do you think about what Anderson, what which version of Anderson Silva that came to the ring, how tough and how good he was, like how much credit should a five and zero guy get for beating that that fighter? Oh Tell man. Me. I mean, I, I said it on the show Monday. I said it on the broadcast. I mean, if you can't respect what he's doing, and I think the world of Anderson, I even said at the beginning of the broadcast, the disrespect that was being shown Anderson's way. It's like a year ago, we praised him for beating Julio Cesar Chavez, and now he's too old, and now he's a bum. And most of these people don't know who he is and how good he is. 47 for Anderson isn't 47 for me. I'm I'm no. I'm a much different 47 Well, when I become 47, <laughs> right? Like the guy is uh, is a special human being. And so it frustrates me, but I'm not... You know, I'm not as invested as you are. I'm not living right. and breathing the, breathing this. So to see so many people not willing to give him credit, does that drive you nuts? No, it doesn't. Honestly, there's always going to be haters. We're fine. We're still doing our thing. It's all good. Uh, Jake is Jake is very locked in and focused on his boxing career. He's taking it very seriously. And, you know, people will come around, and if they don't, that's their prerogative. It's no problem. Um, we still have a job to do, and we still go out there and work and and, and hustle every day like it's our last day. You know, one of our, our sayings in camp is, uh, you know, no pressure, no diamond. Um, we, we, we embrace the pressure. We take the pressure. We take the, the insults and the compliments. We take it all and, and uh, we deal with it the best we can. So, um, you know, we're really locked into just, you know, making sure Jake's the best version of himself. We don't really read too much online. You know, people are going to say what they want. There's always going to be haters. So you can never make everyone happy. Uh, one thing to not give him credit, say Anderson's told us that, the one that really gets uncomfortable is like the fight rigging stuff. Oh, it's fake. It's fake. It's fixed. It's fixed. That's got to drive you nuts. No. I mean, it's just people that are, that are ignorant or uneducated. They don't, they don't know what they're watching. It's tough to, you know what I mean? I can't really like go down to that level and have to have a, a conversation yeah. with people about why it's not fake or I just can't even, you know what I mean? So I don't even really pay attention to that. Why do you think people are so unwilling to give him credit? Because it's unbelievable. It really is. It's like he just started boxing like barely three years ago and he's, he's beating in the boxing ring. I know it's not the, the, the MMA world and it's not in the UFC. I get that, but he's beating some of the, you know, 10 and 15 years ago and even five years ago, he's beating some of the, the biggest names out there in the combat sports world. So it's, it's, uh, it's tough to, it's tough to come to grasp with what he's, what he's doing. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like it and a, and a lot of people love it. And a lot of people just are kind of in between right now and they, they think it's great entertainment. So Either way, you know, like I said, we appreciate all the all the supporters, all the haters. Um, whoever doesn't believe it, no problem. Nobody has to buy the fight if they don't want to, you know. And uh, we just we appreciate it all. So, um, you know, like I said, we're locked in on what we got to do, on what we got next, um, who we want to fight next, and what we're going to do. And uh, we're not really worried about all the negative comments. And I, I want to ask you about that. Uh, but recently, you actually posted uh, the now infamous clip of Dana White saying, "Like I can guarantee you." Jake's not going to fight Anderson, Jake, Jake, all that stuff. And I have to ask you about something because I think you were replying to someone who was like, hey, tell Jake to fight Anderson. And uh, your reply was, I think we have the reply. Do you know what I'm referring to? You said something like, um, this guy writes, Anderson Silva makes sense since Tommy pulled out. This was eight weeks ago. And you wrote, does he, 48-year-old MMA fighter with a question mark? It sounded at the time like you weren't interested in this fight or you didn't think that this fight proved anything. Why did you change your stance or did you not change your stance? Oh, I, did, I, I definitely changed my stance. The thing is because we backed uh, Hasim Rockman backed out. Tommy Fury backed out. Anderson's not a guy you bring in on a week's notice as a backup opponent. It's a full promotion. He's a champion. He needs time to get ready. I don't care what he says. He wouldn't be ready in a week. You need, you need a full three month promotion for a fight with Anderson Silva. It doesn't make sense to bring him in on, on, on a back end like that. So 
Um, you know, we got him in the right circumstance, the right situation. Jake's manager, Nikisa, set that up and made sure Anderson had enough time to prepare and give them give this type of fight the, the credit and the, the recognition that it deserves. And, and we did it right now. So, um, like I said, that was that was kind of taken out of context. and There was more things said than just that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the Internet. So you can't really worry too much about it. So this is a really important thing that we just did, because that little screen grab is circulating. But context is important. What you're saying is that was that exchange happened when the whole Tommy Hasim thing happened. So this guy was, was saying for him to step in to save the day for August 6th is what you're talking about. Yes, it was Got after it. Hasim already backed out. Got so it was it. Tommy yeah. and Hasim. And then, we were, you know, it was like six days before. You know, you don't bring in a GOAT like Anderson Silva on six days notice. He needs time to get ready and prepare. We need time to promote the fight. That's a massive main event. It's way bigger than Tommy and, and Hasim. It's way bigger than that. Okay. And it needs proper promotion. And, uh, you know, that's, I didn't really defend it or say anything at the time. I just let it, you know, wash under, but it's all good. That's, that's what was actually meant. Got it. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. So speaking of the yes. likes of Tommy and Haseem, uh, the, the big thing now is, okay, let's see him fight a boxer. Would you like yeah. to see him fight a boxer next? hundred percent. And I would have liked to see him fight either one of those guys, uh, you know, in August, but it didn't work out. Um, I'm not even going to get into the reasons. Tommy said he couldn't get into the, into the country. Okay. No problem. Uh, Hasim agreed to a weight and then didn't come within five pounds of that and didn't even come within, within pounds of that. So, um, you, you got to do what you say when you sign a contract, you got to, you know, got to follow it, unfortunately, but you got to, you got to follow it. Otherwise, um, these, these types of events won't take place. And really Jake fought this last fight at 187. So even agreeing to fight at 200 was more than I was comfortable with. And then we agreed to another, to five more pounds, 205. And that was way more than I was comfortable with. He wouldn't even agree to that. So it's like, look, if you don't want to fight, We'll just move, move on and uh, keep it moving. Okay, so do you have an opponent in mind? Like if it was up to you, if Jake came up to you right now and said, all right, BJ, who's next? You pick. Who are you saying? I do. But can you keep a secret? <laughs> uh, sure, yeah, just between me and you. Yeah, so can I. So no. <laughs> oh, okay. You don't want to share? <laughs> I can't tell you, yeah. We got a couple names that we're looking at and that's all I can say about it. Um, like I said, for negotiation and, and reasons like that, I can't say, but Got it. Um, it's going to be someone good. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Jake wants the biggest names, the biggest challenges. And uh, you know, he deserves the, those types of fights. He, he's, he's taking care of these guys. He's paying these guys well. He's giving them full training camps. He's letting these guys really come in the best version of themselves and, and paying them more than they've ever made. So it's, uh, it's, fun to, it's fun to be a part of it. But it'll be someone very high quality. Okay, so but you don't. I totally respect the fact that you don't want to tell me it's fine, but do you have a number one choice in your mind? I, I actually, to be honest with you, I really don't. Okay. Um, there's a couple guys I think that could work, and it's just it's just tough, you know. After after you know beating someone like Anderson, like where do you go from there? You know, mm -hmm. there's other guys we could fight, of course, but you know, obviously Jake and Nikisa are going to be, you know, they're they're the ones that are going to you know help really make that decision. But at the end of the day, we'll all sit at sit at the table and decide what makes the most sense and. You know, Nikis is a massive part of that, and it's got to be someone who Jake is okay with. And, you know, Jake's okay with anybody, so that's real easy. Like, you yeah. throw any name in front of Jake, he'll take it. But, uh, you know, Nikisa and Danny and I, we want to make sure and talk and make sure it's the best opportunity and the best situation for Jake. Could I ask uh, the people that you have in mind, are they all boxers? <laughs> There's a couple on there. There's a couple boxers, yes. Okay, like legit, yes. like guys like a Tommy or a Seam, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily I've seen, but I mean, guys like Tommy or guys, like, yeah, there's there's, there's a yeah. couple boxers on there. So, and then there's a couple MMA fighters too that would make sense too. So again, 
Um, like I said, I can't really specify on yeah, yeah. that at all, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. So on Monday, we had Tommy on the show. Uh, obviously, he wasn't very uh, complimentary and, and said that he could beat him easily. He could beat him in KSI on the same night, all the stuff that you would expect him to say. Uh, you know, you guys, you've tried to book that fight twice now and they have fallen through, no fault of your own. Would you be comfortable going through a whole other training camp to fight him again if they tried to book it for next year? Uh, I, I would rather not, honestly. I feel like, you know, you know, a cat can't change his stripes sometimes and whatever. Maybe it's maybe it's out of his control. Maybe he really couldn't get in the country. Maybe he really did suffer a real injury the other time. I don't know, but it just seems kind of weird to me um, that, he, that two different times he wasn't able to, you know, actually make it to the ring. And uh, he wasted a lot of people's time, wasted Showtime's time, wasted a lot of people's, you know, money, uh, training camp money, a lot of a lot of people's time on, on, on a fight that never actually happened. So um, I, I would I'd prefer not. But if, if that's the direction that Kisa and Jake want to go, so be it. Um, there's there's other people on the list as well. So okay. it's not just him. And uh, just curious, because you've had to do this yourself. Um, Jake fighting in the U.K., you know, that, that could be hostile. You don't know about the judges and whatnot. How, how would you feel about that if uh, Tommy says, hey, I can't come over? And it sounds like Jake wants to do it. It sounds like he's down, which would be quite the spectacle. How would you feel about that? Hey, we love the UK, man. We love it. We absolutely love it out there. You know, Jake fought uh, Deji out there almost, mm-hmm. you know, three years ago. And he's always talked about wanting to go back. Jake doesn't care where we fight. You just got to throw Jake in a ring. He, he does not care. But, you know, Nikisa will look at that and see if that makes sense. And, and we'll all talk about it at the end of the day and see if it makes sense. But, um, you know, I don't think it matters the location too much. Jake doesn't feel like the, the Tommy fight goes the distance. He's not really worried about that. And, uh, you know, I think just it, it going kind of circling back to what Tommy was saying, he beat him both in the same night. He's just, you got to remember, he's a young kid. You know what I mean? He really is. He's a, he's a, he's a young kid and he's got a lot to learn from his older brother, Tyson, who obviously speaks very well. And he's the heavyweight champion. I mean, you don't really go saying things like that. <laughs> like I'm going to do all this and do that and then back out two times of fights. I mean, kind of just, you know, be quiet until the fight happens and and then you can kind of go off making those bold statements again. But he's just a young man. I'm sure he's just trying to hype the fight up and, you know, we'll, we'll make sense. He needs us a lot more than we need him. Yeah, what, what do you make of Tommy as a fighter now? Because people keep throwing his name out, but you could also make the case that, like, he hasn't been overly impressive, right? I mean, who has he beat? When's he ever been a main event? When's he ever been, um, you know, how many pay-per-views he ever sold? You know what right. I mean? So I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Um, I'm not saying he wouldn't be a good opponent for Jake. Um, he's 7-0, I think now, 8-0, whatever he is, but he hasn't really fought anybody yet. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people say that about Jake, but Anderson Silva beats Tommy Fury, and I don't care what anybody says. He beats him one-sidedly, no question about it. And, uh, you know, even Tyron Woodley might give him a lot of problems as well, but I just think uh, Jake's level of opposition and, and, and the big events that Jake's been in far outweigh uh, what Tommy's done. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Again, we'll see if it makes sense. And uh, like I said, we can't really comment on that too much. But, yeah. um, you know, I I, I I mean, I don't think it's a hard – I don't think it's a very difficult fight for Jake, no. I have to ask you about one specific MMA fighter because, of course, it's like the big, you know, one that we're all talking about. It's Nathan Diaz. He was there. Yeah. It seems like we're on a collision course potentially next year for these two. And I'm seeing a lot of people kind of uh, actually dismiss – uh, Diaz's chances. Uh, even Michael Bisping on his show this week saying he didn't think that it was going to be a, a tough fight for Jake and whatnot. Could I ask how you think a fight against Diaz would go? And do you think it would be tougher? Uh, Jake on the show on Monday on this show said he thinks Anderson is tougher than Jake. That uh, Excuse me, Anderson is tougher than Nate. Nate would be a step down. How do you feel? I mean, I agree with Jake. I feel like, you know, Anderson's got way more skills than Nate, but I think there's just the toughness of Nate that people just love. You know what I mean? There's the, the 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 big fights that Nate's been in, um, all the all the massive massive mega events that he's been a part of, 
his no, doesn't care, no fear, he'll fight anybody. I think people like that and respect that. You know, I think a fight, you know, with Nate in California would do some big numbers. I really do. So again, um, I don't think Nate is as skilled as Anderson Silva. I don't. I think Silva is on a, on another level as far as that goes. He's very, very good. Uh, he's got the head movement and the defense, which as a coming from the MMA world, that's the one thing that's very difficult to, to come to grasp with in the boxing. Ring. It's such a, such a massive difference, but I just think Nate's such an entertaining fighter. There's never a bad Nate Diaz fight. So, you know, it doesn't, it, I would love it. I would support it a hundred percent. And I love that fight for Jake too. I asked Jake on Monday about this and I'm curious to get your stance because you're a former pro boxer, you know about this very well. Often when, when boxers reach a certain point and, and, you know, make a certain amount of money, the, the, the fire goes away, right? Like you don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. anymore. You don't want to get punched. You don't want to spar. You don't want to train. You know, it's, it's natural, right? Yeah. You, you start to make all this money and you're like, all right, I made it. Screw this. Jake already has a ton of money and it's very rare for someone his age with his amount of fights, so few to have this kind of money. Do you ever worry like, all right, you know, this is going to be, uh, come 10 fights, he's going to say, all right, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't need to cut weight. I don't need to wake up. I'm good. I'm, I've got millions upon millions of dollars. It's different, right? It's not your typical six, seven, and zero boxer. Do you worry about that sort of thing, the motivation with him? Not at all. Whenever he feels like the time that, that he wants to go to another direction in his career and his life, whenever he feels like that time has come, we'll all do it. We'll all be very grateful and very happy. You know, he's, he's, he's going to have... He's going to have a nice run of the next couple of years. Trust me. But whenever he's done, he's done. And I don't worry about anything as far as the money with him, because he's not money motivated at all. He's trying to create a movement. He's trying to build, mentor, create. He's trying to help up and coming youth. He's trying to encourage people to start boxing. Jake says boxing saved his life. Jake says boxing turned his entire life around his, his, um, his daily schedule, his routine, his focus. It completely changed it all. And uh, he wants to help teach other young men and young women that they can also do that. And uh, that's that's really a big component of what Jake is. He really likes that and he enjoys it. And he knows he's in a good place right now to where he can affect a lot of young men and young women to, um, you know, believe in themselves and, and not to give up on themselves and not to think, hey, I can't do it because so-and-so told me I can't do it. And, and Jake, Jake welcomes it. And he likes, he loves helping people like that. He really does. It's, it's, uh, it's really something. Yeah. And you guys are doing that with your uh, Boxing Bullies charity. So much respect on that. Perfect world Instead for of you. Party, Monday, what was he doing on the on the Monday right after the fight? Right. He's doing a boxing bullies event in the fire department in Scottsdale, Arizona. Like, show me what other fighters who are making the money Jake's making are not out partying somewhere or whatever. That really is who Jake is. I mean, he's really that person now. He's made a massive transition over the last, you know, two and a half, three years. And that's really who he is. And that's really what he enjoys doing now. So he's 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 right back to work and he's all about giving and he donated large, you know, chunks of money to charities and boxing gyms in Scottsdale to help him renovate and did the Boxing Bullies event for the kids and does all kinds of things to, to give back to the community and the charity, wherever he's at, to make sure whenever he leaves, it's a better place than when he got there. In a perfect world, uh, in, in in your you know perfect world, when does he return? When does he what? When does he return? When does he fight again? It doesn't matter to me. I mean, he's, I mean, I, I would like for him to take a few weeks off rest. We've been in like a six-month training camp. We were supposed to fight August 6th against Tommy Fury and then Nassim Rockman. So we were already training. I got to Puerto Rico May, May 5th for that. Wow. We were in camp a long time, three months before. We took about a week off after the August 6th fight. And then we got right back into camp. So it's been a long time we've been in training camp. But Jake's been busting his ass for six months straight without really knowing who was going to fight the first three months. So he's uh, he's been in camp. I'd like for him to have a few weeks off. But I guarantee by next week he's already going to be Hey, let's, what's going on? What are we doing? Let's get back. And he'll be running and working out and shadow boxing and stuff like that. And 
we'll probably get back into camp uh, at the end of this month or early December. Is he the only guy that you train right now? Yeah, he is. He is. And uh, it's taken all my attention. So it's been, uh, <laughs> Do you want to train no more? Or are you okay with just one, uh, one guy? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm great with it. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's one of those situations that, um, you know, we, me and Jake were just both in the right place at the right time. And just how it worked out and where we're at now, like I said, um, he made a lot of good decisions. The main reason why he is where he's at right now is because of Jake. You know, the second good reason why he's where he's at is because he put good people around him to make sure that we, we drove him and helped him to make sure he got to that finish line. He's not there yet, but he's getting there and he's got the right mentality to make sure he goes as far as he possibly can. So he's very intelligent with putting good people around him. He's got an excellent, excellent group of, uh, of guys on his team from, you know, Danny Smith, uh, from myself to Jacob Chavez to Bob to Ocean to Jay Leon to Marcos to Gus to Carl to everybody on the team. Everybody's got a role and everybody does their job very, very well. And it's it's a lot of fun to be a part of. So I think, you know, I think we've all heard the saying, like, you know, choose five friends that are in a better place or smarter than you are. You you always want to be the dumbest guy in the room. That way you're always learning and getting better. And Jake's very good at putting good people around him. And by the way, what about for you? You I thought you did great uh, doing TV work. Uh, analyst work, NBC, stuff like that. No, 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 no more. You're not going to do that anymore. It was fun. It was, it was, a, it was a just part of the road that got me to where I'm at now. And I'm at a different phase in my life right now where I'm all about building, creating, mentoring, helping my, my life goal, honestly, is to help create opportunities for other people. And that's what I'm focused on right now. And if I can squeeze some commentating things on here and there, when I'm not training Jake, then so be it. And if I can't, then I'm on a different path right now. And that's what I'm doing. And I'm very, I'm very happy and grateful to be where I'm at. And I'm happy to have, you know, hundreds of kids DMing me every day, asking me how to, um, you know, what they should do about this bully and how, you know, if, if they're doing their boxing stance, right. And asking me all these questions and I'm happy to, I'm happy to answer those questions. And I'm happy to be at a point of a point in my life where I can, you know, kids look to me for things like that. So that's more what I'm focused on right now. I think in the big picture, that's a lot more important. Uh, final thing, uh, if I can ask, is there one thing in particular, and maybe there's more than one, that uh, you don't feel like he gets enough credit and love for that you wish people would understand about Jake, that you wish people would recognize about him as a boxer, um, what he's doing out there in such a short amount of time? Is there something that really gnaws at you that you wish people, you know, smart people who understand just how technical and, 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 and tough boxing is would appreciate? Um, I think the, the main thing Jake does is he lifts everybody up around him. Everybody who comes into his circle, they're in a better place when they leave. And he's a very generous and a very giving guy. And he shares, he's, he's, he's all about the team. He really is. And he's all, he's such a giver. He, he has meetings with everybody on the team after each fight. And he asks himself like, Hey, what can I do better? What are you happy with? You know, things like that. And he just, he's, he's really just a down to earth guy when you, when it comes down to it with the team, I mean, with the people um, he works with every day. We all love him to death. We'd all, you know, go to battle for him. We'd, 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 we'd go down right with him if he went down. We all really would. And uh, that's how we feel about each other. But he's just that kind of guy. He's a giving guy. He's very charitable. He's very nice. He's got a very, very, very big heart. He really does. And uh, people haven't seen that part of him yet, but but they will. And the more he's in the limelight, the more people will see how much of a giver and how much of a creator and how much of a uh, a, a massive uh, a massive potential or a positive figure for, for young kids, how much of a role model he's going to be in the next few years. Um, kids that are teenagers now, will be, when they're grown up, will say, hey, I remember Jake Paul and uh, he made a positive impact in my life. Great stuff, BJ. Thank you very much for the time. Congrats on the win. Congrats on everything you guys have done up until this point. I can't wait to see what you do in 2023.
Thanks, brother. Appreciate you guys having me on and uh, stay tuned. Thanks again. All right. There he is, BJ Flores, uh, the co-head coach, if you will, head trainer for one Jake Paul. Big win for him on Saturday. And yeah, that's one of the stories to watch. Uh, several stories to watch as 2023 is rapidly approaching. Uh, a lot of interesting things. And uh, Jake Paul remains an MMA story for as long as... Um, you know, as long as he's in the crosshairs of, of the UFC, Dana White, but also the MMA fighters, you have to consider him an MMA story. And I was there this past week, and I saw, I would say, 90% of the media that was in attendance, at least for the presser and all the stuff leading up to the event on fight night, it was hard for me to gauge, were MMA media. MMA media covers Jake Paul a hell of a lot more than boxing media. And it's probably because the guys he's fighting are huge names in our world, makes sense, but it still feels like the boxing media a little slow to cover him. And, you know, that's that's their prerogative. They can cover whatever they want. And Lord knows there was a lot to cover this past weekend and there's constantly a lot to cover in the world of boxing. Um, but I find that to be very interesting. Very, very interesting. It was great to see a lot of the uh, the old faces, the old friends from the world of... MMA media, yes, MMA media, who do such a great job of promoting and covering. Promoting. Yes. By the way, uh, this cup is bothering me. See how it's like turned a little, a little bit? Yeah. Probably from when they put the set back up. Oh, yeah. Who was that? Are you throwing Joe under the bus here? Is that what happened? I don't know. I mean. Why, what, why is he in trouble? Why is Frank in trouble? What happened? I don't even know why. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank this you for reminding me that, Joe. Um, by the way, was that on air or off no, air? No, uh, it will never be on air. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Middle of the interview, his audio went way up. The volume went way up yeah. in my ear. Why is that? Zoom. Mm, you fell asleep when you hit the thing? No. <laughs> Stop it. it wow, went. this is crazy. This is crazy. Uh, in a matter of moments, we're going to be joined, hopefully, by Jared Gordon. Big fight for him on December 10th against Patty Pimblett. Have you heard of Patty Pimblett? Are you familiar with Patty Pimblett? What a run he's on. 3-0 and in the UFC, 2-0 and this year. All right. Uh, Jared Gordon is coming off a nice win over Leonardo Santos back in August. Of course, what a story, what an inspiration he is. Uh, 34 and has talked very openly about his trials and tribulations with uh, substance abuse and how he's overcome and how he's sober now, but also about being rock bottom. Uh, I remember having him in studio uh, in the ESPN days talking about all of this, and, and he's a true inspiration. And he's on quite the roll. He's won four of his last five. Um, he's, he's fought some tough guys, and I think that this is a legit tough test, an appropriate test uh, for Mr. Pimblett. I want to do it on. What's going on? He can't get on. <laughs> what is happening? He's um having a hard time connected to Wi-Fi, so it's just where is he? Up, I think the gym. But isn't it actually better without Wi-Fi? No, no, it's not working out. It's not working out. We're, we're trying here. Okay, no problem. Um, but we could call him. I don't mind waiting a few minutes. Trying. Or are we not trying anymore? I think if you see this, you'll be like, yeah, we should just call you. No, I know. But maybe he could take a friend's phone or something. I don't know. Let's work this out. Yeah. If, I, I believe in you guys. A coach. Maybe Bilal can uh, 
can give him his phone. What do you guys think? By the way, GC, um, what is the line currently for that fight? Very On curious about uh, Patty, Patty Pimblett versus Jared Gordon. Yeah, so Patty is the favorite right now on DraftKings, minus 165. Jared Gordon coming back plus 140. This might be the shortest odds that Patty yeah. has had since his debut. Yeah, for sure, I would think. No? Yeah, because he was like minus 250 over Levitt. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think they got it right with this one? Yeah, I, I can definitely see some people being on Jared Gordon. Appropriate next step in Pat. I mean, clearly they're going the slow route. Like Alex Pajeda, he got the uh, the fast track, right? There's uh, a reason he's fighting for the belt. He has the history. If he wasn't the guy who beat Izzy twice, maybe he's not in this spot. So there's, there's you know, yeah, 100%. legit reasons why. Uh, Patty, they're going the slow route. And by the way, I don't mind. But the slow route got Sean O'Malley. That's true. But this is this is a much tougher test. With all due respect to Jordan Levitt, this is a much tougher test. I like that. I like if you just keep leveling up the opponents and you if that's how you're gonna take it, then yeah. Yeah. It would have made a lot of sense to by the way, it would have made a ton of sense to have this card in uh, New York, considering the fact that uh Jared is uh is a New Yorker. He's from Queens and there are so many English fans here. Molly's on the card. I was going to say, yeah, Molly's fighting too. Yeah, but it seemed like he didn't want to fight in New York. He's very savvy. He's very smart when it comes to that stuff. Patty is. Uh, didn't want to pay the uh, taxes. You get taxed a lot here as opposed to fighting in Nevada. 282, uh, shaping up to be a great card. Yuri Prochaska, Glover Teixeira 2, Jan Bachovic, Magomed Ankalaev, Santiago Ponzinibbio against Robbie Lawler, Alex Gustafson against OSP, Ovin St. Prue, and Patty Pimblett versus Jared Gordon. One uh, one suspects that's the main card, and it's not. It's not bad at all. Edmund Shabazian, Billy Quarantillo, Alex Hernandez, Darren Till, Drickus Duplessis, that could be on the main card too. Jarzinho Rosenstrike against Chris Dawkins, Chris Curtis, Joaquin Buckley's a tremendous fight. Uh, there's a lot to like. Oh, by the way, Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Taporia, that's probably on the main card too. Um, and we were supposed to get Bo Nichols, so we're not getting John Jones, but we're getting a pretty deep. I mean, this is like a deep card. This is way deeper. Then 280. It's a great card, and one of the most intriguing fights on the card involves our next guest. He's going up against Patty Pimblett. He's the great Jared Gordon. He's kind enough to join us right now. There he is. Hey, Jared, how are you? Well, Ariel, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. They told me your Wi-Fi wasn't good. It looks it looks pretty damn good to me. Man, I don't know what's going on. Normally, it's fine, but it seems all right. All right, well, we'll fight through it if it's not fine, but it's fine right now. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. A lot of people looking forward to this fight, high-profile fight. Can I ask you, by the way, um, I remember several months ago, and I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Dana White who said it himself that you were, like, they said you were going to fight him in March, and then it was, like, never a thing. I remember texting you about it, and you're like, yeah, I don't know about this. What happened there? How did that happen? Like, wh why did that get said and never come to fruition? Honestly, I really don't know. I, uh, you know, reached out to my manager when I heard that Dana said that, or and I saw the, I think it was a Barstool Sports interview that he did, um, and my manager was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, I think my manager is friends with uh, Patty's manager. Well, my manager at the time, um, I have a new manager now, but um, he uh, reached out and they had no idea either. So I think maybe my name was on a board somewhere or on a piece of paper with possible opponents. And uh, I think, you know, me and Patty have been kind of like holding each other out for the last, you know, a couple of fights that we both had. And uh, maybe it was just kind of like jumping the gun or something. And 
Uh, it never happened, but here we are. So. Okay. Do you, do you feel like this? Yeah. You, you've been in the UFC for for quite a while now. Do you feel like this is the biggest fight of your career? Uh, as far as high or profiled, and yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, main, supposedly we're opening up the main card. Wow. Um, from what I've seen, and you know, uh, so yeah, definitely large spot for me. Uh, Patty obviously has a huge following, so yeah, a lot of eyes are going to be on us, and that's uh, going to be great. Uh, are you surprised that they booked you against them? No, not at this point. Um, you know, he's had three, three fights. He's three and zero, I think, with three finishes, and um, I mean, he's got to get a step up eventually, right? So, and I think you know, with our backstory, we've been calling each other out, and it just makes sense at this point. Um, you know, I I fought his teammate Fish uh, Chris Fishgold before Patty was even in the UFC. And I won. So when he got signed, he originally was like, hey, I would like to, you know, he named like three or four guys. That was one of them. I would like to get that one back for my team. Uh, and then every time after we fought the last however many fights it's been for both of us, we've been calling each other out. So I think it's just, you know, good storyline. And um, and it's uh, time for, for a bump in competition. So have you been impressed with him in the UFC? Yeah, I mean, he's come in and done what he uh says he's gonna do and um you know he's had some adversity in the fights and he's shown that he can you know overcome some adversity and and come back and win so um now i'm i'm not saying that his opponents were you know the best fighters ever but still a lot of pressure on him to go and perform so uh he did what he's supposed to do and you know that's He's done his job. Um, did you ever watch any of his fights in Cage Warriors or just his UFC fights? Yeah, I've seen a couple, a couple highlights as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's unpredictable, uh, and he go he goes for it. You know, yeah. he's not afraid to. You know, he's known he's supposed to be a grappler, but he's you know he he goes for it on the feet too. So it's not like you know this is a mixed martial arts fight, and he's got a lot of fights. It's not like he has only ten fights. He's He's got only two less fights than me, you know? And um, so it's not like he's inexperienced in that sense. He just doesn't have as many UFC fights as me. So, uh, but yeah, I've seen, a, I've seen a good deal of them. Uh, I thought his best performance as far as the UFC fights was his last one. I thought that was his cleanest, most impressive performance. Do you, do you agree with that? Um, honestly, I haven't watched. <laughs> I think it was Jordan Levin, right? You didn't uh, watch it. I haven't watched that fight yet. Really? I will, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> I've seen, um, no, like I have this thing now where I just don't watch UFC or, or that many fights unless like, I really, really want to watch it. Okay. Uh, I'm just so like sucked into fighting and, you know, I have a, a, a wife and I have other things that I do. So it's like, you know, it just gives me too much, um, uh, too much work. It's just not a good thing. I think so. I try not to watch every single card, that card I missed. Um, but yeah, I heard he lost the first round. Jordan did a good job in the first round, and then he, like I said, came back from adversity and and got the finish. So uh, hats off to him. Jordan, um, you know, about the same amount of experience in the UFC as Patty, and uh, Patty came out the winner. So, um, but yeah, I'll definitely be watching it. By the way, when did you get married? 
Oh, that's a good question, Andre. Uh, I just had my year anniversary oh. uh, on the twenty on the twenty ninth, so a little over a year ago. Mazel tov. Thank you. That's what we Appreciate said. It. You're not Jewish, are you? Yeah, I know. Well, uh, my father is a Jew. Oh, my mother's, uh, you know, Catholic Sicilian. Uh, I grew up uh, celebrating Hanukkah and Easter and Christmas and. Rosh Hashanah and, you know, our neighbor, we would go to a Seder dinner for Passover and then I would go to the next guy's house for, for lamb for Easter. So I was very confused as a child. I'm now a Christian. Okay. My wife's, you know, uh, Miss Gambino, she grew up as a Catholic. So. Well, that's good. As a kid, you got the best of both worlds. Yeah, it was great, man. Christmas, Hanukkah, that whole stretch during the winter. It couldn't be better, you know? Yeah, it was huge, man. (laughs) <laughs> um, so, oh, so you, uh, well, okay. So, so you're in a good spot. I actually like the fact that, you know, you don't kind of flood your brain with UFC cause it's on every week for seven hours. I respect that. Man. It does make me think about your comments in August where you said like, you don't really love this. Um, and I think there was like some, I don't know, people took it the wrong way and then you felt the need to. Yes. So what now, but then I hear you say this, and by the way, I, I think that's actually very healthy. It's very normal to to not want to watch it seven hours every Saturday when you're training all day, every day. And so could you clarify your stance on how you feel about the sport? Yes. Um, I love MMA. I eat, breathe, and sleep it. I love the UFC. I have, I'm making a living doing what I love. Being in the UFC was always something I wanted to do as a kid. And growing, I grew up watching it. Um, so people were like, well, just go do something else then. And I'm like, man, it just went right over your head. Um, fighting, when I win, three days later, I'm like, all right, now what? Yeah. It's not fulfilling. And something that can be so easily taken away from me or eventually I have to stop. And then what do I identify as? Am I going to be 55 years old telling people, yeah, I'm a UFC fighter? No, I'm not. Or, yeah, yeah um, I, I fight. I'm, I, I was a fighter. No, I'm not going to be. I don't even go around telling people now. Like, people ask me, oh, you wrestle? I'm like, yeah, something like that. I don't like telling, like, oh, I'm in the UFC. I don't identify as a fighter. Um, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm a brother. I'm a sister. Oh, I'm a sister. I'm a brother. I'm a son. Mm-hmm. I'm a husband. Mm-hmm. I'm a friend. And what I do outside of the sport is more important to me than than fighting in a cage. Um, so yes, I love it. I love competing. I love martial arts. It's one of my passions. Uh, but the sport itself is a way for me to make a living. I love doing this to make a living. But it just doesn't give me lasting fulfillment, no matter what I do. And you see it all the time. Anderson Silva for Jake Paul this past weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. The guy is how old? Forty-seven. Mm-hmm. What is he still chasing? You were the UFC champion, one of the, maybe the best ever, but you're 47. You're still fine. You got enough money. Are you, is he broke? Maybe he is. I don't know, but I doubt it. Mm. And it's like, you see these guys, Holy, I think it was Holyfield that mm. fought Dieter Belfort. Mm. What are you doing in the ring at this point? You were the, you're a legend. You know, your name will be in the, in the history books forever, but you're still chasing something. So you're trying to fulfill a hole that fighting UFC Boxing, hockey, basketball will never fill for you ever. The only thing that gives me that peace and serenity is when I'm at home with my wife and my dogs. I don't have kids yet. Uh, when I'm with my parents, I just saw my parents. They're moving down from Queens. 
to Florida. I got lunch with them, um, helping other people. You know, obviously I'm a recovering junkie, um, doing stuff like that. People tell me, oh, you help you save my life. Like that's what gives me lasting fulfillment and it's priceless. You know, every fight has a, a, a price tag on it. No matter how much money you make, it will never fulfill you. I don't give a shit what you say. Floyd Mayweather, the guy is doing, he does everything he can to make himself happy and fulfilled. Do you think he's happy when he's in the strip club throwing a million dollars around? Like, is that really where it gives you joy? How many times have you done this, Floyd? You've been doing this since you were 18 years old. You're still throwing money at strippers. It's like, I don't blame you. That's what you want to do. Go ahead. I lived a crazy life too. I did it all. I did all that. And, and you know, uh, it's just not. So when I say that people, you know, I think it was mostly young people that didn't, that took it the wrong way. Like, Oh, go do something else. Then if you hate fighting. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you just don't understand yet. But I think the people that have a head on their shoulders understood what I meant. Yeah. When I said that it, it made a lot of sense to me. So. And I, I also, uh, thought a little bit of, of George St. Pierre, who I consider the greatest of all time, who has told me and others repeatedly that he hated fighting, that if he could train his whole life, which he currently still does, he would be very happy. But it was the fight night, it was fight week that he dreaded, that he despised. And so I wondered if that was part of it as well, like this, this like, this, all this intensity, this well, crescendo and all that that you were referring to. Yeah, I mean, um, that too, like, Fighting gives me anxiety. You right. know, I have fears and doubts, obviously. Um, and then, you know, you're cutting weight and then you make weight and then you have your post-fight, you know, or your post-weigh-in uh, meal. And then the anticipation of the fight, you're going to the arena backstage. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, definite emotional roller coaster. Right. Um, and then when you, when you win or if you lose, it's like, all right, that's it. Next. What not, now? What do I do next? Now, now how do I fulfill myself? I come home and I'm like, what do I do now? I find myself, you know, doing crazy to like weird, like things that I shouldn't be doing. And it's like, I'm trying to fill my idle time with fighting. Um, but I can't, can't fight every day. So it's impossible. Um, but yeah, I get what George is saying completely. And, and training is the, is the best part. It's the most, you know, you're learning, you're evolving as a human, as a man. And, um, but yeah, so it's like, I feel exactly what he's saying. It's very powerful when you also make the analogy between the high you get from fighting and the high you got taking drugs, uh, because you hear people make that analogy who have never taken, like, you know, chasing the dragon and the pop from the crowd yeah. and all that stuff. Is that is that a dangerous feeling for you? Is it the same type of high, or is it a completely different one? Um, it's like, it's, it's gratification. You know, I'm looking, for, with drugs, it was, I was looking for instant gratification. Mm. You know, sometimes it was like right there in that moment, like I needed, you know, maybe I was dope sick or something and I needed to get a fix. Okay. The drugs immediately give you that, that, uh, that gratification, that good feeling. Um, but with fighting, you know, we're looking at the approval from others. I'm looking at Twitter and Instagram for approval mm. when I should be looking at, you know, God and my wife and my family and my friends for, for approval and who I am as a man, you know, I got, you get fans, like like I think uh, I saw uh, an article recently. Sean Brady was getting people threatening his life. If you beat Bilal, if you beat Bilal, we're gonna kill you. It's like what kind of you know this like so to look for approval from the fans or from anyone is just not. You're just never gonna get it. 
from them and you're never going to get satisfied feeling from anyone, no matter what. Because you know what? When Conor McGregor fights, whoever it is that he's fighting, all that anticipation, oh my God, it's going to be so big. And then he fights and then Sunday comes and no one gives a fuck anymore. Oh, uh, Conor lost last night or Conor won last night. Big fucking deal. No one gives a fuck. Everyone's got to move on and go on with their own lives. Right. So it's like, eh. it's just like, you know, I used to think that fighting was going to give me satisfaction and, and, and like long lasting peace and serenity, but it's not. It just never will. It's like buying a car or buying a new pair of sneakers. Oh, don't step on my sneakers. <laughs> a week later, you're like, fuck these sneakers. I need a new pair of sneakers now. You know what I mean? It's the right. same thing. Uh, how long do you want to do this for? I mean, I'm doing pretty well right now. I think this is like my best uh, stride as a as an athlete. You know, I did lose to Grant, but I'm four out of five. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I make decent money now. And I'm healthy. My brain's good. My body's good. Uh, you know, I don't drink or drug, obviously. So and I do everything I can to stay emotionally and spiritually and physically fit. So, I mean, I would like to get another four or five years out of it if I can. And if I'm getting compensating correctly and I'm he- and if I'm healthy, you know, if all those, if some of those things aren't happening for me, then it's like, all right. I, and I can do so many other things. This is not the fighting is not the only thing I do. I do a lot of other things. So it's not like, you know, yeah, I want to get as far as I can, of course. So we'll see what happens. Uh, how is your sobriety going? Great. On December 27th, I'll have seven years sober completely from incredible drugs, alcohol. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations, man. I remember when we spoke, uh, you. when you ta- told us about the Christmas story and how that was rock bottom yeah. for you. Um, and have you, have you felt like always in charge, always in control? Have there been scary moments? Oh yeah. Um, that's why I've come to this conclusion of how, you know, when I got sober, I was like, all right, I just got to fight. I got to fight, you know? And that's, that's what's going to keep me on, on board with the sober thing. And then like, you know, I had some ups and downs in the UFC. Mm. I came in, I won two straight easily. And I lost two straight and they made me fight my contract out on that fight, on that, on that contract. Luckily I got fired of the night though on that last, on that last fight, they gave me a new contract. Then I had some ups and some more downs. I fought Oliveira. You know, I got, I had to have a plate put in my face after that Oliveira fight. Then I came back, I moved to Florida. Uh, I renewed myself. I, I evolved. And, you know, now, you know, I've gone on a decent run here. Um, and so, no, it's not been just sunshine and rainbows. Uh, and, you know, I'm married. I have a, at the time before I was married, things got a little rough with me and, you know, my fiance, um, things still get rough now with us and, you know, other things happen. I lost a lot of friends. I've lost all sorts of different things. I've had a lot of ups and downs. So no, I haven't always felt like, sometimes I'm like, yo, fuck this. I'm going to go get high. I don't give a fuck about the UFC. I don't give a fuck about my family. I don't care about my relationships. I don't care about everything that I've obtained. I'll throw it all away. Cause I'm fucking fucked. I'm stupid. I'm fucked up in my head. So. But luckily I've set some guardrails and, you know, I have some coping mechanisms now where I don't have to run to, to a needle or, or to, you know, anything else that's going to give me, you know, fake um, gratification. So I'm stronger now in my sobriety than I have been in a long time though. And it's, or 
recently I've been really strong and I feel great. By the way, uh, I, I obviously can't relate to that. I, I've never been in your shoes, but I'm always so impressed with how open you are speaking about these things. Does it annoy you to speak about this? Like in your mind, are you thinking like, God, I don't want to talk? Or is it actually like helpful to speak about it? Like when interviewers no, ask I mean, you about it, is yeah. it do, do you roll your eyes I, internally? I mean, sometimes it gets repetitive. Yeah. You know, especially when they're like, let's start from the beginning. Oh, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> yeah. how far back do you want to go? Because there's a lot of stories. Yeah. Uh, but no, I have to tell the story because, you know, even if I reach one person through one through that one interview, then it then it then it's worth it for me. Um, and I truly believe that this is why God put me here. He was like, you know, I thought at first it was like to become a, a UFC fighter. And now I'm Jared from Queens. I'm a tough guy. I'm going to go fight in the UFC, blah, blah. No, it's to use my platform with the UFC to get as big as I can, as popular as I can, so I can reach as many people as possible. If you had Connor or guys like Nate Diaz, uh, you know, preaching about mental health, it would probably help countless souls. But, you know, whatever their agenda is, that's their agenda, you know. So, but that's my goal is to get there so I can help people. Speaking of Jared from Queens, I, I loved, uh, obviously I didn't love what you were talking about, but like the story that you told that you wanted to fight at MSG because a few blocks away, that's where you used to get high and there's great symbolism there. And I yeah. thought Patty would be a shoe in for MSG. Molly's fight. Is there a part of you that's bummed that this fight isn't happening at MSG a month earlier? Um, not necessarily anymore. I was a little like, damn, I have never fought in New York. You know, a lot of these guys in there. Yeah that are on this next card have fought in MSG numerous times. Um, but taxes, that's mm. why I moved to Florida. I don't have to pay <laughs> state income tax. I don't have to pay city tax. Uh, but yeah, it's a dream of mine to fight there. I used to train at Henzo's, which is literally three blocks, four blocks away. For years, I trained. I used to walk by Madison Square Garden every day. Uh, my grandfather boxed in Madison Square Garden multiple times, you know, in the 50s. Wow. He grew up in Harlem. Yeah, he grew up in Harlem. And, uh, yeah, I used to shoot heroin, like, down the block from Madison Square Garden. So, you know, I'd walk by it all junked out and be like, oh, man, maybe one day I'll fight there, you know? And now I have the opportunity to. So, yeah, but my time will come. It'll just be a bigger fight than this one at a later date, and that's fine with me. By the way, uh, your grandfather's name? Salvatore Ferrello. Wow, that's amazing. What was his record yeah. at MSG? I don't know what his record at MSG was, but he was 38 and three as a pro. Wow. So he uh, was quite, yeah, he was quite the boxer. And then he went to prison for eight years for, for selling heroin. So. Oh, damn. <laughs> Holy smoke. Yeah. Kind of walk, kind of walking in his footsteps, but he got messed up later on in life. And then eventually, you know, it just got worse for him. He died young from a heart attack when he was like 69 or something or 70. Um, but yeah, he went to prison in Detroit for eight years for selling heroin. And um, now, you know, I got messed up younger and I'm, I'm, I don't want to walk in his footsteps the way he ended his life. So right. thank you, Grandpa, for teaching me a lesson, you know? What, what a life, man. What a story. And, and uh, it's never a dull moment. I saw on your Instagram not that long ago, there was a guy with a, a baseball bat that approached your family and you had to apprehend him. Did you ever... Oh, uh, yeah. Did you ever, like, uh, figure out why... Like what was going? Because honestly, when I watched the well, yeah, clip, I know the guy. Exactly why. Oh, you do know why? Okay, why? Yeah. So, um, so the person that took that video was my cousin. Um, but what happened was we came out of a restaurant in Chicago. Me and my family, 
my parents, my cousin, and her husband. Uh, my, uh, I forget what it's called, something in Georgetta's, some famous restaurant in Chicago, old school restaurant. And we're walking down the block back to our hotel. And um, there was an ATM, like a pull-through ATM for cars. And there's a guy at the ATM machine, and on his bumper sticker, it says, I love crack whores. Really? So I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. I'm like, I, I thought it was hysterical, obviously. You know, it was kind of crazy thing to have on your bumper sticker. So I took my my phone out and started filming it. And and then I noticed, like, through my phone that he's, like, climbing out of the passenger side door because he couldn't open his door because the ATM machine was right there. So I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? And I see him going to his trunk. And now I'm thinking, oh, shit, we're in Chicago. <laughs> Maybe this guy's going to whip out an AK-47 and kill us all. Uh, and he grabs a bat and he's walking towards me like at a fast pace. So I'm like, fucking guy crazy. And I got really upset. So I'm with my parents and my cousin and her husband. And uh, my cousin's husband is, is, does martial arts also. So he's no pushover. Uh, so I'm like, yo, Ken, look at this guy. And we just like, I approached him also and grabbed him. And I'm like, are you crazy? You're approaching me and my family. You have a bumper sticker on your, oh, you're taking a picture of my license plate. Yeah, because I need your license plate. For what? Huh. What do I need to pick? You have a, it says it right there. I love crack cars. And he's like, oh. And I don't know how I was able to control myself because I really wanted to, like, you know, hurt him more than, than we did. But we just apprehended him, I guess, took the bat, and, and he walked away. <laughs> it's a very strange exchange to watch because he seems like kind of like, a normal dude and you're he's like can i get the bag yeah. back and you're like no you're not getting the bag the whole thing was very weird <laughs> yeah it was strange yeah. yes all right well good good job on your part um before i let you go just curious how do you think this goes down how do you think it actually plays out this fight there's obviously going to be a lot of attention your fight's going to get as much attention as any fight on that card including the main event and i'm sure you know this how do you think it actually plays out um honestly i Anytime I ever predicted one of my fights, I was wrong. <laughs> okay. I'm not, I'm not Mystic Mac. I'm uh, fucking Jared. Fucking, Jared from Queens. I don't know what I am. Yeah, I'm Jared from Queens. I don't go. I mean, I think it's going to be an action packed fight. I think it's going to be a fun first round. Uh, and I think I'm going to drown him. I think I'm going to, think I'm going to, uh, you know, break him. Uh, that's just always my style, though. That's what, anytime someone asks me, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, I think I'm going to go out there and, get the guy tired and grind him out and kick his ass. And that's how a lot of my wins have gone. So, I mean, you know, maybe something better will happen. Anytime I predicted that I'm going to finish a guy, I go with decision. Anytime that I uh -huh. say, you know, or, you know, so it's like, I'll say that I'm going to go with decision and just drown him, but maybe I'll knock him out now. So we'll see what happens. The real play is you say you're going to lose and then you win and then you win in like 10 seconds. That's like the complete opposite of what we were just saying. But obviously you don't want to say that. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> but, but, by the way, do you, do you consider, like, do you think there's some people who think he's, you know, overrated, overhyped? Do you subscribe to that? Listen, fight's a fight. And he goes for it on the feet. I think he's more dangerous on the feet than people give him uh, credit for. And he's, uh, he's tricky and he's, he's unpredictable. So, you know, I mean, he's got three finishes yeah. in the UFC right now, and he's on a on a big streak. So I mean, um, anything could happen. Uh, but I think he's, I think he's more well prepared. And now that he's got 
all of this hype on. He's got a lot of support, and he has the money now to afford to have nutritionists and other coaches and and traveling for training and new ideas and new people. And you know, sometimes all you need is a little little tweak in your game, and all of a sudden, you know, things change for you uh, in a good way. So I am not underestimating him whatsoever. I think it's going to be a fun, tough fight. Uh, and I, you know, like the whole plan, like. He speaks about mental health. I speak about mental health. And, like, I don't think anything's going to come of it as far as, like, you know, organizing something. But, like, really, two kids like us, I know he's from Liverpool, which is a blue-collared a blue -collared place, you know, like, not always the best of uh, circumstances for people in that city. I come from Queens, New York. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Uh, I, come, You know, my background, I know he's had some struggles with his background, so, I mean, you know, if we could help people, that's really the goal. Instead of being, you know, fake gangsters on TV or professional athletes, you know, uh, instead of trying to tear each other down, we can try to help people and, uh, you know, entertain them at the same time. So fighting for me is just another day of sparring, just with small gloves and less gear. But the pain and the blood, like, that's not the issue. I just want to win. But so the fighting part's not – it's not a big deal to me. It's all about how I present myself, how he presents himself and how we can change and make a difference. And, um, you know, some of the fans are I just want to see blood and guts and they're, the crowd is fickle, but, um, that's how I feel, man. Like everything I've gone through, I don't fucking give a fuck about, you know, being the cool guy or, you know, smoking blunts on TV and shit. I was smoking blunts when I was 11 years old. There wasn't even, there wasn't even, they wouldn't even have camera phones back then. So, I mean, 11? You know, all that shit is played out. I started swimming pot when I was nine years old. Come on. No. By the time I was 11, I was nine years old. By the time I was swimming pot, I was 11 years old every day, literally almost every day swimming pot, 11, 12 years old. Who's giving it to you? No exaggeration. At that age. You want me to name the people? No, uh, no, I don't want you to man, name I lived in a small knit group of neighborhood in Long Island at the time, and, and all the younger kids were friends with the older kids, and... It was very easy for us. To, and everyone had money. I lived in Roslyn Heights. Everyone was rich at that point for me until I moved to Queens. And uh, everyone had access to, to drugs and alcohol. So it was really easy for us. Jeez. I have a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. Yeah. And like the idea of them doing something like that. Man, when I look back at it, yeah, I mean, not to put my parents on the, sp the spot, but I was swimming a pile with my parents when I was that age too. For real? Um, my parents are great people. My dad's a businessman. He's, you know, a millionaire or whatever. I'm not trying to, you know. Yeah. Just, we, he, they were great people, but it's just the way it was. My whole family, my cousins, my uncles and aunts, we all, it's just the way it was. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to glorify it. No, no, of course. That's how my, that was my childhood. What a story, man. Well, I can't wait for this. Happy that you're getting this opportunity. And by the way, congrats to you and your, your teammate, Bilal, on a great weekend in uh, Abu oh, Dhabi. You two weeks ago a uh, huge win i'm sure his success is inspiring as well for you to uh you know oh, to reach yeah. those heights seemed like you guys had a great time out there i see you uh doing tug of war with tigers playing with monkeys yeah. uh i mean golly you guys <laughs> you got i don't know if i yeah, done, was that before the fight the tiger war the tug of war with the tiger no no, no that was it. okay was geez that. louise because i felt like you were yeah, kind yeah. of you know playing with fire we there struggling yeah yeah it was tough all right strong animal yeah um uh, great stuff, Jared. You're an inspiration, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Um, and again, good luck in this uh, training camp, and good luck on December 10th. Thanks a lot for doing this. Great to talk to you again.
Thank you, Ariel. I appreciate it. All right. All the best. There he is, Jared Gordon. I love the way he says Ariel. It's like a lot of the uh, the guys I know here um, in New York City. Just trying to fix this, Frank, because uh, sometimes my my thing goes out. Why do you do that? Because uh, it goes out. Just, just of, randomly? Yeah, just randomly. You're not tugging on it or anything? Not touching a thing. You see me right here. What about that clip? Do we have that clip of the, yeah, uh, the tiger? Watch it. The tiger one. The tug of war. I mean, what's going on here? Two on one? This is crazy. That's so awesome. Who wins? I think the tiger. With his mouth? Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, what a likable chat, huh? Yeah, very much so. Likable, likable guy. I'm looking forward to that fight very much, and what a great card. Uh, that's uh, the final UFC pay-per-view of 2022. What a year it has been, but there's still plenty more. And uh, it continues with a star-studded event this Saturday at the Apex. We need to make our picks, guys. Before we do that, though, a quick word from our good friends. Been a while since I sang that song. Small tear coming down my face. Hello, GC. Look at you. Hello, Eric, as well. But, you know, we've been talking about your looks wow. for the past two months. Now it's time to focus on GC's look. Who does he look like right now? For those that are just listening, uh, he is fully entrenched in Movember. You have shaved the beard, but the mustache is... Uh, did you not notice this, Eric? I feel like you're just noticing it right now. Yeah, so I can only see you. So oh, I have to watch the got feed. It. Okay, okay, oh, okay. Because wow. okay, I you want me to send you a selfie. Rick? Anytime I, I got one right here, I'll, I'll send it to you. By the way, anytime you guys like play packages and graphics and all these things, I'm 30 seconds, 40 seconds behind any of that. I can literally oh, wow. only see you. Feels like oh, something sorry, we should then. address. No, feels like something we should fix on the back end. Very important to bring it up now, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys don't know this. You don't know what you're sending well, out. That's that seems I, like an even bigger problem. I've Frank. never actually been in your chair, right? I've never actually been a guest. Yeah, but I'm talking to Frank. He's like, oh, oh, you're bringing it up now. Like, you don't know what you're sending yeah, that's, to people. That's, that's that, in a different lane. I stay in my yeah, lane. Yeah, he's an audio guy. Okay. I feel like we need to talk okay, to uh, that's, that's perhaps seems problematic potentially. Uh, so GC, you are uh, fully entrenched here. Uh, we're going. We're not going with the look where Arnold. Uh, you know, uh, who's also. Involved. By the way, I think New York Rick once upon a time was involved in November, right? Back in the day, yeah. Yeah, uh, I used to do it every year. Yeah, you're, you're not doing the whole shave down, grow the stash. You're doing just keep the stash right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shave the beard down, just keep the stash. I'll, I'll keep, you know, mowing down the beard as it comes along. Uh, and yeah, we raised $1,350 last year. Oh, we're going to kill that this year. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. It reminds you when you go to the page uh what page? The Movember page. You know, I'll oh. plug it. I'll plug it later on after my picks. You know, I'll do the same thing as last year. Any winnings I have from the bets, I'll donate those to Movember. If I lose, I'll match my losses. Donate those to uh, to Movember as well. So thirteen fifty is the goal. It reminds you how much you got last year to kind of give you an incentive for this year. But yeah, wow. one of my favorite months. I mean, first thing I did yesterday when I woke up, beard Shake. gone. Oh yeah, I was looking forward to it honestly. And 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 why do you do this? Uh, so 
Movember is like an actual charitable cause, like what Arnold Allen was talking about. Like the the donations is is for a foundation called Movember, and it's you know mental health for for males, prostate cancer awareness, uh, testicular cancer awareness. It's it's really just all surrounding uh, all aspects of of men's health, uh, suicide prevention as well, tagged along with the with the mental health. So I see it's a uh, it's a good cause. I love having a mustache. I get to do it for a whole month. I mean, I could look at this all day. You love it. Love it, dude. You shake up. Everyone you see, they're like, oh, a mustache. Like, as soon as I walked into the control room today, like, you forget that you have it, too. Everyone's just like, You don't like, feel oh, that oh. you have it? Like, you don't feel like a, a force on top of your lip there as opposed to? No, nah, no. Nah, you forget about it pretty quickly. And wow. Then, yeah, like, everyone kind of reacts weird, and you're like, oh, yeah. I forgot I have this dashing mustache. Uh, yeah, no, like it's it's a solid mustache. I thought it was uh, a caterpillar. Wow. Uh, why don't? By the way, why don't you rock it the whole year if you like it so much? Mm, I like the one month special. Okay. I All still right. think at the end of the day the beard looks better, but it's yeah. it's fun to shake it up. By the way, what does your uh, what does your girlfriend think of this look? Oh, loves it. Loves, loves it. it. She counts she counts the days down to November. Really. Oh yeah, I feel like most women would not no, like no, the stat. No. Wow, she loves right. it. She loves it. I don't know if I believe you, but uh, <laughs> she loves it. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, should we get her on the line? That's a keeper. Yeah, line one, uh, Frank. Why don't you call <laughs> her up and ask? I feel like he's not telling us the truth. Uh, I think if I would have shaved my beard and kept the stash, I would have been kicked out. Yeah, I think she's learned to accept it. This is year four. Year of four. Wow. To experience it. Well, I can't wait. You said thirteen hundred last year. Thirteen fifty. Yeah, that's, I think we that's beat the that. goal. Oh, I think it's. I think you're quick getting involved too. Doesn't look like it. I'm not. I mean, I'm, it's November second. Yeah, he's got a beard. But, yeah, but I'll but I'll help. I'll contribute. I'll I feel like you're now like I feel like like the look is set now, right? Like the hair even has a little style to it. Me? Beard, yeah, I feel like you're done. No, no, no. Yeah, this hair's got to go longer. Really? We gotta get an undercut going. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel like this is a great. I feel like this is it. No. This huh. is still too close to a buzz. Like, this is a buzz. You even have like, like you have like a faux hawk right now. Yeah, I know. I have like a what do they call that a cowlick? I don't even. Yeah, I think that's called a cowlick. I've got like the hair. No, this is this no? isn't. This good. isn't it. I yet. think it looks great. I think it'd look a little We're bit better get to, if, you, if you had a mustache to pair with it. <laughs> no, we've seen we've seen how my face shape looks. So, um, but I, I need to get a little comb, enough length for a comb at least. You know, like I don't this know is about that. But all right, no, to each his own. Um, all right. Well, this is all very good stuff. All very inspiring. Yes, stuff. good cause. Shout out, shout out to GC for that. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Arnold Allen. Shout out to Arnold Allen. He's doing I it mean, as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jared Gordon has a great beard, by the way. Oh yeah. Asked him if he, he does. Yeah. Very thick. Very strong. What a story. Um, all right, gents. Well, we got to get back on track. Um, <laughs> I mean, is this just Groundhog Day? I mean, it just feels <sighs> like every week. Where I, I was telling you, see, before I don't know about this week, and maybe that's the best feeling. Maybe we have been yeah. too confident. Yeah. I mean, maybe a little humility will do us good. We we okay, are getting sure. quite close. I think uh, if we lose two more, we're we're officially in the negatives. Uh, oh my and gosh! Have lost money on on this endeavor. We uh, won't though. I like that attitude, Rick. Let's randomize this order. Okay, here we go. Of course, uh, the big one is Amanda Lemos versus Marina Rodriguez. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez also Bang. against Neil Magny. Rick, oh, Rick first. Oh, you will get the last. first pick. Followed by Connor, followed by Frank, followed by Ariel bringing up the caboose. Yes. Now, there's several ones that you can choose from. Um, there's the UFC. Uh, there's boxing. Uh, GC told me none of the other smaller shows have lines out, right? So I guess there aren't several. There's just basically two. They have lines, but they're not going to be up on DraftKings. DraftKings, right. Even WWE? 
Yeah, Frank's anchoring no. for WWE on this. Oh, you Saturday. want no, no. You want a little crown jewel? No. If you add WWE, then I'm adding, uh, I'm adding Georgia football. All right. No, we're not. No, I'm none kidding. of this. None of this there garbage. There we go. Uh, all right, that. Rick, lead the way, man. The you got a full empty slate. So, the 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 obvious move here is to take Miranda Maverick, but I'm going to leave that one on the table for later since I'm going first. I'm going to be courteous. Wow. And I'm going to take the adjusted uh, over. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. It, the over one and a half in Pollyanna, Viana, and Jin Fry. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you like this one? Uh, I mean, it's thrown a wrench into uh, oh. certain members of the. Uh, oh, no. House Frankie? <laughs> Was that yours, do, Frank? Do we, do, all right. Doesn't so, matter. do I need to adjust no. and take? I mean, you come equipped with it? one pick. You, you kind of pay. That's for it? it? You only had one pick in the back pocket? It was, I mean, I thought very specific. I, <laughs> I, listen, I'm I'm very happy to take Miranda Maverick right now. No. Very happy. No, no issues. <laughs> I think Ariel's saying no because he's looking to take Miranda. No. Uh, I, I will just say, well, first of all, who's second? I like um, both of them. Connor's as much. Oh, okay. So I mean, someone's gonna take. You could take Miranda Maverick, and he could take that. I mean, I feel like it's like six and one half dozen in the other. Right, this is he, circle back to me if if she's still there at the end. We'll we'll swap it in. I'll take her, uh, no problem. I have a hard time thinking she'll uh, she'll still be there. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm actually gonna go with the money line. Uh, I won't be taking Miranda Maverick. I will be taking. My man Mario Batista. Ah, minus looking mm. at that one. I was looking at that one. Mm-mm-mm. All right, minus two eighty-five against Benito Lopez, plus two forty. Lopez haven't seen like him gone in forty months. Long layoff. Maybe he's leveled up. Batista, he's already two and zero in twenty twenty-two. I think he's got advantages almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he gets it done. I like it. I like, I like it, it as well. Uh, that leads us to uh, oh, to man. Frank. Yeah, this is tough. Wow. Um, lots of options. What a great card, by the way. Yeah, I think it's one of the better offerings. Yeah, I'm really excited yeah. to watch it. Oh, yeah. Going over to GC's you know, there's some, to watch that. There's some decent fights. Come on. I think I'm going to do a money line. Okay. Um, Miranda Master. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Frankie. And uh, that leaves us one. Yes, that is I. By the way, I want to look at the, uh, before I make my pick, which I have one. Yeah, a lot of old totals. Uh, what is Bivol at November 5th here? Mm. Uh, can't go with anyway minus sixteen hundred. Uh, that would be right up my alley. Uh, oh man, yeah. Jeez, so, like uh, so, so many. Anyway, like um, by decision. Well, where is it? Where's uh? Do they not have him here? Let me just search for his name. Oh, there he is. Uh, minus five fifty. Not bad. Um. So we have that. Also, of course, I was burnt last time I did uh, boxing with Michaela Mayer. Um, I'll tell you one that I've I've got my eye on, but I think it's probably too risky for these purposes. I like What's Mark that? Madsen against Grant Dawson, even though he's an H Dell. Yeah, I think he just stays your your. Yeah, H-Dow. yeah, yeah. Just stay away yeah. from that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you the Can I tell you the one that I'm looking at right now? I'm looking at Marina Rodriguez, Amanda Lemos. Fight starts round two. Wow, that's tasty. Minus seven fifty. Wow. <laughs> Now, uh, let me just make sure that I'm reading this correctly. That means once the second round starts, I win. 
correct? That's, that's correct. If the second round starts, they have to yes. actually start the second round. Right. That means they can't. There can't be a finish in the first, and nobody yes. can be not get off the stool for round two. The, the, there must be one second off the clock. In yeah. Round two. The second round has to start. Second round has to start. Yeah. Once we get to four fifty nine, I win. Right. That's right. That sounds like correct. It, yeah. One second into the round. Like if it's just thirty seconds into the round, if it's a half a second. <laughs> Right. Yes, any <laughs> seconds, any moments into the round. Not even the horn. As soon as the horn goes off. It By the way, what if it's Dr. Like Stoppage in between first and text. second? No. N- then you do you not want to just go over one and a half, keep it simple. Why? I don't know. What? By the way, that's, that's not even being offered here. It, it is. The oh, what is it? The difference in line is huge. Minus 750 for starts round two, minus 450 for over one and a half. I don't see it. <laughs> I, I'm looking at best fight odds. Is that wow. I'm I'm looking at DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, so so that means yeah. Well, but I mean, but I'm, I'm looking at the, round. But that means I have to get halfway through. Oh, get to, get halfway through round two. No, yeah. that, that's that that would be the exact same thing that Frank did and got burnt. What? Two and a half <laughs> minutes for 300 points. So. Guys, at the end of the day, we are not being judged on our points here. We're being judged yeah, on our Ariel wins and wants losses. To lock it up. I, I want the I'm wins. okay with the logic here. I'm, I'm okay going, with the logic here. I'm going fight starts round two, Lemos Rodriguez. We're just trying to get back on track here, fellas. Oh, okay. Uh, You're just get... doing us a favor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like I'm on uh, a bit of a roll here. I, I follow. I follow. I'm with it. I like it. All right. So what are the <laughs> odds for the entire parlay? That, that's what I'm uh, figuring out as we speak right now. Uh, you know, Can we make the case to the DraftKings guys, guys that this is such a big card that we should get a boost for this? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure that'll go over swimming yeah. for us. They should double. There's, there's fights on this that I that I like. I got to be honest. Name me three. I mean, Magni and Rodriguez is an interesting okay, fight. Okay, three. Too. That's why I said three. I like I like that fight. The main event's interesting. I think people are docking at points, obviously, because it's the main event. But that's an interesting fight. I'm, I mean, I'm all Marina in Rodriguez on the most versus title Rodriguez. Shot on a win? Magni and Rodriguez is the best fight by far. I do like the Dawson-Matson fight. Yeah, and I was going to say that one, too. Like it. Obviously, there's, I love MMA. Three. Of course, there's a lot. To, but like we have to admit, this is a pretty thin card, right? Yes, you, I, I think... Don't make me sound like I think a hater everyone here. believes I, the last four fight nights have been subpar. But yeah, that's the thing. Is this any worse than some of the last couple? They're all they're all kind of <laughs> actually, all equally bad. Actually, in the muck right now. Actually, DC and I were arguing this. He actually said that this card was better than last week's, and I said <laughs> this is yeah. my point. No, yeah, no, I, I could not uh, disagree more. Here's the thing: Alan Cater going in. Was so that's a potential number one contender fight. Is that alone raises the profile of everything? Rodriguez Having, and Lamosh is a potential number one contender fight. Are you really comparing in terms of stature and star power? Listen, Alan Cater, you're also comparing one fight to one fight. It's, yeah, I think top to bottom. Also, yeah. Rodriguez has a loss to Esparza. I know it was split very, decision, yeah, very you know, contested split decision as far as Rodriguez, too. Uh, or Way Lee Rodriguez for the title. Depth wise, I think. Look, you know what hurts a lot of these cards when when it doesn't feel like the main event has has sure. the juice that people want. They're gonna look at it and all of it. It's it's not bad. It but losing jails on. I'm comparing it to the rest of the not bad. You know, yeah. I'm comparing it to the rest of the muck. I mean, it, this is only my second fall watching every single UFC event from start to finish, but 
feels like the fight nights uh, definitely get phoned in a little bit more once the fall months come around. It's just the what? sound of the crowd. Ooh, by the way, by the way, wasn't always the case. Hate to bring it up. Yeah. Like we we were it wasn't always some, the case. We were having like we had a stretch over the summer that it was just like every week they were bringing it. But no, yeah. I'm saying it wasn't always the case. Pre-pandemic, yeah, no, no, no. it wasn't always I, the case. It's, it's, they don't have to sell tickets. Well, they sell those $2,000 like VIP. I was about to say, Arnold yeah. Allen yeah. revealed the, the price tag on those. Jeez Louise. Uh, uh, so the final parlay. Yes. Yes. Pollyanna Viana, Jin Frey over one and a half. Mario Bautista yep. money line. Miranda Maverick money line. And uh, the main event, Marina Rodriguez, Amanda Lemos to start round two, plus 114. Uh, I want to say this is our shortest odds yet. Let, let's do it. Let's get back in the win just, column. We just need just, to. We just need to shake the losing streak. Plus one fourteen. Did you just say? just as yeah. an exercise? What is it? What does it become if we go over one and a half in the in the main <laughs> uh, event? I feel plus like one fourteen turns to plus one thirty one. Yeah, negligible. By the way, it's still an H Uh No. Yes, it is. And number two, haven't there been haven't there been um, parlay pals that have been in the minus? Or am I wrong about that? No, no, no. Oh, we've no. never had that. Four, if you're doing if you're doing a, a four fight parlay that's still in the minus, you know, just get out. It's right up but, my alley. I'm not going to lie. By the way, we have a uh, parlay pals <laughs> text thread, and at 4:22, yeah. so 14 minutes ago, you you GC texted us a picture of yourself. Why yeah, is that? He was, he was texting Aaron. me. You're not paying attention, Aaron. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize that you were tight. <laughs> Bathroom break. Because unlike unlike Frank and Joe over there, he's trying to he's trying to keep it you know all running smoothly. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, this was fresh off the shave yesterday. Spirits were high, feeling good. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> there it is. I mean, sounds like a winner to me. I feel good Same. about it. I I wasn't feeling great. I feel good. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're. You know, yeah, we're on a Viana round one submission. We're oh jeez, uh, we're a little hey. uh, we're a little beat <laughs> up right now. now. We're a little yeah. We're, are, are we trying to sabotage ourselves? What's There's happening? No sabotaging. Here? It's just you know, you know, prepare for the worst. Right. Expect the best. Expect the best. Prepare for the worst. Okay. Um, what about your picks? Yeah, I feel great about mine. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let's do it. Let's see if I can. If I can pull these bad boys up here, you know, just doing some. Okay. All right, yeah, let's get into okay, it. Okay, here we go. Uh, just had to do a little stuff there. Look where I start off. My man, Mario Bautista, the man that I took in the parlay, took him earlier this week. Like I said, Benito Lopez coming off a uh, 40-month layoff. Maybe he's leveled up. Maybe he's he's better than he ever was, uh, and he's just going to prove me wrong, and people are going to be cashing some heavy underdog tickets on him. Uh, I hope that's not the case, but uh, I would be surprised. I think Bautista just has this fight everywhere. Uh, I just think he has the better striking. I think he's going to have more volume. I think he's the more explosive fighter. I think if it does go to the ground, I think he probably has the advantage there as well. Uh, you know, I think he gets this done by finish or by dominant decision. All right. Moving on to the next one, Miranda Maverick. She is also in our parlay, but I will be taking her inside the distance here. Really not much to say on this one. Back in 2019, they fought uh, in Invicta. It was, it was counted as an exhibition, but Miranda Maverick choked her out in the first round. Miranda Maverick's still only 25. She's been improving. She's still got that great wrestling. What does Shannon Young struggle with? Wrestlers. Since she got the UFC, she's 1-3. She's been taken down in every one of her fights. Choked out, pounded out, 30-26 by Macy Chazon. I just don't really know what you would see in the tape, the stats, the history uh, to 
make you pick Shauna Young unless you're just taking a blind shot uh, on a big dog, and hopefully it works out for you. But I, I see this being one-way traffic and Maverick getting this done pretty easily. Uh, By the way, th- you could have given Frank for going money line and not inside the distance. I bet that would have beefed it up a little bit. Uh, that would have beefed it up a lot going oh, from yeah. uh, So why am I getting all the hate? Because, you know, well, listen, you're going to look like a genius if the fight gets finished within that little window of uh, of the start of oh the second God. round, the oh two and a half God. minutes in. I mean, you're going to be able to have the biggest victory lap of all time uh, if that happens. That geez. after you told Frank to take the over one and a half in the Aljo-TJ fight, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. That's well, true. you'll be, uh, you know. You'll be a seeing eye man or whatever they call it, seeing the future there. Next up, Derek Minner, Shalian Nordenbecka. Uh, I'm going to take it under two and a half here. Uh, so Minner, 20 of his 26 wins are by finish in the first round. And when he loses, he almost exclusively gets finished. 11 of his 13 losses by finish. 34 of his 39 fights have not seen the third round. These guys combined 87 professional fights between the two guys. Big sample size, 68 have gone under the two and a half. That's 78% of the time. And you're giving me a line of minus 125. I'm willing to take a little shot on it. Um, and then just work with me here. Uh, just follow me. Derek Menner. 26 professional wins, 22 of them coming by submission, including 13 of his last 14. Norton Becca, 10 professional losses, six of them coming by submission. Minner, 72% takedown accuracy. Norton Becca, 40% takedown defense. Minner, 2.8 sub attempts per 15 minutes. Good for the most in featherweight history. I'm not going to say it hits. But I think we're going to have a good shot on it. I think it's going to be live. We're taking another sub prop. You know we've had so much success with these in the past. Derek Minner by sub plus 300. Wow, what a breakdown that was. I mean, that was some of your finest work right there. I mean, you got to follow the numbers sometimes. you got to follow the stats. Yeah. Uh, Let's keep it rolling. Tagir, Ullenbeckoff, Moneyline. Tagir kind of in this weird limbo of fighters. Like, can I trust them? Uh, Last year when he fought Alan Nascimento, very sweaty from the beginning of the fight till the moment he got his hand raised. I did not know if he was going to be able to win that one. Then against Tim Elliott, he kind of played into Elliott's game plan, gets dropped in the first round, has a great finishing round, but isn't able to get the decision, gets a loss, you know, costs us all some money. So I don't know if I can fully trust him, but I'm going to give him one more shot against Nate Maness. Tough weight cut for Nate Maness. I mean, he is 5'10", and he's coming down to flyweight for the first time ever. You know, if you've looked at his stats, he's fought at lightweight. He's fought catchweight 140. He's fought at featherweight. He's fought at, you know, most recently bantamweight. He's not a scrawny dude either. Like, he's got muscle on him. I don't really know where these last 10 pounds are going to come off. I think that's a pretty big red flag if you're going to be backing him just because you don't know how he's going to look. If you want to wait till you see him on the scales, obviously, I can I can respect that decision. Uh, but, I mean, even if he does have, have an easy weight cut, I think he will have – his hands full a little bit with uh, Tagir Ulanbekov. I mean, if you just go back and watch his last fight, Umar Namagomedov beats him, pillar to post. It was never even close. Every round goes in, takes him down, dominated each round, 30-25, 30-26, however you saw it, it was not close. And uh, I don't know, last time I checked, who's uh, who's Umar Namagomedov uh, close friends with? Who does he train with? Mm. Uh Oh, yeah, that's Tagir Ulanbekov. Take a look at old Umar Nurmagomedov's story last night. Who would that be? Tagir Ulanbekov signing some posters before UFC Apex 64. Uh, You'd have to think having him in the corner, having him on the team, obviously Khabib, uh, you know, Javi Mendez, that whole team as well. You know what the game plan is. You you need to come in. You need to grapple, and that's your path to victory. Um, 
I just think the same issues that were presented to Nate Maness uh, against Umar Nurmagomedov will be presented here as well. Maybe not as dominant, but I think he will be able uh, to have those same advantages uh, and get it done by either unanimous decision. He does have subs, but the way Maness fought off Umar that whole fight, I, I doubt the sub happened. So uh, to get Roland back off by decision, that's that's what I'm feeling here. All right. Next up, let's go to the co-main. It's Daniel Rodriguez. So both these dudes, very tough. Uh, they have finishing capabilities, but they're not really lethal. I mean, Neil Magny has the most decision wins in welterweight history. Uh, so I see this just being a close competitive decision. And in what I think is going to be a close competitive decision, I'm going to side with the guy that I'm getting at plus, 20, plus 225 by decision that just throws and throws and throws. I mean, he lands 7.75 significant strikes a minute. That is the most in welterweight history. Plus, I also think he has the more powerful shots, um, something that he couldn't say in the last fight against the Leech. Uh, a little bit of cause for concern, you know, the the staff infection on his elbow that moved this fight to this card. Magny's got a huge reach advantage, uh, but I do think just D-Rod's going to have the better boxing here. I think it probably will stay on the feet for a majority of the fight. I know Magny has the potential threat of the takedowns, but I see this being a boxing match. I, th- I see D-Rod being able to close down that range and winning a uh, a very close decision. And if you look at the odds, Mag- as razor thin as they are on the money line, minus 110, Magny, minus 105, D-Rod, if you look at the decision odds, Magny's plus 120, D-Rod's plus 225, that was just some value that I that I could not ignore. So I threw a half unit down on D-Rod by decision. That would be a massive win for him. Would be a massive win. Would be would massive. be really fun to watch. He does hold power, but I mean Magny, dude, he just does not quit. He is he is a tough, a tough man to finish. Last up, main event, back to back weeks that I kind of get, you know, my biased main main event pick. I mean, it was Arnold Allen last week, big fan of his. Now it's Marino Rodriguez. I had the future honor to maybe uh be the flyweight champion by the end of 2023. Obviously, that is not gonna happen, but I think she's gonna get that shot. Uh or by the end of 2022, I think she gets the shot in 2023 with a win in this fight, and I think that's exactly what she's going to do. I talked about value on the D-Rod decision. There might not be a ton of value here on Marina Rodriguez' uh, money line at minus 205, but I'm going to play her regardless because I am a fan of hers. I think she's just going to have the volume advantage, the clear striking advantage. Sure, Lemos has the power, but I don't know if she's going to be able to find the chin uh, of Marina Rodriguez, and I just think over the 25 minutes, especially in those later rounds, she's just going to out-volume or out-strike or outlander uh, and be able to get this one done by the if you look at when she struggles, it's usually against women that rely on their wrestling. Obviously, we talked about the Carlos Barza fight, uh, Cynthia Calvillo, uh, Randa Marcos. They all went for takedowns, relied on racking up control time. I just don't see Amanda Lemos doing that. There's no history to to show that she's really the wrestling type. I mean, she hasn't landed a takedown in her last five fights. The most control time she's ever racked up is only two and a half minutes. I just don't see her going for the lay and pray tactics. She probably has the better grappling, you know, slicker submission game, but I just don't see her laying it down. And I think Marina Rodriguez over the last five fights or last four fights she's had since the Esparza fight, I think she's improved that takedown defense. So I think she'll have success here. Uh, and I do think this is a step up in competition for Amanda Lemos. And, and I think Marina Rodriguez is the one that's going to be getting her hand raised. And then getting a title shot, apparently. That, I mean, is it crazy to think she gets a title shot? She's, uh, the, she's the number three strawweight. No, I, I thought... I thought if Rose would have beaten Carla, she was getting the title shot. She was the biggest loser that night. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I mean, other I, I than Rose, so of course, who lost the belt. But in terms of, like, it, it changed her path. This obviously would uh, get her back on that track. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it felt like, I mean, Rose had 
fought, I mean, had she beat Carla, she had the wins over um, Zhang Weili and everyone else, I felt like that was going to be the next fight. So I could see it happening. Yeah, I mean, it feels like we've been talking about her getting a title shot since since she beat Dern last year. Yep. Uh, two quick parlays for you before we go. Yes, sir. Uh, right here, over one and a halfs galore. Madsen Dawson, Rodriguez Magne, Rodriguez Lemos, all over one and a half, pays out plus 107. See all those fights going long. And then a little cross parlay, UFC Apex 64, UFC 281. I went Miranda Maverick, Aaron Blanchfield, Zhang Wei Li to be and new champion of the strawweight division. That pays out at minus 102. Had Jailton Almeida in there, but, uh, you know, unfortunately we lost him. Yeah, that was a bummer. All right. There you go. Uh, a little Zhang Wei Li. Nice. I like yeah, 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 it's very rare on. that you do that. Very rare, but... I felt like uh, you know those are some favorable matchups, and then you know we start we start the raising money now. We're already at twenty dollars. Damn, thirteen fifty. That's what we're going to beat. Who is the first person? I don't know. Some I random guy. Yeah. So random. I feel like is it inappropriate to put a number? I have put a number thirteen fifty one. Oh, okay, I feel we like just want to beat. We just want to beat last year. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. I think we can do it. Mm-hmm. I think we can do it. It's on. It's in the bio of all my you know social medias. Yeah, uh, you have a link, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's All a right. link in, in the bio. All right, cool, cool, cool. And by the way, where does the money go to? Is it to raise awareness? Is it, like, I know, yeah, the, so, like, what, what, what does the Movember charity do? Yeah, awareness, and then, like, they have, like, individual pro, uh, projects, like, targeting Got uh, men-specific cancers, um, suicide prevention, things like that. That is great. And do they only do stuff in November? No, I think they do it year round, but I think but obviously this is the when big gets, money maker yeah, yeah, yeah. is is the month of November. All right, best of luck to you. Best of luck to us. Um, it shall be interesting. I have to finish up my questions here, okay, guys? So no time to waste. I lost the bet with uh, with Frankie. He said I couldn't do it two weeks in a row. Yeah, well, these things happen, right? These things happen. Um, by the way, uh, let me just say quickly before I go. Um, to Mr. New York Rick, our social media expert. How do you feel about my comments regarding Twitter? Yeah, I feel like you're you're personalizing it, if I'm being honest. Well, like, I mean, all yeah. social platforms are this way. Um, no, I just said I want would... Twitter to get swallowed up by the uh, the ground and burned to hell. Yeah, but that's because that's your experience on Twitter. All oh, social you're platforms saying have so... this ability to be toxic. You don't, th- you don't think Twitter has gone worse? This. No, I think I think social media in general is just. I feel like the comments way. in Twitter and the toxicity in tr- Twitter is a lot more prevalent than in Instagram because when you're going through Instagram stories, posts, you're not scrolling through comments. You're just looking at what that person is posting. Sure, but there's solutions for that. Well, blocking, look, oh, ignoring, yeah, blocking. muting, following different people. Yeah. You are the you are the master of this domain. You are allowing your experience to be tainted. That's that's on you. <laughs> okay. Uh, enough about me. How do you feel about all this like charging for verification and all that? Yeah, that um, that's going to be interesting. I mean, I as not uh, I'm not speaking as the MMA fighting account. I'm speaking as yeah, me, Eric yeah. Jackman, New York Rick. Yeah, not gonna happen. Just, just not paying for that doesn't doesn't make any sense to Is me. Is it a hundred percent? It seems that way. Yeah, it seems like he's definitively said that it's going to be eight dollars. So if you don't um, pay the eight dollars, you lose the badge next to your name. 
What an unfortunate yeah. turn of events for GC, who just got the badge. Eh, I mean, so it would be uh, one more. We worked hard. We yeah. worked hard to get it. And I mean, honestly, um, like now, I feel like, you know, paying $8 a month, like I feel like having the badge next to your name now will be like a little bit corny. It's like... It's like paid for it. It's like being a, a a member of UFC gym as opposed to like your local gym. Like only like but, the real whack jobs do that, right? Let let me say I this. No <laughs> <laughs> let me say this. I get it. Why shouldn't why shouldn't there be levers to make Twitter additional money? Like this makes complete sense. Hundred percent. But charging. Is, but yeah. the, doesn't he say we need to do this to try to like weed out the the trolls and the fakes and whatnot? And isn't well, the whole point of the verification thingy to do just that? There's a combat. There, there's two things that are happening. Verification is also being tied to Twitter Blue. I'm not sure if you're if you're aware of Twitter Blue, but Twitter there is a service right now that people pay for for Twitter. There's a premium subscription what do you service get from right that? now. Uh, access to certain media articles, um, priority priority on certain things. Like it's essentially what what he's describing. He's combining the two, Twitter blue and verification will be one package and it will be $8. And I get it um, to the point about, you know, separating out the bots and trolls. I think you'll actually find he's probably more aligned with you than I think you'll think. Like, I think he is, he is very pro weeding out the bots. He is very pro making oh, sure. it necessary for people to show who they are. So I would imagine I think that he probably I mean he gets an infinite amount of them. I'm just wondering why you would want to charge people to have the thing that was put in place to weed out the imposters from the yeah. real ones. Like let's just say some you know Woj, right? Uh Woj yeah. breaks all this news and there's all these fake Woj accounts. Woj is like I'm not going to Now we're going to have a very hard time knowing what's real, what's fake. You're going to have to look at the followers. People fall this for is it me now. Sp- it- is there going to be like a vetting process? Like I feel I like think that there will be a million woges that are verified. Yeah, this this is me speculating, but I think that there will be a very aggressive movement toward removing those types of people that are that are just bots that are just imitation. But what if um, Woj says I don't want to pay for this? Doesn't it make the whole Twitter experience worse if there's a bunch of people? Why? Fake? What if someone else? But comes I'm up saying with a what Woj I'm saying is NBA I think they will and, try to weed out. They will try to weed out the fakes in a much more aggressive way than just blue check or not blue check. Does oh, that make sense? Sure. I think that Do you have Elon to have Musk's certain- entire the reason that he went to court with Twitter after initially saying he will purchase it was over the fact that they've misrepresented how many bots were on the platform. He is very uh, anti-bot. He is very sure, aggressive sure, sure. against the idea that artificial people are on the platform and it should only be an actual community for people who are being authentically uh themselves and giving voice to things so i think in concert with the idea that verification or the the verified verified badge will be purchasable i think there will also be and this is again me speculating but based on his words and his actions will also be an aggressive um purge of those types of bots so that at woge will be at woge and you won't really have to worry about a bot cropping up and trying to fake it do you have to have a certain amount of followers to be able to buy this verification? Not as far as I've seen or understand. So then, the, so then it's... again, like let's say, okay, let's say myself, right? <clears throat> I'm like, nah, I'm not going to pay for this. And then there's someone who starts Ariel MMA and pays eight dollars. Now all of a sudden they're verified just because they paid eight dollars. 
Doesn't that yeah. confuse the people? Doesn't that make the experience Well, I worse? think, again, verification is going to mean something different, right? It's just premium. It's not necessarily vetting. It's not necessarily right. like, these are the people to trust and these are not the people to trust. It's literally, are you buying the premium package or not? Do you think you know? there should be a, a system in place where if you have X amount of followers, let's say you have 10 million followers or something like that, you should get that verification... I mean, uh, if everyone I was knows doing who it, Kim Kardashian is, right? If, so, if I was yeah. doing it, if I was making the rules, I would say no. It should be based on, um, like companies. Like, I think companies should be verified. I think news outlets and things like that should be verified. Okay. People, I'm not as concerned yeah. about, and don't think necessarily. I like, like that. I think a news outlet should be verified. Yeah, ESPN. Um, but an individual person, Fox. like a Kim Kardashian. Doesn't not, matter. Not particularly concerned. Do you think this will end up being a good thing for the experience or a worse thing? And by the way, my comments about oh, no. it being swallowed up have nothing to do with Elon. Like it just wasn't, yeah, it's not specific. To it's Elon about Musk, but what the I experience think his has vision become. of Twitter yeah is probably closer to your vision sure, of Twitter. Maybe if I'm maybe being he's honest. doing that. Maybe he's doing that. Do you think that um, Twitter should be a paid service? Everyone has to pay. Like well, that's, that's essentially what this. That's well, essentially what this is. No non-verification. Like, you have to pay ninety nine cents just even to have an account. Oh, yeah, that's well, you're you're yeah, now you're really changing the the base yeah. and I don't know if that would be successful. Is I there... think Twitter is still going to keep a lot of users for free and then there will be some that they're able to shift to premium Do you like users, this? but I think if you charged completely that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Do you think this is good? Don't know. Too early. Too early and to say. Is there a Twitter competitor right now? Like, you know how everyone says like, oh, Reels and, and TikTok, this and that. Who's doing Every, something like Twitter? Twitter is very unique. I wouldn't say there's a Twitter competitor, but I think they're to fighting gain from for all social this. space. Right. Other social platforms, okay. for sure. So TikTok if and there's Instagram an opportunity, are being like, charge $15. Yeah. They're, well, the models are different. Every, every social platform is going to have a different model. But yeah, if there's an opportunity, then I think you know, in, in change is where those opportunities can be most taken advantage of. So if it is ultimately for the worse, and if it is ultimately changing the experience for on Twitter in a way that Instagram or, or Meta now, the, the parent company of uh, Instagram and Facebook um, can take advantage of, they will. They definitely will. And so we'll- TikTok. I've always been a big proponent of social media and it certainly helped me out tremendously, but um, yeah. yeah, it doesn't feel as fun. I'm telling you, man, you gotta, you gotta, you have to take some yeah. authority and the problem is people, own. people, people use the block as a badge of honor. So then you don't want to give them that. So why does that matter to you? Let them. Yeah, who cares? Oh, you'll then you'll they never hear it. from them again. Look, look at this soft ass mofo. Look at this. That's thing. all right. And who <laughs> are they saying for that a reason? To? Who cares? Their know. buddy? Who no, are so they saying I, that to? I, I enjoy the idea of muting them and them just speaking to no one. I feel like that's so funny. So do it. No, I do that all the time. But then when you mute someone, they still pop up. So then it's like, oh, it's not really, it's like there. And Lock them. You can, yeah, you can always take the, the post and run strategy. Think you know, that's, think about what that's, just, by the way, that's think, how I use TikTok and Instagram. So, so then you're, you're literally saying, I know, I'm but saying. for some reason on way, Twitter, but for some reason on Twitter, it's so there, like the comments are just there. Think about the psychology of what you just said. I know. You don't want to give this random loser I the personal know. satisfaction of the block. So you're willing to sacrifice your own happiness of not blocking them and not seeing them ever again Do you think I should just, just so that they can't have the satisfaction. I only have one uh, block-worthy type of thing, right? Like one thing that is worthy of the block. One trigger for it? One like automatic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it's it? It's when people 
um, disrespect the guests when they yeah. say shitty lineup, boring lineup. That's the mm. one thing. I was like, yeah, fuck. I like that sense. you have a, a, I have, a, a system for it, though. Now, one could say, like, uh, you know, when they call you a dirty Jew, that should probably be the line. Yeah, um, I'd say that's block yeah. worthy. Yeah, that's probably a good line to have, yeah. Uh, but uh, to be honest, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I have a, I have a no-block policy. You! You're telling me to block, and you don't have a block policy? Yeah, because, no, but here's the difference between you and me. My experience is very curated. I yeah. only follow people I like. Right. I only read things like if somebody's giving me feedback and I I don't care for it, I'm just going to ignore it or move on. It doesn't stick with me. GC, do you the random eggs don't get to you me. Become like so that. much more uh, famous. Uh, there's a few people that I've blocked, but it, yeah, it's like making ridiculous claims, like where it's just like there's no positive at all coming from this person's account towards me. I'm a pretty big muter as well. Mm-hmm. Just like I advocate for this, these people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, think I mean, you like, should. I like a couple of people that I blocked. Like uh, when they're like, "Oh, you know, if I get good line movement," and they're like, "Oh, fake lines, this scam uh, artist." I'm like, <laughs> "Who am I scamming? I do this for free." Like, also, like here's the bet slip, man. Like, it's like stuff like that. I'll I'll just block them. It's just like this person is just ignorant. Yeah, yeah. That's I like fascinating. It. I encourage healthier habits. That's my that's that's what I will stump for. No, sure, sure, sure. I, I would like I would like to uh, partake in those habits. It's just you know, it's yeah. tough. It's tough. It's a lot but of yes, uh, it is. A lot it's, of it's way too early. TBD. When is this going? To, when is this going to? Uh, oh, to he's play? he's he's owner. He's he's the man now. Is he he's the, the sole guy owner in the, in the chair? No, no, no. Twitter's There's public, other right? investors. Yeah, there's a well. It's not, not based on that. He came in with a group and got it. Is, like it wasn't all his money. There are there are additional stakeholders in it, um, but he's been in charge for a few days now. I think this. Uh, I think this paid subscription service is supposed to be at some point next week. I believe that this will shift over. And how much um, was it? Four it, billion it or something. Timeline. Uh, four point four. I think was the number. Man, can you imagine buy a sports team or Twitter? And you, he, I mean, he chose Twitter, uh, and now he's Twitter's, on Twitter. Like you could uh, buy the Suns probably for four point four billion. One's, one's more of a headache, but more powerful. Which I would say for Twitter, like <laughs> I feel like so the, much more fun the, to own a sports team. Just I mean, the fact money. that the the fact that the owner of Twitter is like on Twitter trolling people is it's bizarre. I mean, it's it's a ridiculous world. How soon before he starts giving people their Twitter back? Uh, yeah, I mean, see that I, I saw. I think I saw an article that this is not going to happen for a while. Oh, okay. And but when does he want like the Twitter paid thingy to go into effect? I think next week was the. Was oh the wow! Deadline. So yeah, I think so. One day, all soon. these people's badges are going to go away next week. Well, the details are hazy, right? Like the, it's still kind of wild, internal, wild but like that's the assumption. That's wow. the assumption. There's a lot of people who feel very strongly about those uh, check marks. I mean, I'm looking at a like I just opened Twitter, and I'm looking at one that. Someone tweeted at him, LMAO at a billionaire earnestly trying to sell people on the idea that free speech is actually an $8 a month subscription plan. And he responds back, your feedback is appreciated. Now pay $8. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, this is the owner of Twitter saying that. <laughs> and all those uh, dudes from back in the day, like Jack and all those guys, they're I'm gone? Saying. They're all gone? Uh, 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 I think Jack is is uh, Jack Dorsey. We're talking about yeah. is involved in a new social media service that he's uh, starting up. I also believe, and please don't quote me on this. I could be incorrect. I believe there he has some kind of stake now in the new Twitter. 
Um, but I, I could be wrong Twitter. on that. So well, this is all fascinating. Double, double check I'll never that forget for me. the first time I ever heard about Twitter. It was the night of the Affliction event going up against the Anderson Silva James Irvin card, July 19th, 2008. And I was working for MMA rated. GC, I think, was in fourth grade at the time. Fifth. Uh, yeah. Is that legit? <laughs> no. Oh, what, okay. you, what, when was 2008. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. All right. And uh, Sang No, who worked with me at MMA Raid, is like, you need to get on Twitter and you could tweet about both events. I was like, what is this? I'm just going to write out things for people. And that's yeah. the only day the MMA Rated Twitter account was in action, and those tweets are still up. How about that? Twitter it was only time. one day. One day we did it, yeah. And then it just kind of died off. You can see it right now. It's uh, twitter.com slash MMA Rated. I'm heading over there right now. You wrote these? Yeah, it was me and him together. Oh, yeah, sick pick. Yeah. yeah. 67 followers still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fedor destroyed right Sylvia. Yeah. 36 seconds. There it is. <laughs> I mean, detailed breakdown. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, it's like a legit exactly time capsule, that thing. It is Arlovsky a time Rothwell, best fight of the night. Arlovsky knocked Rothwell out. How about the fact that Arlovsky just fought and Rothwell is still thriving? <laughs> I was just thinking that. Isn't that Because I was going to ask Connor, do you know who Sylvia is? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, because I was thinking grade. that. I was like, he might not know Sylvia, but Arlovsky and Rothwell yeah. are still doing I mean, these, it. These crazy. are fire. Just, just what one night, one night in the, yeah, in the on on Earth, July nineteenth, yep. two thousand eight, a really special night. It uh, was. Yeah, I had just turned fifteen. Uh, had to hang. maybe pay for the verification uh, on that one. Yeah, CB one BTW. I mean, just brilliant breakdowns. What does that mean? Is that CB oh, Dalloway? Oh, you're the, oh you're CB the one. I thought one. Yeah, yeah. I think it was CB Dalloway on the July 19th. Card. Yeah, yeah. The Dalloway UFC one. card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 536. Wow. What a finish. There you go. I wasn't sure <laughs> yeah, but what you the see hell what, we were doing. What's funny about that is there's still people in MMA media who tweet that exact tweet <laughs> That now. is a good one, yeah. Like in, uh, in 2022, maybe that's even still me. a tweet for MMA Live media. now was one tweet. Just, yeah. Just I, was tell, I was letting people know there were yeah, a lot I mean, of people were, following. I mean, you were firing these things off, man. Yeah. I can't take all the credit. It was Sang and I. Yeah, anyway, I hope he's doing well, saying. Haven't talked to him in 14 years. I'm going to go back um, and like every one of these tweets. Thank you. Great thank guy. You. I never met yeah, him. I met him, and he is a great guy. All right, let me answer these questions here. Uh, Caleb says, hi, Ariel. Greetings from Texas. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Aljamain Sterling saying he wants to take a break and not fight until mid-next year. His comments seem strange to me, especially considering how active other champions are when healthy and they don't seem to be doing him any favors popularity-wise, which is an area he struggles in already. It seems unnecessary to hold up a division as stacked in full. Eh, honestly, I mean, first of all, saying that, that that could be negotiation, it could be posturing, and there are fighters who have taken some time off, um, or excuse me, champions. Um, it's not that big a deal. I wouldn't get too worked up over it, to be honest. Let's see what he actually does. Let's see how it actually plays out, but I wouldn't get too worked up over it. Grant Young, hi, Ariel. What are your thoughts on ringside judges watching fights via monitor slash screens instead of live, or at least having access to both? They have such a limited vantage point from where they're sitting and surely miss exchanges that might affect how they score the fight. I know the commentators are often looking at monitors rather than the live action in front of them, so why can't the judges? Yeah, I think you can make a case that watching via the monitor would give you at times a better vantage point. But I do like the fact that they're watching with their own eyes. They are deciding. Because then you could say, oh, the director showed this angle and the cameraman shot it like this. And this is your eyes. And that's why there's three different vantage points. Now, could you make the case for more judges, maybe four around the eight sides, something like that? 
Um, four would not make any sense because you don't want them to be an even number, but five, whatever the case is, um, I get it. This has been discussed. It's been discussed putting them in the back. It's been discussed giving them the replay and all this stuff, the monitor. It will always be debated. It would always be somewhat controversial, somewhat polarizing. I like that they're looking through their own eyes and there's no one feeding them what to see. Uh, Brian says, yeah, right, Ariel? Hullafo Scotland, respect. I would like to put your pound-for-pound rankings formula to the ultimate test. By your logic, would you have ranked Matt Serra higher than George St. Pierre in the pound-for-pound rankings after his win at UFC 69? Yes. Definitively, yes. And would you have ranked Matt Hamill higher than John Jones in the pound-for-pound rankings after his win at the Tough 10 finale? No, because that was a DQ and we all know what was going down there. I want to know if your formula holds up in these scenarios. So yes, Serra at the time would be above GSP unequivocally he won the fight we know what happens the whole thing is fictitious the whole thing is a debate the whole thing is a what if but in this regard we know what happens between these two guys of course sarah would be higher than george st pierre hamill jones completely different jones dominated that fight and he you know he got dq'd via technicality so completely different so no i wouldn't put hamill higher than john jones at light heavyweight or pound for pound Uh, Todd in Dallas. Hi, Ariel. Can you please clarify something that is critically important to the future of MMA and combat sports? Are the office for the night pictures cool or uncool? Wow, that is such a great question, Todd. Um, Well, one time I mentioned, so the reason I, I do it sort of in jest is because someone asked me, I think I was on McAfee's show back when McAfee would have me on. Um, that there's really no benefit anymore, at least in for, for me, my POV, uh, to go to these events other than to take a picture of the octagon, of the cage, from press row, from our seat, and tweet out or post on Instagram, office for the night. Uh, I don't really see, again, I think you can actually get a better vantage point from home, listening to the commentary, listening to the corners, listening to all that, watching from you know all their great angles and then everything else is made available to you. now other re- there are other reasons to go and there are definitely um reasons that you know people have and I respect that um but the joke was other than to post this picture and get you know some retweets and likes and say hey here's my office for the night which you always see media guys do not only in MMA but NFL you see from the press box office for the night Oh, World Series, let me take a picture of the field office for the night, you know, because it's obviously a pretty damn cool office for the night. Um, There's no other benefit. And so now I just kind of do it in jest. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm kidding, obviously, when I'm doing, I'm referring to that. Uh, But, you know, I'm no bully, if that makes you feel good. If you're proud of that, if you're happy to be there, you do you. But it was sort of that. And, and maybe I will stop doing it now that you mentioned it. So the question is, are they cool or uncool? Well, I guess if you're doing it seriously, I would view it as somewhat uncool. But look, if you're proud and excited to be there, God bless. If that makes you happy, God bless. You're not hurting anyone. God bless. It's just me being an ass, honestly. And um, you know what? Now that Todd mentions it, I'm not going to do it anymore. How about that? Or if I do do it, it's going to be 100% serious. Okay? What? I don't want to be that guy. No one likes that guy. I don't want to be that guy. So thanks, Todd. Thank you for allowing me to see the light, Todd. Even the great me messes up, and now I've seen my, you know, 
I've seen the error in my ways. Uh, finally, Aaron Pete. Ariel, you are incredible at booking guests. Wow, thank you so much. Do you have any advice for those initial invites for individuals you don't have rapport with? Part of me wants to dive into how amazing they are and what questions I'd have, but I also don't want to overwhelm them with a big, long email. Great work hosting the face-to-face. -face. You're going to history books as an all-time great interviewer. Thank you, Aaron Pete. Well, I appreciate that very much, Aaron. That's very, very nice of you. Uh, it depends, right? If I have a relationship... It's it's a text. It's a lot easier. But, you know, doing the stuff on my YouTube and reaching out to people that I don't know, a lot of these people have no idea who I am. And so it actually reminds me of when I started and I would send out 20 or so messages via MySpace uh, and I would be writing to George St. Pierre and Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz and all these people who had no, Rashad Evans, who had no idea who I was at the time. And you have to try to, you know, um, convince them to come on. So my advice would be to be very respectful, to be short, concise, try to show an example or two of some of your work, um, whether, you know, via a link or something like that. If you want someone to be on your YouTube show or whatever, here's, you know, my page here, try to give them as much information as possible and evidence as possible so that they click and look and be like, oh, this guy's legit. He's got this many people watching or this many people following, or he's interviewing these types of people. Um, you know, quick, respectful, professional, uh, not too pushy, short, right? A short email, but also a short interview. That's that's one of the most important things to get people to come back. You get them on for the first time, you keep it to 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is, or you ask them beforehand, hey, do you have a hard out? I want to respect that. So that the next time you ask them, they'll be willing to come on and they don't think like, oh gosh, this is going to be an hour out of my day or two hours or something like crazy like that. So you have to be very respectful of their time. And, uh, you know, be persistent, but don't be annoying. If someone says no, leave it be. If someone doesn't answer, wait a bit. Don't keep hounding them. Don't keep flooding them with emails. Um, and then you'll build up a rapport. You'll build up a trust. Um, and then you just keep building on that. You keep building on that. You keep building on that. And then you'll get them in the good times, the bad times. Uh, one big thing, you know, as time goes on, it's important to not just reach out to people when you need something. So it's important to actually treat them like human beings and not just bother them all the time. Obviously, you can't check in on everyone and have a relationship with everyone like that, but you try. Um, you try to be respectful. You try to be uh, mindful. Uh, you try to be very thankful. After every show, I text every single person that came on and thank them um, and uh, try to be as appreciative as possible and try to you know make it worth their while be prepared, ask good questions, ask thought-provoking questions, ask somewhat challenging questions, make it worth their while so that they don't feel like this was a complete waste of time and either no one's going to watch it or they hate it or don't want to be a part of it, are embarrassed or regret being a part of anything like that. So it's really just like being a normal person and being a, uh, a mensch. The best way to describe it is be a mensch. Be a mensch. Before, during, after, and you'll have plenty of people who want to talk to you. All right. That's that. It's been good. What do you think, Frank? You did a great job. I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. Uh, it's been a good week, and I think next week is going to be a really fun week because the UFC is in town, and anytime the UFC is in town, we usually have fun times. So I'm looking forward to that. For now, though... It is time to say goodbye, Frank. 
I've had enough. You've had enough. We've all have had enough. Any previews for next week? No, I got nothing. Hmm. <laughs> Are you gonna watch Hereditary tonight? Not tonight. No. No. Why? I have other plans. What do you got? Not watching Hereditary. Wow. You're going out? Maybe. Wow. You going to the uh, Mexican place next door? Sounds fun. Yeah, it is fun. Uh, it's a great place. They they love you over there. We walk in with you and everyone's like, hey, what's up, Frank? <laughs> it's amazing. Thanks for exposing all of this. This is great. Um, by the way, maybe uh, when Mexico plays in the World Cup, we could go watch it over there. I don't still think they have one TV. Oh, we still have to figure out our World Cup plans. I mean, there's going to be games going on as we are speaking here on the show. I thought we agreed that we weren't doing the show. I don't know. I'm very stressed about all of this. I mean, Canada's playing first time since 1986. You know, what am I supposed to do? We need to figure this out. We need to have a powwow over this. It's big time stuff. Can't wait. Going to be Morocco, going to be Croatia, going to be Belgium. It's going to be amazing. Uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Thank you to all our guests. Thank you to uh, the crew, of course. Thanks to all of you. Thanks for all the great questions. Moderator Lewis did a great job. I'm sure there were many more, but those were great 21 questions. Thank you very much to Jared Gordon, Arnold Allen, TJ Dillashaw, BJ Flores. And once again, thanks to all of you for tuning in for another edition of the program. Back on Monday, same time and place. Until then, I say peace.